Okay. All right, my dear, stand by. Okay. Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Everybody, hello, hello, hello. It is Saturday night, 7.42 on the West Coast. So early for everybody. April 29th, year 2017. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and stuff like that there. <laughs> you have to cover them all just in case we're late on those dates. Uh, uh, well, especially, we're, especially considering we're uh, tape delayed on the blue, so you never know, you know? Mm, that's true. You know. Hello, Alden. Hello, Patricia. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. We're back after <laughs> after two weeks. For a little bit, we didn't know we were gone. That's true. And, uh, sorry for the delay. There was a little Skype issue down in Texas, so we had to wait for them to clear up. And I heard a little bills and dingers and tweaks and stuff like that there, so I knew I had to go <laughs> fix something, so... Anyway, Patricia and I are here. We're going to open up the phone lines in a few minutes. So hang tight because, you know, Patricia might have the almanac to go over or the Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> or the dictionary or 
be oh, careful. Yeah. My, my reputation is getting pretty wide. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of history do you have tonight, Patricia? Oh, um, yes. yes, hello. I do have a little piece of stuff that broke my heart this week when I came across it. This is from the Smithsonian. Yes. They found a new substance, and I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly. It's luciferins. Yeah, L-U-C-I-F-E-R-I-N-S, luciferins. And if that's not correct, I'm staying with it. It's a substance that has eluded the scientists for years and years and years. It's the stuff that gives fireflies their lights. And they were so magical before, you know, to see these little things go pink, going across the back lawn, pink. And now we know, now we know it's not magic. Isn't that heartbreaking? It's magic. Cause God created it, it, it. He does it magical ways. So he decided for the butterfly to have little luciferin. You see, it took billions and centuries for all these scientists to figure out what God did. <laughs> I mean, it's just some things I just don't want to know. Okay. And I would put that. In, okay. So I would what, put that in what else is on your list that you don't want to know? Oh, gee. Oh, gee, Walden, I never thought about that. Things, uh, you know, oh, they, in the same, <laughs> in the same, in the same, oh, gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> this is still Smithsonian. They get into pretty grotesque stuff sometimes. And <laughs> in the same issue, they, these are email issues uh, of the magazine. Um, They had decided <laughs> that. Elephants and people take about the same amount of time, or precisely the same amount of time, to use toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they measured mice. <laughs> and then they measured cats and dogs. Who cares? I mean, that's one of, that's I, one of my who cares. I, I, Do you I'm care about something like that? I'm more concerned who paid for that study. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll keep the weird stuff to myself next time. Isn't that, I mean, that really is over the top. Uh, well, well, it is. Is that something you would, you would, um. It would never cross my mind. Really be eager to know? No. Thank you. I, I, you know, I took some biology classes, but it's not a passion. You know what I mean? If. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I... Even in biology class, I wouldn't have thought this was of any value to anybody. Oh, look, the frog group. <laughs> <laughs> we, we started dissecting with frogs. And um, we didn't care. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I had froggy. I did that once in high school, and that was enough, you know? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that yes. You know, they kept bringing us back to the same frogs. You know, we'd examine the brain and the, and the brain stem and all sorts of Okay, we'll be back tomorrow and, and examine the um, the olfactory system. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let my poor little frog alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just grotesque. That poor little frog. I kept him in this formaldehyde. That's the one I came home and put it on the on my dresser. Your mom, must, your, your mom must have been thrilled. She was not at all thrilled. She said, move it. 
so I did. I put it on the windowsill. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet little me. Look at what I could do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, oh, my goodness. Would, would okay, that, I have a Winnie the Pooh. Would, would that part of your rebellious state of your, of your childhood? I don't think it ever left. <laughs> oh, no, it, it was. It, it really was. I'm not rebellious anymore, am I? Or am uh, I? I don't know that you ever was a rebellious child. Oh, no. Do you know the term passive-aggressive? I've heard of it. I probably could define it at a certain point and but still be wrong. Okay. Okay, no. A passive-aggressive stance is you really dislike the person or what's happening in front of you, so you wrap a really ugly statement into a pleasant package. That's a wonderful idea, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, one of my supervisors, when I first started in nursing, she said, well, I just told him he was a piece of poop, and he'll never know it until he gets home. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that kind of thing. So, anyway, yes, I was passive-aggressive. When did you go, when did, when did, when did you start that behavior? When did you stop it? I think it started by itself. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I had nothing to do with it. Um, and it stopped probably last week. Ah. Not true. No, I mean, two I, weeks. I, I, all the years I've known you, I don't, I, I don't see that a part of your makeup now. Because I think it's when you're unhappy, you're, you're just, you just tell it the way okay. it is. Yeah, really? (laughs) Oh, okay, everybody. (laughs) We have the unvarnished Patricia tonight. (laughs) Not even a a sloppy paint job. (laughs) What you see is what you get. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you a a Snoopy, and then we can open the line. I love Snoopy. Okay. Okay, Snoopy has a very special ability to hear something. What is it? Uh, I didn't know this. He was able to hear the cry for this supper time. Darn close. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had the ability to hear chocolate chip cookies speaking to him. This I is never, a doggy after my own heart. I never Isn't that cute? That. I never knew that. I didn't either. So there, now we both learned something. Wow. Okay, hello, everybody. <laughs> what have you got for us? All right, everybody, we'll open the phone lines. Well, I just got a couple of announcements. We got a couple of guests booked in the month of May for okay. Saturday night, so we should probably put that as a notation. On Saturday, May 13th, Patricia and I are going to be honored to be with Tom Dreesen, who was the opening co- comic act for Frank Sinatra for 14 years. And he has a one-man show talking about those days with Frank Sinatra. And he goes all over the country. And so that will be a delight. That is from our friend Dave Kane. And so that will be on May the 13th. And then in the end of May, May the 27th, our wonderful friend Cynthia Myers will be back. Prof- Professor Cynthia Myers from Texas. And we'll... We'll tackle the next part of Patricia's wondering about advertising and radio, including Frank and Ann Hummert. So those are some of the guests we've oh, got yes. planned for Saturday in the month of May. So 
Hello, caller. You're on with Patricia. Did I hear my name mentioned? You sure did, Dave. Peekaboo. Peekaboo. How are you? <laughs> I'm uh, seven nothing. You got through. Peekaboo, you got through. Yeah, I, I prepared myself, and I had myself, I had you guys on speed dial, and when I heard you start to make the break, I hit the button. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a high techie, Dave. What can I say? Oh, I know. You oh, and Walden know all of the buttons. I just sit here and talk. Yeah, I know. That's but yeah, that's the important part though. Any any dummy can hit the button. <laughs> Being able to pull the airtime is the real thing. I sit here and talk and he says, Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So One day be, I'm did, going to break a rib did, laughing. Did Patricia behave herself last Saturday morning? Yeah, she was. We uh you know, I haven't heard from the police yet. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah. I haven't yeah, any, yeah. Be a bit, be a bit uh, you know, uh, passive-aggressive, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you for an example. You might give me one. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, Patricia and my, my friend Donna Bond uh, when, the, when she called, so... It's very cool. Well, now, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you played Patricia's song a little bit last Saturday. I did. Really? So, yeah, I did. Okay. So, are you going to have to come up with something for Donna? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to intrude here. This is Dave from Rhode Island. Would you please identify yourself? Because I mess it up every single time. He's not, I can tell you what he isn't. He isn't a DJ. Thing. An on-air personality? No, yeah, you know, I don't. That, that that sounds awful. It's not that there's anything wrong with being a DJ. I don't want. No, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Any aspersions? Something I did a long time ago, and and I got. Yeah. I would be considered a, a talk show host. Well, I I think okay. he. I think he. For our purposes. I think he's more of a personality. I think he's more of a personality because. Uh, we need an all-inclusive word. This is Dave from Rhode Island, and he is the person who invited me last week to attend his talk show and allowed me to speak a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot. And um, he's available if you, if you want to talk well, to him. We, had a, ever, just... we had a good time. We had a good time. And Ron called in. Good. Very cool. Well, of course, Walden called in. Now, did that kid that I jumped on, did, did, what was his name? Chad. Chad, nice kid. Nice kid from Nebraska. Yeah. Pulling his face, did he know I was just teasing with him? I hope. Well, you know what he told me to do? When he started, hit, when we, when he hung up on his phone and played it, he said, you better call back. You better call back and defend me. So I didn't get around. I was, didn't do that. So, you know, I think Chad, looking from a treehouse right now, well, forgive you, Dave. No problem. Well, yeah, he, yeah. Well, he. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't warn him that you know. I mean, uh, my job is to entertain my audience. Well, you know, I I could hand him the phone. Uh, he he wanted to call, and yeah. I hand him the phone. And then I was talking to Beverly while you were talking to Chad. So what can I say? Well, no, it was very good. But I mean, you should have warned him that I, you know, I was going to slap him around <laughs> my audience. You know, and, I, mean, uh, I, I have very delicate listeners, you know. You have to treat these people with respect, Dave. Yeah, well, he was very nice, and, and, he, and when he yelled, tell him I can hear him. <laughs> that cracked me up. That cracked me up. 
but Chad at 27, and uh, 27. I have food in my freezer older than that. It was fun. So I know. I know. And when he started with us, he was under 20. I know. And and when I started talking about the different convention, he encouraged him to go to Cincinnati for four years. Now he's gone to Reps twice. He came to Vegas, and uh, he's going to Michigan next week. So he's hitting the old-time radio circuit. What does he do for a real job? What does he do for a living? Uh, he actually plays music. Very cool. Yeah. He, so what he, does he play? He, he plays the violin. He plays the uh, piano, the keyboard. He plays in nursing homes and churches and the symphony. And then he See, also that. yeah, and he also and he also helps out in the different family farms. So, so you know, he's a pretty busy guy. And he also does research for Martin Graham. They're working on the uh, Lone Ranger book, and we have discovered in the early thirties when the Lone Ranger show was regional. It wasn't it wasn't coast to coast. Yeah. and you know, Fred Foy is from here. Uh, then in Massachusetts, he was born in Massachusetts. Fred Foy, who of course was the big time announcer. Sure was. I uh, I had I arranged for him to be at his last radio event in two thousand eight, right. and yep. what a super nice guy. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I did one of his last interviews on air, actually, too. Yeah, he was uh, he was trying to slow down a tad. You know, you could tell his voice was getting a little older and things like that. But he was just a marvelous guy who really wanted to be an actor, but he just fell in to be a, an announcer. And, and the other guy, the other guy, the other announcer, that, um, his name, of course, just went out of my head, from <laughs> Rhode Island, who was the um, the announcer on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Don Pardo. Don Pardo, yeah. yeah he, was, he just got the, um, a couple of years ago, he got the Rhode Island Radio Hall of Fame Award here. So, are you running out of people to give the award to? My what? Are they running out of people <laughs> to give the award to? Yeah, I think so. It's like it's like well, you know, you know, it's a virtual Hall of Fame. It's really, in all fairness, it's not really a Hall of Fame. It, it's it's a reason to have a dinner so that local charities can make money. They they give it usually for Special Olympics, which I think is great. Okay, okay. So the, but now they're down to it's your turn. <laughs> so so my uh, question is, is our friend Dave King in the Hall of Fame, yes or no? No. Then it's, it, it's not legitimized. It cannot be a real Hall of Fame without well, you, Dave. Yeah, that's not, that's not, yeah, it's not because of that. I'm, there's also a co- Comedian's Hall of Fame here, and? and I'm not in that either. What's wrong with that, uh, Dave? Well, you know, aside from good taste, I can't even, uh, you know, I mean, the people that run these things have their own agenda. I'm I'm not interested in that because if I, you know, if I'm not getting it, does it mean I'm not funny? You know? <laughs> does it mean I'm not funny? I didn't get it? Or does it mean I'm not funny to somebody's standards. Uh, There's one thing about humor. I always said about humor, it is individual. What strikes one person very funny, strikes another one to go get a cup of coffee. What's the old saying that Groucho Marx said? I wouldn't become, I wouldn't be a member of any club that would have me a member. Yeah, exactly. exactly (laughs) Yes, I remember that. Are you you able to take calls while Dave is on the air with us? I can call him and then have Dave on with us. 
So Dave, if you want to hang up, and then I can open the phone line, I'll just call you, and we'll have you on the other line. Well, why would you want to do that? Because you want to have calls, people. <laughs> people because oh. I want, you know, you talk with us periodically, but nobody else ever gets to talk to you. Well, if anybody cares, all right, I'll have right. you. know, you have my number. I, okay. do, I have your number, so hang up, and I'll call you right all back. Right. All right. All right. All right. Whatever Patricia wants, Patricia gets. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That sounds like Mary, Henry Aldrich's sister. Oh, Just boy, Henry. Oh, Patricia boy. Patricia from app, Skype, Trace app, online app, Walton Field app, search edit, active, favorite, page down, unread message, page down, Manu Gibson, unread messages, Barbara Harmon, page down, unread messages, Bill Bragg, Bill Page down, Brian Igoz, Brian, Carol with, Carol Pipe, unread messages, Carol with, unread messages, Celis from Charity 16, Charles Rich, Charlie Kite, Charles Summers, Chris Castell, Chris Zinchek, Christina Brown, Christine, Chuck McCann, Chuck Duggan, Blair Schultz, Lippo, Cynthia, Cynthia Mott, unread messages, Dan from Dave Kane, phone number, Dave Kane cell phone number, Dave Kane, Dave Kane, Dave Kane Radios, Dave um, Kane cell phone on. number. Let me see here. Application, on send, me. invite to enter, leaving menus, uh, contact, unloading, job, can't, okay, okay, enter. All right. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie and Snoopy are my very favorite characters. Winnie the Pooh said Winnie some people pizza. can't. There you go. There's Dave. Patricia going to do a Winnie the Pooh. Peekaboo. I know. Peekaboo to you. Someone. Okay. All right. Patricia, do your Winnie the Pooh, and people can call in at 714 <laughs> Five four five two zero seven one. Go ahead, Patricia. And you can talk to the elusive Dave Kane from Rhode Island. Or not. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, you notice how excited they are. Do you know this? You know, this is like this is like this is like one of those telethons that nobody calls into. That nobody calls <laughs> in. I'll put yeah, the first twenty five you know. cents in. Can anybody match it? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And we'll yeah. from there. Yeah. I remember uh, when we used to have. Go ahead. No, go. No, I said, I remember when we used to run we when we ran radio funds to raise money. We had um, recordings of phones ringing. That we used to play <laughs> to make it sound like the lines were filling up, and then everybody, you got to get in right now, and we'd play the song, you know, the uh, sound of the phones ringing to get people. To oh my it. goodness! You know, yeah. isn't that interesting? I have watched, for example, on PBS when they do their fundraising on television, and they'll say, "Hurry, people! Hurry! We've got a few phone lines open," and I look over, and they're all sitting back it's like reading a book you know <laughs> and the phone sounds are going crazy i never ever imagined that that untruthfulness would extend extend to you david i know well it's just it's just a way of encouraging them you know they want to be part of it yeah. you know did it work and yeah it would work yeah and it also made it a lot sound a lot better i mean it looks pretty pathetic to have people begging for you to call and there's no noise <laughs> Yeah, we did that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I used to do I used to do it with PBS, and I used to pick up my phone and pretend that I was talking to somebody. Oh, I, when I was on camera, I would pick up my phone and, and have a whole one-sided yeah. conversation with my finger on the button. So yeah. in case it really did ring, I wouldn't miss the call. Do they still have uh, telephone with, with local town for local stations anymore? Is that sort of 
passe. No, I don't think they do that. No, I don't think they do. Well, they stopped at the MD telethon, Biggie, that they stopped. And, um, and the, but the local ones, were, they were abysmal. Every once in a while, we have one here for a school. And, um, you know, and these people come on and their relatives are looking at them to see them. But it's just, they, they, there's no talent, though. They don't have any, they just have people coming on and they have some pre recorded stuff of the school, you know, and show the work that they do, which I think is pretty cool. But they don't do that old time telethon thing anymore. It makes you also wonder what think. the what the ratio of donations and how much do that really come through. I mean, they they must have an actual table saying fifty percent, whatever people pledge, they really only wind up getting fifty percent or thirty percent or whatever the. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. they do. Yeah, and they get everything as much as they can, you know, donated so the overhead mm-hmm. doesn't kill up, you know. And and uh, but you know it can be expensive to put one of those on, even with people donating their time, because a lot of times you run into unions and they they have a minimum they have to get. So you you know you have a union problem you got to cover and yeah. things like that. So sometimes it's tough. Yeah. And Which Jerry Lewis is. David, yeah, David yeah, nobody telephone. cares. Look, look at the phones. I got to ring it off. Let me call in and ask Dave a question because this. you know they they probably missed what was the Easter egg that you sold to somebody to put up on his roof. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, yeah, it might have been a good one. You got it completely backwards, which is really good. I had, um, it was well. I used to. I had a company. I had a company called Dave Kane Ideas, and I used to sell ideas, promotional ideas, to corporations and companies, and then I would execute it for them. And uh, one year, um, they, uh, one of the malls here asked me to come up with an idea for an arrival for the Easter Bunny. They wanted to do some big deal thing. And for some reason, I said, well, why don't we have the Malaga arrive in the world's largest Easter egg? <laughs> and um, and it's a long story. I won't bore you with it now. But what happened was I I had a, a giant Easter egg built from 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 an Easter egg that a display company had on their roof. That's where the roof comes in. This display oh, company oh. had used had used this egg years and years earlier for a parade. And when I went looking around, they the guy said to me, "Well, I got an Easter egg up on the up on the roof." And uh, it was just really what it was. It was a, it was a um, grid. It was a, you know, it's a metal grid, really yeah. not covered or anything. And uh, we took it down and covered it, painted it, and and so that was our history. And anyway, and, and then we did it for like, I did it for two malls, two years in a row, and then we couldn't. They didn't want to do it again. And then I had this giant egg, and I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and there was a company right, right you know, near me that, that was called Rent a Lemon, you know, uh, Rent a Lemon, <laughs> like, like you know, Rent a Wreck, you know, Rent a Wreck, the old cars. Sure, well, this guy sure. had one called Rent a Lemon. So I went in there. Now I had purchased this egg originally for a fast hundred bucks. It was a piece of trash, but after I fixed it, it looked pretty good. But I picked up for a hundred, and so I went into this guy and I said, "I'm going to paint this thing bright lemon yellow. How would you like it for the roof of your business? Rent a lemon. How cool would that be?" And the guy said, "Oh, that would be great." And I think I, I think I got three or four hundred bucks for it, and so I made a profit on that. And 
had it painted, had it painted bright yellow, uh, bright lemon yellow, and uh, brought it to him, and he put it up on his roof. And then I think he eventually, after a couple, of, I don't know what happened. I think he went out of business, and I don't know where the egg is now. But between the Easter Bunny arrivals, I had to put this egg somewhere, and I had a relative who had a farm, <laughs> so I I brought it up and put tarps over it and covered it, and it stayed on a farm for the whole season until the next winter, oh, until the next Easter season. So. <laughs> was there Horton the elephant trying to hatch it? No, no. It wouldn't it be cool to see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put a Horton on top of it? Oh, gee. Yeah. Well, that was pretty and good. Then, you wound up selling it yeah. to the car dealer. Oh, yeah. We had a great Oh, yeah. That was, that was a great one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was very cool. Did yeah, you have other storage problems with some of your other ideas that you had to use the farm to store other items? Well, I try, I think I, I, well, I told you guys that we, I, I took the egg, and when I got it, I took the egg to my house, and my, and my father-in-law um, sewed painter's drop cloths on the egg, big white painter's drop cloths all around the egg to cover it, and then he painted it, and we, you know, with a yellow and with a big purple ribbon all the way around it that he painted on there and a big bow. It was gorgeous. And everything was fine. And then I realized I couldn't get it out of my yard because when we had brought it in, it was in two halves. Now it was together on a, on a, on a gurney and we, we couldn't get out. So I had to take my fence down in order to get it out of the, get it out of the yard. I hope you got and a good the, return the, on that. Oh yeah! Oh, it was a oh, yeah, I mean, on that on that first pass with the mall, so you could put your oh, yeah. back yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! Well, I always figured the nice profit, and we were doing really well with it. But the funny part was the day that, you know, my father-in-law was working on it, and then one day he was painting it, and the the mailman came by and said, "Oh, it's an Easter egg." I was wondering what the hell that was. <laughs> <laughs> And we have a chicken on the other side, <laughs> asking for oxygen. And, yeah. and so what we did was we, we wrote a song called The World's Largest Easter Egg, and we put it on those Evertone sound sheets. We talked about this the last time. When we put it yeah. on, you, you remember these Evertone sound sheets? There was a little, you, know, you remember Patricia, don't you? These are the little, little records that came inside, like maybe a book. Inside a magazine, yeah, yes. it was a piece of plastic. Yes. Okay. And you okay. put it on a turntable. And it would and it would really play like like a record like a record, and we gave those out everybody every kid that came to see these to bunny they got a copy of the world's largest Easter egg which I which I performed when we did this Easter bunny arrival there was a whole show and my band and I performed the world's largest Easter egg we you know and I've had people come up to me and say you know what I got of yours. I've got a copy of the world's largest Easter egg. You imagine that, yeah. What kind, of band, what kind of band did you have backing you up on this thing? I just had, I just had, I just had uh, two guys. Uh, one guy, uh, keyboard and drums, and they harmonized. They were the Cash Brothers. They were Bob and uh, Charlie Cash, and uh, great guys. And they sounded like fourteen pieces, you know. And uh, and then I'd I'd say I sang lead and. And then, uh, and then when we did the East, and then when we did the Santa arrivals, uh, that was a fun thing because Santa, when I I was Santa's advance man, much like I am Father Misgivings' right. advance man. Um, when I did Santa, I would tell all the kids I would make this big announcement, 
that they did not have to be good for Christmas. And you want to hear the parent? Oh, they were ready to fool me. You want to? You want to hear the in the audience? It was oh unbelievable. my gosh! Oh my and I would say to them, "Try to kill you." Yeah, and I would say to them, "What I mean is that you must promise to try to be good for Christmas, because no one is good all the time. But if you try, most of the time you'll succeed." And then we wrote a song called. Uh, as long as you try, and uh, and again we did the Evertone sound sheets on the sheet, a red plastic, and gave those out every, every for everybody that came to see Santa. They got a copy of As Long as You Try, and we had Santa say to the kids instead of saying, "Have you been good this year?" Santa said to them, "Have you tried to be good this year?" Let him off the hook. So, how many songs have you written, Dave? Well, um, well, it just looks too. I mean, for me, I mean, but I, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I wrote, I wrote the concept and some of the words, and Charlie wrote the music. Charlie mm-hmm. Cash wrote the music, uh, and. Um, so I'm and sure so, your, your world is not as big as Livingston and Evans per se. As what? Livingston and Evans, the worldie for Silver Bell. Oh no 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 no. no. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not, and I wrote the lyrics, and I had to have somebody do spell check. <laughs> I'm not, you know. I was, It was just, it was just my concept that we put together, and then Charlie and I, I recorded it, and Charlie uh, rewrote the way, or would would uh, put the music down for us. It was really good. Oh, that's funny. Uh, we are talking yeah. with Dave Kane. Please give him a call, and he will fill your head with ideas. Seven one seven one four five four five. Two oh seven one. We're here. He's here. You see, you see how, how fascinated I have these people? <laughs> they well, can't even find know, their phone. Yeah. This is this is the truth. We won't know who was listening until we hang up because they say things like, Oh, we didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, oh yeah, that happens a lot when I have guests on, as you know, Patricia. Yeah. We we don't get calls when we have people on and because they're fascinated by what's going on. By the way, this week I'm Interviewing uh, Paul Anka. Oh. Yeah. 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 Tuesday, I'm doing Paul Anka. So you only got and, uh, you, only, uh, you, you only got your half hour of slot, and now is it, huh? Um, I don't know how much how much time I have for him. Um, Ken, I, thought, uh, I, I, I did Tom said, Dreesen again. Yeah. What? Ken, I thought you said you only have you only had a studio for just so long, so that's why you had only. Time well, in that in that particular that particular day that Tom Dreesen wanted to do it, I only had it. I could only because they had stuff in. But usually, if I can let them know soon enough, I can get in there for as much time as I have. Okay. But usually, I don't get more than a half hour, and uh, so I, I ran the second half of Tom Dreesen's interview today. Mm. And uh, and uh, he's a great guy, and you're gonna love having him on. Well, I, I think I think Patricia and I will have a great time with him here in a couple of weeks on May 13 live. So that will be all right. Fun. Right. Yeah. Don't mention my name because he'll, he'll hang <laughs> up. But other other than that, that's great. And you know who I had on, by the way. You know who you might like to have. Who? Um, because when he mentioned today, when I had him on, he he had mentioned. Um, working on the Tonight Show a lot. And uh, I have a guy, Bob Perlow. 
Bob Perlow was the warm-up guy for the Tonight Show, Jay Leno on the Tonight Show, wow. for years. He did he did the warm-up stuff for um, all kinds of television shows, and um, and I think you'd really I think I would. He'd be a good I would enjoy. Uh, you know, I guess Jay Leno still is doing stand-up co- comedy once a month in his whole world, L.A. He still likes uh-huh. he still likes to do it. And yep. he doesn't care what size, the size of an audience he has or whatever. He just shows up this little small place that he can just still keep his, you know, his act together once a month. And yeah, what I do is I, I call my friends who are still doing stand up, and I'll give them something I came up with. <laughs> and I'll give them, I'll give them material because I I don't do stand up anymore. But it, but you do get that thing like, oh man, I wish I had some place to do this. To what, say this. what makes a good stand up comic? Oh God, I don't know because I'm not one. Uh, um, I think obviously being able to relate. You know, comedians really, primarily comedians. You know, they state the obvious, but we don't realize how obvious it is until somebody says it. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's why, and then everybody recognizes it. Um, my micer has always been because I will say something that people are thinking, but they don't realize they were thinking it until I say it, and they go, oh, my God, I was just thinking that. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of fun. It's, I think what makes it good is, is observation, primarily. You know? So when you're writing out a routine, you think of, you think of a daily routine and break it and analyze it. That way you try to figure out why is it funny. Well, not so much that. You, you, sometimes I don't care. Sometimes it'll just make me laugh. If it makes me laugh, then I know it's funny. I mean, to me, to me, <laughs> you know, if it occurs to me, you know, and I get, like, oh, that's funny. You know, uh, my friend Charlie Hall and I just talking about, um, they had Take Your Children to Work Day this week. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. This, this Take Your Children to Work. <laughs> and it occurred to me, and I called Charlie, and I said, Charlie, if you if you're if you're the state executioner, do you bring your kids to work? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you let you know, okay? You're gonna get to pull the switch with daddy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Because I wave wave goodbye to the nice man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I saw a political cartoon this week with Donald Trump and his kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. you know, I never thought of it in those terms before because he's got kids all over the place. And, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> they didn't include Baron in the uh, – Well, unfortunately, he has brought – now, he has brought his kids to work every day. Mm-hmm. He's got Ivanka and the son-in-law every day at work, you know, and I think that's a little much, you know, so <laughs> – but I mean, that's an exa- that's an example. That's not bring your kid to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So if you want to talk to Dave, hurry, hurry, hurry. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Here he is. Well, yeah. yeah now, let me ask important. you, Dave. If someone called in and said we're doing a charity show and we need some ideas. Where would you start? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Where, where would I start? Oh, well, you have to know the charity is number one, of course. Right. 
okay. and you have to know who, who the who the affected families are, who the affected demographic is, okay. And you need to now. Usually, you I always try to work on a premise that they have no budget. Mm-hmm. So I usually start, I usually start there. What can we do that won't cost anything to do? I have a I have a game that we used to play. I've done a lot. Well, I say a lot several times. Um, and it's called musical squares. <laughs> and what you do is you go out and you get prizes. You know, like you know the charities. They always go and they get people to give them prizes. So I would say to them, go out and get mostly get gift certificates to restaurants, places of eating, mm-hmm. places of entertainment. Because the cool part about that is that they'll give you a gift certificate. It, it doesn't cost them. The, it doesn't cost the business what the gift certificate is worth, really, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if they give you a $25 gift certificate, maybe if you come in and use it, they're gonna first of all, they're going to make money on it right away. Uh, and so you're, build, you're building traffic into the business, so that's a good way to get. You have to understand what the business's needs are, and then you can encourage, then they'll be encouraged to participate. So anyway, what happens with these musical squares is you get these businesses, and you put the name of a business on each one of the squares. These are these are big, foot and a half, two feet square mm. of squares, paper squares. So mm-hmm. you put Harry's Diner on there, okay, or Sid's Haircuts or whatever it is. So you put them all out, and then you have people come and they pay a fee. They pay for a raffle, raffle ticket. And then you draw draw a ticket, and if, Patricia, if I draw your name, you get to play the game. So you come and you get on any square you want. You stand on the square. And then I draw Walden's name, and Walden comes, and he stands on the square. Now, when we get all the squares full, now we've, we've, so now we've got the, we've got the gift certificates from the, from the stores, and we've got the raffle ticket, it hasn't cost anybody anything to do anything. And all of the people come on, and then we play music, just like musical square, musical chairs, only you get to move around the squares any way you want. When the music stops, you stand on the square. Then we draw the name of a square. If, if you're standing on the square we draw, the good news is you've won a prize. You've won the gift certificate from that that place. Right. And the bad news is you're out of the game. Now when we now we, we can get you out of there, we do a duplicate of that gift certificate that we gave you, Patricia, a duplicate goes into a bin. So now every one every prize we give to the people who are eliminated, we give a copy of that prize into the bin. And the last person left, the last person remaining, gets one of every single prize we've given that night. Oh, I want to come out and play with you. Thank so, you. So the charity gets the raffle, the raffle money, right? That's how. how the charity it gets the raffle money, okay. right? Charity gets the raffle money. Now you can, I mean, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. You can, you can make it instead of just doing raffle tickets, you can make it where they would have, you know, you have a dinner, and this is the show at the end of the night. This is the show. So you have a dinner or a coffee and night or something, and you charge 20 bucks to get in or 20, you know, whatever it is, 25 bucks, and you give everybody a raffle ticket as part of their entrance fee. So now you're up 20 or 25 bucks a person. 
to play this hmm. and to be there. And and it's great. People love it because they love watching it. It's very funny. And what I what I usually do with it is we play a lot of novelty music, a lot of silly music when they're moving around. And then I'll I'll run inside and start running around and you know try to crack people up stuff like that. What, and so it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. Would that game be harder to produce today? Because at least out here in California, it's harder and harder to get corporations to donate gift cards or gift certificates to. Yeah, well, that's why you don't go to corporate. You you go yeah you go to I would go to local retail people. Yeah. Go to the local retail because they're going to get the money back. They're going to get their investment back. If, if if I give you a twenty five dollar gift certificate and you come in and spend twenty five dollars, first of all, it didn't cost me twenty five bucks to give you that gift mm-hmm. certificate, because you know you know to make that meal it's nowhere near twenty five bucks for me because my profit's involved in that. But you're gonna bring somebody with you, and you're probably gonna spend a hell of a lot more than twenty five yeah. bucks. Yeah. So it's it behooves me as a, as a retail person. To, to have you come in, come on in, bring two people in. All right, I'll give you twenty five bucks off your thing, and your and your tabs sixty. I've still made my money. And everybody what kind wins. of a group would be a candidate for that, Dave? Oh, almost anybody, almost anybody. Sure, I mean it's a great thing. I mean we call it musical squares, and it's a lot of laughs, and you have somebody who can host it and. You know, joke yeah. around, do something silly, you know. So, so are you looking for a certain size group, though, like 50 people, 100 people who are a member of the... Uh... Right. It's entirely up to how successful you are. Mm-hmm. You, you you need to have... Everybody that gives you a gift certificate actually needs to give you two gift certificates. Right. They each have to give you two. So they give you a $10 gift certificate, they have to give you two. One for the winner in the drawing, and the other one for the winner at the end. The grand prize. So, yeah. You know, yeah, right, the grand prize. Mm. So that's fine. And and then, uh, depending upon how many people you get, that's how many squares you can get. You know, and uh, and it's really it, it, it's been very successful. Mm. Uh, and, I'm uh, I'm hearing you say that you've got to be a little more creative than having a bingo game in order to uh, to raise money. Yeah, well, you got to give people a reason to want to come. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they will come out and support a charity they care about. But you want to motivate us so they can say to their friend who doesn't care about diabetes, hey, come with me tonight. This is going to be a good time. You and your wife come and join us. It's only going to cost you 50 bucks or 40 bucks, And maybe you'll win some nice prizes, have a good time, come with me. You know, something that draws them to have some laughs, you know. Yeah, I would just think. A, it, I would just think about Tommy, our friend Tommy Cook, who put on 300 charity events, and he said it's different today, because you know what he's done is sort of big scale. You know, celebrity golf tournaments. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, said in yeah. the old days, 50 years ago, when he started in 1970, he should get free airline ticket, free hotel, free stuff, and that those days are gone for him. So it, it, yeah, for yeah. for that scale, it's a different. You know, the door yeah, is it, it, well, it's like anything else. you, you got to know somebody who knows somebody. You yeah. know? I mean, you yeah. can do it. You can figure out how to do it. And another thing that's a lot of fun, and, and radio stations did this for years, you know, is uh, you can uh, you can do one of those uh, um, deals where people to raise, just to raise funds and not have necessarily an event per se. Uh, like we've got a guy here on, on the East Coast. 
and um, he's got a furniture store. And any furniture you buy between now and there's a specific date, if you come in and buy that furniture, and then the Red Sox sweep the series, all your <laughs> furniture is free. So you can go and you can you can buy all yep you can buy all the furniture you want and then if right, the Red Sox sweep the series. I'm I'm still getting used to the baseball terms. When you say sweep the series, do they have to take? They, 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 yeah, they have to take four out of five or whatever it is. Four okay. out of six, right. whatever it is. Yeah, they, okay. yeah, they they sweep. In other words, they take it. Now that's the phrase they're using, and I'm presuming that's what they mean. But there's a whole list of rules and regulations, and the way they do this is with insurance. It's it's like it's like the you've seen the promotion where the um, Everybody gets a key and they get to turn it, uh, try the key and lock yes. the door. Yes. And, and it, it's an insurance scheme. It's an insurance deal you can do that with. And so what mm-hmm. he's done, he's paid a big, he's paid a big premium to the insurance co- to the insurance company to cover them for however, however much. However <laughs> if you're running a, a a ten thousand uh, dollar golf shot. Just one, or a basketball yep, shot, yep, five hundred thousand. Yep, just like you that. You need yep, the insurance, yeah. <laughs> really, do because well, they think that's exactly really? right. But remember, yeah. they haven't figured out. They haven't figured out. Um, you know, you were talking about how much money they actually make in the telethon. Well, then, yeah. you know, these insurance companies have figured out exactly uh, what it will take, what the odds are for a guy to hit the basket from half oh, yeah. court, as an example. You know. Well, and so they know exactly where you got to stand, and it's very, it's very, you know, protected. I, I have but tri- it can be done. I have a trivia question for both of you. What, oh, here what, we go. What Dave just described, uh, there's a gentleman who insures insurance companies for this, these types of losses. Uh, who is it that does most of this? His, now his biggest part of his, his financial portfolio. I, mean, I, I thought well, it was Lloyd's London, London was doing it for a while, but that's not a there's somebody not a big, There's somebody who's making more money in Lloyd's London doing this now. Um, doing that. Um, I'm going to say State Farm. Bigger than State Farm. I, I don't know. It's Warren Buffett. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that's a, he had figured out that he had made more money by insurance, yeah. insurance companies because of that gigantic premium. So that's what they've moved to, basically. That's their, that's their big cash flow of their operation yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. The key is getting the community involved and getting these people to move forward. Everybody, everybody's so complacent now. That's the big problem. You know, well, yeah, I know, but I can't, you know, yeah. You, you got to keep people motivated. You got to you got to be a salesman. You got to make it happen. And that's the way to that's do true. it. What do I know? That's true. It's all about the sale. All about the sale. So, were you performing last night or tonight? What was your schedule like? No, tonight. No, tonight. I'm off tonight. That's why I was able to call you guys <laughs> right away. I'm I'm off tonight. Tomorrow I have a show. Uh, at a church in Cambridge, Mass. Okay. Uh, I'm doing an afternoon misgivings tomorrow. And uh, and by the way, I'm I'm putting putting together a new show, and it's kind of cool. I, I I'm very excited about it because I'm going to like doing it. 
Uh, it's called. It's going to be called Dave Kane's What's So Funny. <laughs> and basically, what I'm going to do is tell, tell jokes about all different segments of life, including a segment called Irish Jokes My Father Used to Tell Me. You know, and there's just mm. going to be a series of jokes. And they're uh, clean. And just gonna, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I imagine Patricia has some nominations of, of jokes her dad told her, right, Patricia? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, listen, yes, he know, told her, but no, I can't. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be a lot of laughs. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm very excited about it. And my wife is driving me crazy because I've been putting this thing together for a while, and she's been bugging me to get it up, get it on the road. How are you going to market it? I mean, when when, when charity contacts Well, I'll market, it, I'll market it to the people that have had Father Misgivings and my game show. I'll go back to them okay. and say, there's a, there's, a new, there's a new show from Dave King. And they should... I, I'm thinking they're going to want to grab it because I've had success with them in two other shows. So what have they got to lose? You know, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we want to do this. You know, so I'm hoping that. And then there's always a new audience. You know, there's always somebody new that finds you. And a lot of my business comes from people who have attended my show for somebody else and then called me to do it for their organization. Is there an audience that's too yeah. big for you? Would it be? Would it get to be uh, yeah. too weekly at a certain level? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like to do misgivings. Uh, when we get up toward two hundred, I, 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 I don't like it because okay. there's a certain intimacy with the show. Uh, that when you get to two hundred, it's very tough because you don't get anywhere near the back of the room. And, right. You know, it's very. You know, so I'd, I'd like to keep it about one hundred seventy-five around there. But once they get to 200, I, I don't want to discourage them because they want to make their money. Yeah. They want to sell the tickets, you yeah. know. I've opened for larger crowds. I've opened, you know, I opened, I use, I opened for Art Garfunkel uh, at the World Musical Theater, which is a, one of those theater in the round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, I think they had, I think there was 2,000 people that night. Wow. And so I've, I've done part of the show for that. Um. And that's Where that's stuff that they love it. What? Where was that one located? The Art Garfunkel, the um, the show. Where was it located? Well, it wasn't the Warwick the Warwick Musical Theater in Warwick, Rhode Island, but that's it's closed now. It's actually gone now. But um, it was the you know the summer place to go to mm-hmm. to be entertained in in uh, southeastern Mass, Rhode Island, southeastern Mass, and parts of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But then when um, they were having problems anyway and because uh, the world was changing, and then when Foxwoods, the casino, opened up, it, it was really tough because the performers at the casinos have had what is no uh, non-compete clause oh, in oh, their, oh. In their okay. contracts, and they're mm-hmm. not allowed to perform for a certain time, a certain number of miles around that entity mm-hmm. and it was making it impossible for the theater to get bigger stars because they were overlapping in the in the non-compete clauses and that added another problem you know 
I just had to turn down two shows because I, I have a non-compete in Rhode Island. I've got a June 3rd appearance at a theater here, and I've had, you know, two offers of appearances, and I had to turn them down because of my non-compete clause. Is it, because, is it would it most likely be date sensitive rather than location sensitive? Oh, well, both. Okay. Both. Okay. I can't, in this particular contract, I can't appear in Rhode Island um, for certain, for dates. Yeah, okay. dates. Uh, but other times it's been um, mileage and dates. What's you a know? normal window? 30, would it be 30 days? How long of a... Um, yeah, 45 days before, okay. 30 days after. Okay. You know, depending, it, it depends on each, each one's different. You kind of negotiate it. You know, I look at the stuff I already have booked and I'll see what I can do to take the gig and then not, you know, and then say, well, I, and, and the other thing they'll do is they'll, they'll waive it if you're already booked on certain dates. Like you give them the dates that are booked already mm -hmm. and if they want if they want you they'll they'll figure a way to they'll they'll waive the date and what about what about mileage yeah. what, are, are you looking at a 10 mile radius a 20 mile radius what what's the yeah yeah um it was i'm trying to remember now um it was, I think it's like it was like a 30 35 mile radius and it's quite quite large that's quite large yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you're going to be and, and what they want to do and what they're, you know, and, and but they but they pay really good, you know, it's a really good pay. And so... But for you, Dave, isn't the summer months going to be some of the slowest period of the, of the year? So that should be... Yeah, it does slow down. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why I... That's exactly right, Walden. You should be my manager. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and, and, and so um, the summer does slow down a little bit because of the people that I try to work for. And so what I do, in the summer, what I do, I do a lot of radio fill-in out in the town, uh, not on my show, station, on another station. And um, I do several bus shows, bus senior shows. But other than that, it's a, I get to rest a little bit. In, uh, July, July especially, is kind of quiet. So I got to use that to try to do something for me. I mean, so yeah. if you wind up with extra time, how do you enjoy it? What do you do? Usually, um, you know, like usually Joe wants to go someplace. Usually, uh, we'll go down not in July, but we'll go. We'll go when I have some time off. We'll go to um, Disney World. That's my big thing. Um, and the other stuff I like to do is just chill. You know, just not not have to go because I do so much traveling for the work. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's you know, it's um, and sometimes I'll we'll go out for the day or something, and, but I let her drive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and that's that's a break for me. You know, letting her drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're just a type A personality, Dave. I would think after two weeks you're looking to, to do something. You know, I'm, I, I know I used to be that way, but I'm not anymore. Uh -huh. I really am. Mm -hmm. not. I, I I love what I do, yeah. I, and I won't turn it down, and I'll grab it and I'll enjoy it. But it, I'm not as driven as I as I used to be. I mean, when I was mm. younger, you know, That's I really had so many. I, I have an expression that says, "You can either be a driven person, which is not very good, or a person with drive, which means you're going towards something you really like." 
Yeah, well, I then I guess I was a person with drive, but I've been there, done the, you know, no, done you were driven. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. By an, um, by you know, an external I, force, so you were feeling pressured to do something, whereas yeah, a person with drive yeah, yeah. is enjoying the trip, yeah. Yeah, but, I, but I've now, always now enjoyed gone from I an A to an A minus. Okay, thank you. Well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I've always, while I was being while I was driven, but I really liked what I did. You know, I mean, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't driven because I needed the money. I wasn't driven because whatever. I I really liked what I did. But then, like you say, I was indeed driven to do a lot of it and to do all that I could. I had so many different gigs going on. I I consulted to corporations, and I I developed game shows for for companies, and and traveled for them, and did the radio and TV, and and I just and everything I did I liked. You know, I did everything I liked. No complaints. No complaints. So what's been the tougher? What's been the tougher part of the business? Is it the bookkeeping and the administrative part for you? What's the toughest stuff that you know? Uh, no, I can't. I, I really no. It it was all very simple. I kept everything very simple. It was uh-huh. you know, it, was, uh-huh. it wasn't it wasn't tough. Just making sure I the the biggest problem I think probably is making sure that other people are going to care about it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I hired people to work for me, mm-hmm. if I hired people to perform in the mall shows, you know, I had a whole pageant that I put on God to these small shows or if I if I did something like that's why I like about misgivings because I don't have to worry like my friend Charlie Hall has a thing called the Ocean State Follies and he's a he's a political parody show there's five people in that show plus Charlie you know it's a huge I mean it's a really good show he he writes hysterical parodies and the skits are very funny and but he's got to worry every night that he's booked is somebody going to get sick? Is somebody's car going to break down? Are they going to quit? Are they going to mm-hmm. fall off the stage? You know, he's got to worry that everybody's there when they go on. The only thing I have to worry about is me. I don't have to worry about anybody but me. If I get there, we're all set. Well, not, not for me, it is. For him, it is. <laughs> He's got to worry. I don't have to worry about it at all. No, you his know. and yours are about the same. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. To me, it isn't. I mean, I'm just going to go and do it. I mean, if if something happens, the show doesn't go on. But if something happens for one of his people, he's still going to put the show on, and he's got he's down a person. Yeah. You know, he's down. Have, and, any, and, have any venue asked you to take out insurance just in case? You were sick and you didn't make. Oh make yeah, it? oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not no, not for that. But I, you know, when I did the mall shows, I used to carry, I carried over a million dollars in liability insurance. I, I actually had insurance that covered me if I was in the show. If I was, I used to do a game show when right. I did the mall shows too, and uh, I would pick on people like I do in my radio show, kid around. And if I said to somebody, "Oh, that's a nice shirt, sir," didn't they have in your size? <laughs> you know. Uh, and they got embarrassed and wanted to sue me. I was covered. <laughs> I was covered for that. Now that was passive aggressive. <laughs> no, nice it was shirt. entertainment. No, it was entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's I'm just a, saying that's it was nice you know, shirt. Didn't, didn't they have yeah, one to fit? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I didn't have it. I don't have an insurance for. 
for uh, for showing up. You know, what I have done, I mean, I, I've 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 helped people out by coming back and doing shows at another time for them. You know, sometimes they'll have a problem. You know, so I'll just say, okay, we'll just change the date on the contract. Don't worry about it, and not charge them any guarantee or minimum or anything. Yeah. You know, just say, oh, we'll just do it another day. I just can't believe I I didn't have it tonight. <laughs> and they're always surprised. Oh my God, you're gonna you're not gonna yeah, let's worry about it. Okay, so in, you know? in in Rhode Island, how many guys are doing what you're doing? Being sort of a creative thinker who are you know Well really really well, I mean there are there are advertising agencies yes. and stuff, but nobody that works on their own that I know of. I've never know, known anybody that uh in this area that I mean that peddled it the way I did. You know, I used to just pick up the phone and call the company and say, have I got an idea for you? And I'd talk <laughs> my way into the building. I'd talk my way into the building, and then I would pitch it. And and usually I'd pick it up. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, a lot of laughs. I mean, you know, it was just fun, just fun. And uh, I've been very, very lucky. Answer, go ahead. Question, yes. Some people are really turned on by the marketing, successful marketing. Other people are turned on because the marketing got them exactly where they wanted to be performing. Which do you get the greatest buzz out of? Um, That's interesting. Um, Creating the idea and getting it sold is the best fun for me. And And then performing is like the cherry on the cake. You know, the okay. cherry on the top of the funding. But sure. coming up with the idea, pitching it to somebody, putting it together, executing it, that's the best part. And then performing it, well, that's, that's just a little added addendum. <laughs> it's the other stuff that I really like. Yeah. Yes. It's the other yes. Yeah. Because I have been very lucky to make to make a show out of absolutely nothing and market it. I mean, my... I have a thing that I did called Store Bingo. Did I tell you about that? We uh, yeah. that I sold to malls and shopping centers around the country. I came up with this this adaptation of Bingo. And what I did was in, instead of numbers, uh, it was called Store Bingo. Instead of numbers, I put the names of the stores in the mall on the cards. Mm-hmm. And across the top of the card, instead of Bingo, it said Store. So I'd say under the S.G. Fox, under the O. Sears, under the R. The Genery. And for 20 minutes, these people would sit there and I would list all of the stores in the mall before <laughs> them. And when they when they got bingo, they'd come up and they'd pick an envelope and they'd get a gift certificate from one of the stores. And I would bring, so that brought traffic into the stores in the mall. Uh, it was very successful. And um, I did it for years on the road. It was really fun and successful, and it was a freaking bingo game. <laughs> yeah, right. Was, well, adaptations are are sometimes the best route to go because you've got a group sure. who already love the basic game, and you're building yeah, on that sure. for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was your, just, your audience uh, is there. You've got people who love what you're doing. Your job is to yep. get them in. Okay, so yep. when, when you when you were running a radio station, Dave, how did you figure out what were the right salespeople? to sell advertisement, what did you look for? I mean, did you look for 
creativity like like what you had? I mean, how did you figure out? No, no, because sometimes sales. Yeah, no. My my job was to come up with the creativity because I had to come up with the product mm-hmm. on the air and promotionally. But, but I had much good people who could sell, meaning they didn't need to be particularly creative. They didn't need to be able to talk and be able to 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 close the sale. And that's really what they needed. My job was to give them the tools. Mm-hmm. My job is to give them something to talk about. My job is to get them excited. If I got them excited, then they could go out and sell it because they had, they mm-hmm. believed in it. Yeah. They enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we had, and we did lots of crazy stuff there. <clears throat> we used to do a thing. You know the traffic reports now? You know, everybody, you know, the helicopters yeah. and everything. We had we had traffic reports here, and, and I came up with this idea, and I, I um, we got four major car dealers to buy into this thing, and we had a thing called Traffic Net here, and every morning, you know, they'd go, okay, uh, we're going over uh, Road 95, you know, and the traffic, and blah blah blah. So when they did it for us, well, at the end of the report, they would draw a number because we had a big promotion where people came to the station one day two days actually, and we put a giant number on the roof of their car, you know, with that with that marker that right. used yeah. car dealers use. So we put a giant number on the on the roof of their car, and then they, that would be the number they have on their card that we gave them. And they would drive around and they'd listen to the radio station, and if they heard their number, they had, you know, 13 minutes and 20 seconds to call us, and they'd be in the, in the drawing for one of any one of the four cars we were offering you could pick a Ford you could pick a Chevy you could pick a Volkswagen you could pick a and boy we had so much fun with that <laughs> and and now here's the funny part we had chosen a day when all of the radio personalities were going to be out in the parking lot we had, we were in a building that had a huge parking lot okay. and so people people who came to participate, and they drove in. We put a big number on them. We gave them the card, put that number on their roof. <laughs> they drove out. We had, God, we had hundreds of cars. And it really would have been a lot of fun if I could have been there. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> well, the week, the, two weeks, no, week, a week before the event, I got in a car accident at 95. A guy climbed into my back doing 105 miles an hour and almost killed me. I was out of work for three months. And so all I got to do was see the pictures of everybody getting their numbers put on their their roof because I was out of commission. (laughs) So I just thought it was funny that it was a car accident that kept me away from Yeah, Yeah, but my gosh. Thank goodness yeah, you survived. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-mm. I've survived a lot in my life, young lady, a lot. And, uh, I believe that. Listen, I, got, I got caught dead um, in a 45-mile-an-hour from the rear end. And, I yep. mean, I got all kinds of hurt. My car was all kinds of hurt, and the guy who hit me wasn't. But, um, you know, I, I, just, I just can't imagine the scope and the and the enormity of what you had on well, 95. Well, I was doing, well, yeah, and I was doing about, I guess I must have been doing about 55 or 60 at the time. So 
he was doing 105, they said. So if I had been standing still, I'd have been over. It was funny because the, 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 the front of the back seat, you know, in the back seat, the front of the back seat, was right up against the back of my front seat. So the entire back end of the We're car gone. was smashed into the right. Yeah, it was gone, smashed in. Yep. And yeah, uh, so it was cool, but um, but anyway. So did, did I, you, I think did, have I bought everybody? No. Yet? Did you have no. your seatbelt on, Dave? I mean, what what? I I did. As a matter of fact, I snapped the seatbelt. The seatbelt wow. function snapped. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um. Um. It was a mess. It was, it was glass all over me. But I got to tell you something really funny. We had a we had a sponsor on my radio show at the time, uh, Willow Tree Chicken Chicken Willow Tree Chicken Salad. <laughs> it was delicious. It was really delicious stuff. Willow Tree it was named. And after my accident, when I got back and I had some commercials, live commercials, and I said, I got to tell you this story. When I was in the accident, I was on my way down to my beach house. And I had the chicken salad. I, I had picked up like three pounds of this stuff, and it was in a container on the on the passenger floor of my car, in the front seat on the passenger front seat. Uh, and and when I got hit, of course the chicken salad went everywhere. <laughs> I was I was covered in it. I said, and I don't remember the accident, but I do remember waking up and there was a nurse licking my face. <laughs> and she said, oh. she said, you don't look very good, but the chicken salad is delicious. <laughs> you know? And so, and so, I got a chance to use that to to sell the chicken salad, and the people thought it was so funny that on the company, <laughs> they, they renewed their they renewed their oh, contract. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! And the guy's lawyer figured out a way to use that. Hey, he's he's yeah, making a living out of this. I don't know why he wants to sue us. You know that <laughs> happened to me once. That happened to me once. I was involved in a lawsuit, and they did record my radio show. In that in that instance, and tried to show that I didn't have the the head injury that I said I had. I had a closed head injury as a result of that accident. Oh, boy. And yeah, but they, they, they recorded the show and tried to use clips of my show to show that I wasn't damaged. <sighs> How's that? They listened to your show and thought that they were. <laughs> yeah, you know, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? How can you not listen to that show and realize I need help? I mean, God. <laughs> Anyone who has not heard Dave's show, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't listen to that and not realize I need help. Good Lord. I know. No. I know. Gee whiz. Get that guy off the air before we hurt ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, well, I've got, I got a million of them for you, kid. I got stories you wouldn't believe. It's unbelievable. Just lots of fun, though. I mean, I still got through it. I still got through it. Oh, that's good yep yep so um listen i'm gonna let you guys go right, because I'm, I'm myself here but but um well, we'll be talking thank you so much uh, patricia and yeah okay. yeah and thanks for thank for everything dave so you're welcome and and uh, you're gonna be talking to bob colonna pretty soon too pretty right? soon. Yeah, I, I know he was busy and 
May do his, his, uh, his play, so I thought I'd wait to let him get the month of May out of the way, then I would call him and get, get him back on the Yeah, docket. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing, they're doing Shakespeare, and my son is in the, in the play. My son, I don't know what they're doing this time, but um, in the last, I'm going to give you a hint, by the way. Yeah. The last time they played Shakespeare, Bob himself was in the play uh, and play. It was Taming of the Shrew, and he played a woman. So, and you, and I didn't know I I didn't know it was him until about ten minutes into the scene. I didn't realize it was him. It was hysterical. Oh my it was gosh. So, so when 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 are you gonna get you on the stage, Dave? I mean, yo, know, you you ought to get up there and do your your British yes. barbs. Well, someday we'll talk about that because <laughs> it's, I, I have a history that'll make you laugh. Okay, listen, I gotta go, guys. I All love right, Dave, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless Dave. you both. Bye-bye. We've been with her friend Dave King. And you can be a friend too, or a family member, or whatever you like to be. 714-545-2071. Last weekend, we were up in reps. So that's why we did not have a traditional Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night show. So if you were waiting to hear what Patricia was all about, this is your opportunity. Next week, you'll hear the best of Patricia. Larry's going back to the archive of Patricia, and you'll hear the best of uh, Patricia during the week on the Blue Network. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're, okay, yeah. maybe you, can, you you will explain that to me later, right? Oh, sure. I'm a little oh, slow sure. on the uptake. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm warm. Well, good. <laughs> this is Gary. Oh, yeah, I figured it had to be you. So what? So have you have you done your summer? What's the deal in Wisconsin? Well, we've had snow uh, a day and a half ago. We thought we were going to make it all the way through April without any snow, and uh, it didn't happen. So. Uh, I I have my windows open tonight, by the way, everybody. But I just wanted to. Well, we have two uh, <laughs> prior to the snow day, and but it's been it's been a little chilly for the last couple of days, um, and uh, the last I looked, uh, the next three days are, are going to be uh, rainy days. So um, we're bringing in the great month of May. Hey. hey. With rain, so. So what's a good what's good to plant in the month of May in Wisconsin? I haven't the foggiest idea. You don't know. Um. Now how long have you lived in Wisconsin? Oh, thirty-two years, but oh. thereabouts. Okay. Now. But I'm not really a planter, you know. So. I mean, I know the farmers are trying to get their crops in the ground. So. Uh, okay. Now. If I ask Patricia, and you know she's not a Floridaite, she's a transplant. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> she, okay, and that's a plant too. Yeah, and she would tell me what grows in the month of May. Patricia, what grows in the month of May in Florida? What grows in the month of May in Florida? Uh-huh. Everything. Mm. The temperature. Oh, very good. 
We've been 90 in the 90s all week. Um, and, of course, that's daytime temperature. <clears throat> Let's see what grows. Um, well, we have veggie farms. The tomato crop is in, so we won't see that. Um, strawberries. Strawberries are good. And baby cows calving. Um, I don't know. That, you know, that's a great question. I can tell you what not to plant. Okay, so Gary, so can can we reach that you grow cheese or something in Wisconsin the month of May? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'll check the cheese plants every day. Make sure that uh, they're growing their little buds. Yes. And what did the cheddar cheese plant look like compared to the Swiss cheese plant? Um, oh, don't don't get them started, please. <laughs> Yes. I was listening to a show the other night, and uh, in the show, they predicted the future. And how accurate were they? Um, well, they, they never said a date, but it, it, it has come true. The show was Red Rider. Okay. It was the episode where... Um, this kid was coming from Chicago to the West, and there were he was on the uh, he was the only one that was on the stagecoach. And they were coming down the hill, and the brakes were on or smoking, and uh, Red Rider stopped them. And um, and then um, you know they they saved the kid and uh, and. Red Rider uh, said, told the stagecoach driver, you know, keep your wagon here. I'll send somebody in to get you, and we'll take the boy on to his his family, to his uncles. And the uh, the kid was sent from Chicago to his uncles because he was uh, into books too much, too many books, and he was getting into electronics and stuff like this. And uh, uh, so when they got there, um, he was talking to um, little, little, what's his name, little Papoose or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> was telling him, you know, to, trying to explain to him about telephones. And, he, and one of the things that he said was, and in the future, We'll be able to talk without wires. That's the first mention of cell phones, right there. So, was, was this Red Rider or Papoose? Was, is it Papoose? Uh, it was the kid. Papoose. Yeah. Uh, so who was the kid? The, the kid from Chicago. It was talking yeah. to. Well, then who was it? Papoose was his horse. It was Little Beaver. You bet you, Red Rider. Little Beaver. That was, was Little, Little Beaver. Beaver. Yeah. There. Yeah. Thank you. I don't remember names. Gosh, come on, I'm getting old. Well, that's okay. That's why we're here. We can help sometimes. <laughs> I'm serious, you know? I mean, <laughs> my current state of mental affairs is, can you help me with this word, please? <laughs> so, glad to pass it on. But I've so, what have you been up uh, to? Hmm? Oh, that was go. What? Kind of neat. That, it is uh, neat. Yeah. I mean, who ever thought in the 1930s, 
dictates you with how to wristwatch, and that you could pretty much talk, and that's pretty much true today. And yeah. and a little yes, beaver yes. figured out <laughs> the cell phone. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's still amazing. It really to is. It's still amazing to me that the thing, the the spaceship that we went to the moon in 1969 mm-hmm. has now the same power as a laptop computer today. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's incredible to think that actually, we... Actually, um, actually, a laptop computer has more because it, they only had, like, uh, maybe 300... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't even a gigabyte on the, the limb that landed on the... You're kidding. Jeez. Wasn't oh, even a goodness, g- we're talking megabytes here, then. Jeez. Speaking of, oh my goodness, where in the Bible mm-hmm. is uh, where where in the Bible was the first time that computers were mentioned? Hmm. Hmm. It was in Genesis with okay. Adam and Eve. Okay. It was an apple. It only had one bite. Oh. Shit. Give me a break. I've had a very difficult week. Now, don't pick on me, everybody. Anybody. Well, you know why You, you know why God's a baseball fan? You, you know where that is in the Bible. <laughs> no. um, I've heard it before. You too, huh? Yes, yeah, so at, at the beginning part of Genesis. In the, big, in the big inning. The big inning. Yes. Oh, heavens to death. That's <laughs> clever, but I'm not sure I'm ready for it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. The two of you. That's good. Yeah, Both of uh, you. They were good. Was I'll appreciate them later in the week <laughs> much better. Well, okay, here's another one. How many words are in the Bible? Roughly. How many oh. words? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Is this a serious question? Yeah, or this is a this serious question, to... yeah. Okay. Because I read this. Are you talking Old Testament and New Testament? Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Pretty big wow. book, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's still the best sold. but I don't. Still the best-selling book. Yeah. They does say, that does that help me? That's, it <laughs> helps you a lot. They, they say seven hundred fifty thousand words. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have picked closer to a million. Yeah. Then of course they keep changing it. Mm-hmm. We went. <clears throat> we went to the King James Version, and that was a collection of, I believe, seven uh, seven clerics from various religions. Right. And they put together the King James Version because it was under King James' <clears throat> orders to do this. And then we had the um, Revised New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, each person can either reshape the words or reshape the paragraphs or eliminate them and replace them. And Well, I think I the King James is almost, is it 450 years old or 500 years old? It's fairly close to one of those big milestone anniversaries. And hmm. Well, the Gutenberg Bible was printed in 16... Sixteen sixty four, I think, was when it was. Yeah, well, that, that was the printing of it. 
um, the actual scribes, uh, we're talking handwritten yeah. stuff. Can you imagine? I, I would have loved to have trimmed it down a bit at that point. Well, All right, King James. When do we actually get the uh, printing press? I guess that's a good, that's a, after Patricia look up the King James, when do we really start to do mass production of books? Well, mass production. That was Google. Oh. Yeah, I think the Google Bible is considered the first book to be mass produced, and I don't know what they really think of the uh, first run would be back in those days. But Yeah, it wasn't too long before the Gutenberg Bible was, was uh, printed that uh, the printing press was, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, it could easily, back in those days, we might think 50 copies or 100 copies would have been a mass run, probably. I don't know. Because it's sort of like, I'm assuming... The technique is what we saw in the old newspaper days where you had the letters and and the ink and, and, and the stamper. I'm assuming that's how they, the, the technology was to print books back in the early days. I don't know how they did it. You can get one, two, three, four pages out of a single piece of paper. How in the world can they do that? Never mind. I'm busy, I'm busy with the King James okay, version okay, here. Okay. Um, Bible information. It was started in 1604, and it was finished in 1611. So it took seven years for them to work on that. Mm-hmm. So then they're almost, the they're almost on the 400th anniversary then of the King James then. So... Okay. So I guess well, the next that was, I said, so I guess the next question is when did we get the uh the pudding press per se? I guess it was after, oh. right? I would I would think so. Sure. I, I don't know the year. Let me look up Gutenberg. Okay. Um what I would like back are all the chapters that they took out. I mean the the King James version took out a whole bunch of um well, they, you know, they started out with, you know, um, 80 or 90 different books, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they eliminated, you know, they, they scrutinized each one. You know. yeah. yeah. This one here actually was contradicting this one, so right. they threw both of those out, and uh, exactly. this one was too short, or this one was too long, or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and, then, that, and then we came down to you know, the 66 books that we have now. Right. Okay, I've got two things here. Written in Latin. Okay. Johann Gutenberg, present-day Germany in the 1450s. 1450 what? Oh, what? No, you, you just keep talking. I'll okay. <laughs> I feel under pressure. Under pressure. Um, pressure to perform. There are 48 copies of the Gutenberg Bible still in existence. Never Not knew all that. of them, <clears throat> some being only substantial fragments of, okay. of one of the two volumes. Of these, 12 are printed on vellum. Only four vellum copies and 12 paper copies are complete. All right. They show like the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 in those caves. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of them were about 
uh, at least 900 copies is what they found, but yeah. a lot of it were fragments, you know, um, of yes. a scroll. Yes, and they had filled in a lot of the holes, and it was the Nagamari um, Bible, mm -hmm. or the, the scripts, um, that um, filled in some of the blanks and, and actually have complete chapters that we mm -hmm. don't have. And I'd really like to... I mean, I've got the Nagamati library of, you know, the, the translations and stuff, but I've not ever seen it integrated into the King James Version or mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic Version. I've never seen them integrated so that you would be able to tell where these extra chap chapters from Nagamati act would actually fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, would Mary Magdalene follow right. who? <laughs> Ruth? I don't know. Um, those kinds of things. So I I would really like to see that, but nobody has done it. Well, that's not true. I just haven't seen it. So. Um, they do have Bibles where um, you've got uh, the English translation, the English trans, <coughs> the English version, and then the Hebrew version side by side. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. There are only five books. There, um, there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Help me here. Numbers, <laughs> numbers, and Deuteronomy. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. So those are the five books yeah. in the Hebrew um, Hebrew religion. Well, visually, the Bible was not laid out chronologically. Not the the, the what the way we have it right now. It, it, it's sort of in topics or in categories, you know, you have the sort of the history part, then you have, you know, the uh, the prophecies, and you have different, they sort of laid it out that way, in the, in a different way. You, I don't think most of us think of it that way, but it's, it's laid out, uh, not necessarily chronological all, all the way through. I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you. It's definitely I, I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've learned, so, you know. Yep, it's like right, we want Bible. Uh, I can't no, remember want. who was written first and, and last and all this. Mm -hmm. But um, some of the minor prophets were, you know, a couple of them were written before, um, uh, you know, like Exodus and, and, uh, and those, uh, and, it's, it's, yeah, it's... Well, it's interesting to study of, you know, where the last few year, times I've gone through, I realized there's like a 400-year gap between where the Old Testament leaves off and where the New Testament starts. I don't think yeah. old people think it that being that big of a spread um, with that. So, Gary, how's your son? How, how is he doing? What, have you guys been doing anything fun together? Uh, oh, we're just terrorizing each other as usual. Okay. <laughs> Um, I like that. <laughs> That's good exercise and fun. Yeah. Good fun. What did yep. you do tonight? Oh, I terrorized my uh, son. Two by four, and I chased him back, back and forth with the with the chainsaw. You know, it's oh, stuff. You know. <laughs> I have to go get something to eat now. You, when Gary hangs up, you let me know, okay? <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Oh, golly gee. Okay. So um, what was your temperature today and what was your temperature yesterday? Oh, with with me? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, let's see. Today was high of 49 and a low of 30. And well, I guess from what you've been through, that's not terrible, is it? No, no. Um, okay. And then yesterday was and today? different than that. Uh, tomorrow we've got a high of... 39 and a low of 35. So we got only got to have a four degree difference tomorrow. And okay. So Monday's going to get exciting. We're going to be back up to 47. Woohoo. Below <laughs> the stick. Okay. Who who brings the cider and who brings the cupcakes? Yes. <laughs> So, Gary, have you watched anything or listened to anything over the last two weeks that you would recommend to the family? That you, a, a show or a TV show or a movie, anything well, that you would recommend for people to look at? Oh, gosh. Oh, I forgot the name of that show. Um, oh, that really bugs me now. It's about a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. The lady who plays the wife, she was the one who wrote the, the whole show. Okay. And uh, it's, it's just basically the, uh, their, what they do during, you know, every day, every day or every other day. You okay. Know, things. Are you talking old-time radio? Yeah, old-time radio. So that would be Peg Lynch, right? Maybe like Ethel and Albert or a couple next door or something like that? Yeah, a couple next door. Yeah. See, yep. see, I, I, I'm, you appreciate the Midwest humor. I do too. I, I, I love it. I, I've just fallen in love with that show. Yeah. They're, they are actually what they're trying to do. They're trying to raise money to restore all the TV shows. They have a large amount of the TV shows that were done from fifty to fifty-five, and they're hopefully going to start like a Kickstarter campaign. That they can restore those, and I think some of them are now up on YouTube. Everybody, uh, of the of the Ethel and Albert TV show. So if you love the radio show, you might want to look it up on YouTube and see what the TV show was all about. Somehow, I can't. I, I, I don't know. I, I just can't imagine. Let me put this because imagine is a is a good word. Mm-hmm. The show's success relied on the imagination of the audience. Yes. When you move to television, like Zimmer McGee and Molly, Mm -hmm. nothing was left to the imagination. And it didn't make it. It wasn't the the, um, extra shows, the um, television shows, the specials that they had with Zimmer McGee and Molly, they were kind of flat. Mm -hmm. In radio, I think they would have, the scripts would have flown. So no, I don't want to watch something yeah, <laughs> in indeed. television that I love in black and white. In black and white in uh, radio, especially with their closet scene, you know, how mm-hmm. do you really make that work right? Okay, so of the, radi- of, of the radio yeah. shows, which one made the best transfer to television? Gunsmoke or, or to Lone movie, Ranger or the movies. Okay, so Gary got Gunsmoke, Patricia got the Lone Ranger. Okay. 
They were good. They were very good. And and Have Gun Will Travel. Yeah, that was another good one. The theme of it, however, was um, tilted. It, it was a little bit different from the radio scripts that we used to get. What one do you like better, the TV version of the theme song or the radio version? Of which theme song? Have Gun Will Travel. Oh, golly gee whiz. They were both wonderful. I know. And we had John, John on, Johnny, the, the guy who wrote and sung. Yes, um, Johnny, gee whiz, and I just came across his file. We interviewed the person who wrote the song and later sang the song right. for the television version of Paladin. Paladin, Paladin, yep. Yep. Johnny, oh, Johnny Weston. West, Johnny West, Western. Yeah. Yes, his na his real name was West, and somebody extended it, and he just kept it. So, yeah, he was good. I was just thinking about him the other day, and if he's available for a return sure. visit, because he was good. No. I mean, he was he was really a lot of fun. He, he wrote was. that song while his wife was in labor. <laughs> okay, so. Do you remember him? Do you remember him telling that? No, I remember that part of the story. I guess I was just intrigued at how good the song was. Cause I don't think I've ever heard it yes. until you gave it to yes. me. Cause I was so familiar <coughs> with the, the, the radio version. Mm-hmm. I really like that one, too. Um, I, I don't know if it was Bob Bro. One of our gang did a recording of the final music in Have Gun, Will Travel, which was really good, and that was really the the... Uh, in terms of music, I mean, there was no bridge. There was just it. It was so good. And it cut off in the middle of every show. You know, when we got to the end, when they ran out of time, so did the music. And whoever did this for me put together, I don't think it's a repeat. I think it's an actual recording with the instruments of how Have Gun Will Travel on radio. And it is just, I have to get that out as just such fun to listen to. The end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is I Love Lucy. Yeah. Is that separate from My Favorite Husband or not? Um, yes, I think My Favorite Husband was more sophisticated. I Love Lucy is one of the shows I would avoid. And it just, you know, it was, Ricky, can I be in the show? No, you can't. <laughs> Lucy comes out in a silly costume. Oh, Ricky, I'm here. Oh, ho, what are you doing here? Let's dance. I mean, you know, it was, it was whatever, whatever you needed out of Lucy had better be, oh, Ricky, I want to be in the show. Yeah, that's so, just no, every show. I wasn't. But even though they kept the stupid stuff or had the stupid stuff in My Favorite Husband, it flew. Okay, so why did the TV show was successful, in your opinion, even though I can tell you're not a fan of it? I do not know. Because <laughs> they were not I, I do not know. <laughs> I do. There's another one that makes my nose turn up. Well, <laughs> I don't even dare say this one out loud. Um, Gary? I never thought. You already have our interest. Let's say it. Yes. Okay. I never thought Judy Garland 
was as hot as people thought she was. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, neither. See, I told you I shouldn't say it. I told it you. Well, so you're going to be disappointed when I announce that we're having Ethel Merman on next week, right, Patricia? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, forget Judy. (laughs) Ethel, Ethel... Ethel is worse worse than a prison sentence. <laughs> Even with the toilets I have to scrub in prison. <laughs> oh my goodness, that woman's voice. But I noticed I noticed May eighteenth to the twenty third, we could attend the Al Jolson ninety conventions if you want to, Patricia. Speaking of Ethel and Al <laughs> Those are the two people. Walden and Dr. Dale, and most people have, <clears throat> excuse it, have heard of us talk about Dr. Dale, who was one of our super-duper members and had a great sense of humor and helped the station in many different ways, and we lost him how many years ago? Nine. Nine years ago. It's hard, it's to, hard believe. to believe. Yeah. Hard to believe. But he and Walden would put their heads together and figure out a way to nail my ears to the wall with Al Jolson and Ethel Merman. Those those are the two ones. Yes, those are the two hot ones. Do not do not do that. Do not do that. Good thing out good thing Ethel passed away, so we can't have her on to guess, but that's okay. Oh not oh my gosh, I didn't want her to pass away. <laughs> I just wanted her to avoid my ears. So Gary, no, you were gonna say about I Love Lucy, why what do you think about I Love Lucy? Um, well, basically what, uh, Patricia was saying, you know, that was every episode, you know, she was either wanting to be in the, in the band or she was wanting to dance or, you know. Yes. I liked it as a kid, but that's what I remember because it was all two episodes every day, Monday through Friday between three and four in the afternoon practically, so. I think I liked it as a kid is one of the keys. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that, 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 there was nothing. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, so I am going to get into it. Now, I here. haven't watched it too much of it. Maybe both mm-hmm. of you seen it. Well, what did you thought of the Honeymooners? The Jackie Gleason Honeymooners? Speaking of 1950 oh, I TV. I think they were great. You think they were great. They, were, they are in reruns and have been for a very long time. And I don't know. When did they come out? About 55. Were they in the 1950s? 55, yeah, uh-huh. 55, really. Um, the humor is timeless. And I think that's the key to having good comedy, is that whenever you play it, it's good. Have you seen much like of... Sure Mickey and Mom. Have you seen hmm? much of George Byrne and Gracie on TV show, or what do you think of them adapting to TV? I think they did a great job. Yeah. In fact, so I think in some ways it was even better than the radio. Now, I haven't really seen any of the of the, uh, the TVs, but I, I just I love the uh, the radio shows. I think mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a great concept that George could turn on a TV set and watch Gracie. You know, I thought that was a fun, yes, great yes, concept. Yes, 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 yes. My favorite part of George Burns and Gracie on the radio, it's a short period, it's that 46 to 49 when it was sponsored by Maxwell Hall Coffee. I thought that was the best run of George and Gracie. Isn't that interesting? We say the same thing about Fibber and Molly. Mm-hmm. 
what other shows really blossomed in those years? Well, I think Benny did from about once he got the four writers around 44. You know, that 44 mm-hmm. to 55, I think, was much better than the first 12 years. Yeah. Um, just my thought, you know. I, I, I also like, I think what more people think of Fred Allen is the concept of his last four or five years when he had the Allen's Alley. I don't think most people think of his monologues or the Alan art players or those things from the 30s, they think of him, you know, uh, of the Alan's Alley routine, which was like his career. Was it good? I think it was. I think Senator Claghorn, I think Senator Claghorn pulled it off. He wound up being a rooster. I say, I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, who did he have? The little owl chasing him in the cartoons. <laughs> the tiny owl trying to bring down Senator Leghorn or whoever <laughs> the bird was. <laughs> but that was the speech pattern he had. I don't know which came first. Walden, do you know? Oh, I think I think the senator voice was first. Then they built everything off of that to create the Senator Leghorn. Hmm. You know, actually how... Kenny Delmar came up with that voice? No. He was, he hitchhiked a ride from from Texas to New York, and a guy who picked oh, him up was a, was a Texas guy who spoke that way the entire trip. So, uh, that's, that was the voice that, that was the voice that Kenny Delmar used for his portrayal of the senator. Uh, I'm glad he found good out of it. <laughs> oof, oof. Texas to New York with... I say their son, I say, I say, oh, my word. Oh, my word. I've been looking for my earmuffs. You know, that's a, that's a thing that more people probably did back in those days with the hitchhike ride that you now would feel very uncomfortable doing that today. With sure. The environment, sure. But, you know. And it wasn't terribly long ago that people could do that. Yeah. Pick up um, hitchhikers. Yeah. When I was in the Army... I, I'd go home every other weekend mm-hmm. uh, as I was at Fort Hood, Texas, mm-hmm. and I'd go home to my grandparents' house every other weekend, and that's how I got back and forth. I hitchhiked. Wow. So you must have felt com- you, you must have felt comfortable doing it then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the only time, only one time did I, I, uh, I got into uh, one vehicle and. Um, the gentleman was of a different persuasion, and uh-huh. I said, I, uh, let me out now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Excuse me, there's my tree. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get out of here. my stop right here, right, right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not a criticism of anybody, but when you're, when you're so far different from that lifestyle, any lifestyle, mm-hmm. it can be terribly uncomfortable. Yeah, but he was, so. when I said that, he said, well, hang on, let me get you up here to this next exit, you know, where this, this truck stop up here, and I'll let you out there, so it would be easier for you to get a ride, so, mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was not. That was nice. Mm-hmm. That was a very nice gesture. So, how long were you in the Army, Gary? Three years. 
and what did uh, what did he do? What did what, what were some of the skills you picked to learn? Were there, were there certain well, characters? Um, well, when I first went in, I was a radar operator. Okay. And um, because I was not going overseas mm -hmm. any, um, they uh, were trying to uh, phase that that particular. Uh, skill out, um, or not phase it completely out, but, you know, you know they had too many people in uh, with that, yeah, that skill, mm -hmm. and so, uh, yeah. and uh, they, they asked me to, you know, to go to another place, and I said, sure, why not, and so I went to the motor pool for a while, and then, uh, um, then I well, when I finished up, I was I was uh, in the, the the kitchen as a, as a cook. So you did everything. So I did a little bit of everything. So what was the best thing you could cook in 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 the kitchen? What if if Patricia and I were coming over to your place today for for dinner? What what could you put on the oh, table? I, I have this fabulous. I like Sam. If that helps. <laughs> I have this really fabulous dish that I make right now. Um, it's um, well, basically, you call it a, uh, a pizza casserole. Ooh! Ooh! It's. Ooh, we'll be out to test that. <coughs> it's. Um, oh, I forget what the, the the noodles are called, but they're. Um, they're about an inch, inch and a half long, and uh, a little bit bigger than a pencil in diameter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um... Are they hollow like macaroni? Yeah. Or flat? Yeah. Um... Like macaroni. Well, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, except, you know, they're they're a lot bigger. Anyhow, yeah. you boil them till they're, they're, they're good and soft. Mm hmm And then, um, then I take a piece of pepperoni and stuff in each one. Oh. That's the part that everyone. Oh my gosh, this must be bigger than ZD. <laughs> so anyhow, and I can't uh, think. Oh wait a minute. Oh 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 wait. Mm, mm, mm. Help me here. You stuff them. Are you, do you put cheese I'll think in? Of it. I'll think of it. Do you put yeah. cheese in it too, or just just um, pepperoni? No, I just uh, just put the pepperoni in in the, the noodles. Okay. And then. Uh, uh, then my pizza sauce, uh, however I make it, you know, spicy or just plain or whatever. Okay. Um, and then I take it and I pour that over the top of my noodle dish, you know, all okay. noodles stuffed with pepperoni. And then I let the juices soak down for a little bit. Okay. And then I put a little bit more on top and then cover that with cheese, shredded cheese. Mm. And then you mm. set the oven at 400 for about, uh, oh, about, uh, about 25, 30 minutes. You know, let the, the cheese get, you know, nice and melted and, and browned. Okay. And mm. then you take it out and eat it. So is it, <laughs> you put it in a casserole dish kind of thing? Um, the way I was first taught, uh, you put it in one of those uh, the the cheesecake spring pans. Okay. And but you know 
I, I don't I didn't really like the way it came out of that. Um, so I just I just use my regular uh, Pyrex uh, uh, cooking dishes. I got two or three different sizes, and uh, I uh, I just you you when you put them in there you stand them up on end, mm. and so that you know when you got the pan full of noodles, you know they all got the holes up so you, when you pour the juice you know, your spaghetti sauce, it seeps down inside of them, and, uh, and it's just good eating. So do you cut it up in squares, or how would you serve it? Yeah, you, yeah, you just cut it in squares. Mm-hmm. I'll be right there. Wow. It sounds like, oh, yeah. sound, sound like a low-cal dish to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're not worried about your diet, your diet when you eat this little fella. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, no. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, Gary, thank you so much, and thank you for the <clears throat> recipe. Yep. <laughs> Every time I hang up, I want to eat. I think we have a fundraising idea. We could have the Shiny Night Cookbook. We could have everybody put their favorite recipe and email to Patricia, and then we could... Send it out as an email for a contribution. What do you think? Uh huh. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. Why not? That. We Why talked not? about that. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I got. Uh, Please don't leave us hanging when you say butter. Please tell us how much. <laughs> you know, I mean, people forget to do that sometimes because they're so accustomed to making it themselves. You know, butter is butter. What do you put in there? A pat? A, a stick? That could be Gary's contribution. Four or five. That's a big comp- com- contribution. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with me. I'll have you talking a different language. Well, I already do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Well, oh. Gary, thank you so much for calling, and I'll wait for the for the recipes and see what our family out there send me a recipe. I like it can that. be a regular recipe that you put an extra spin on, but don't copy it out of Betty Crocker or whatever is out there. Recipe. I like that. I'm glad I thought that out. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? Jerry, thanks so much. Alrighty. Take care. We'll talk to you guys next week. Or you bet. Or sometime, in okay. the month, sometime in the month of May. Um, let's see. Well, the... When is it? Oh, the 10th. The 10th of the month? That's yeah. going to be mm-hmm. my 30th. Oh. I'm turning 60 that day. Congratulations. We'll put that Patricia calendar, her birthday calendar. So, Gary, got May 10th. Okay. I'm May 10th is Gary's. Okay. All right. Congratulations if we don't talk Alrighty. to you by then. Okay. We'll Take care. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. You like to have Patricia keep track of your birthdays or anniversaries? Send her an email at floridawriter <laughs> at hotmail.com. You know, I've been doing a reasonably good job until some of my computers went bluey, and then I couldn't try. You know, mm-hmm. life was supposed to be so easy with this new technology that they kept introducing. Ah. 
Mm-hmm. You have a different opinion of that? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Hello there, you with, with Patricia. Hello, Harwood. Harwood. How in the world are you? I came across, darn it, I need to write these things down. Harwood, I came across something today that I said Harwood would have something to say about that one. Ask me what it was. Could I ask? It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's uh, uh, gone. I just, I was afraid to ask what it is. Well, you don't have to bother. I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> it's really okay. That's your collection. You can ask all you want. I can't remember it. I'm sorry. No. Oh, and it was such a good I, one, I, too. I got some bad news for you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Are you okay? No. I, I, you can't remember. It's going to get worse. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> Golden will rescue me. Well, as time passes, that's just the way it is. Golden who? This, this is the time to to send you my ten favorite possum recipes. <laughs> we'll put that as a special addendum. <laughs> we'll put that as part of the shuttle cooking. We'll put that under the shuttle cooking under the under the. Well, you know that would really be fun. Yeah. Um. I'm serious. How many recipes do you have? I mean, none, very few of us would have heard of possum anything, but are there special recipes that are common to the South? No, I, I never knew there was a recipe. You just put it in a pot and do your thing. <laughs> what? What? I mean, you, you just put it it's, in your it's pot. Whatever you, I mean, whatever you think up that day. Well, you have to take his teeth out first, but. Uh, Oh, but I got close to one of those things just one time. Oh, my goodness, the row of teeth. <gasps> it's scary, Sean. Is there a really good North Carolina barbecue that would go good with possum meat? I mean, you know, I mean, you guys have your own little barbecue sauce and baked in North Carolina? Well, there's all kinds of barbecue sauce. Anywhere. It just depends on how people fix it because I don't like sweet barbecue. And the uh, Smithfield-type barbecue, which is from eastern North Carolina, however, they've opened up a barbecue place here in Greensboro about two years or so ago at Smithfield Barbecue. But I really don't care for it. Um, Lexington barbecue is a lot different, but I never got to liking that too much either. I mostly like what's done right here in Greensboro, but I think it's really a, a variation of Lexington barbecue. But it's not a sweet barbecue. Um, when I went to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, I was really shocked and surprised that it was all pepper. I, I, I you know, I, I, I grew up with more of a sweet barbecue sauce, but when I went to Kansas City, Missouri, it was all pepper. Well, it's not all pepper here. I mean, you put hot barbecue sauce on it or not, because unless you've got a hot sauce on it, it ain't hot, or at least not what we have. And, of course, around here, it's pork barbecue. But out probably in Missouri, I know in the Midwest, now it's all beef barbecue. Mm -hmm. But you don't have any of that here unless somebody just does it. It's not a common thing. 
even some people from out in the Midwest and all, they don't like pork barbecue at all. If it ain't beef, they don't want it. But it's yeah. just practically never done around here. What, what about the commercial brands that we see in the supermarket? Like um, Kraft has one and Heinz has one. and I don't know. There are a whole bunch of them. <clears throat> and I've sweet. migrated to one. Yeah, most of those are sweet, the ones I'm familiar with. Are they? I, I don't. I haven't seen one yet that I gave a flip about. I know there's one that oh. used to advertise a lot that had honey in it. And they claim, well, that made it stick to the meat and all that kind of stuff. You put barbecue sauce over meat, I don't care whether it's got honey in it or not, it's going to be stuck to the meat. That's just a advertising racket. But I haven't seen any of the commercial ones that I really care for. There's one place here in town that... Um, they make their own sauce, and of course, you can buy it by the bottle there at the restaurant. Uh, I've never seen it in a store, um, but you know, I like it pretty good. But the you, you know, basic commercial ones, I haven't seen one yet, and I'm sure there's some I would, but I just hadn't run on it. Yeah, the ones that we uh, on my family buy here, Bullseye's, it, it's the barbecue sauce that we buy in the store. And it's got a little bit of a spike, a, a little bit of a, a kick to it, but it's still, it's probably more, more you probably consider more sweet, but it does have a bit of a, a kick to it. Um, but that's, well, that's the one we uh, like. I, I just, I've never gone for any sweet barbecue. Mm -hmm. I just don't care for it. But I guess somebody must, because if they didn't, they wouldn't sell it. That's true. Must be popular somewhere. I buy it. I mean, you know, if you like it, I'm not knocking it. It's just not my thing. Oh, you no, I know you're not knocking it, and I'm not knocking yours. Let us have a fork piece. Cross our forks, Absolutely. and we will declare peace. <laughs> it's just, you know, the the kind we have here is most of what I've always eaten, and I guess that's probably got a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh what I like or what I don't like, but you know, if everybody liked the same thing, it wouldn't be one kind, would it? All right, all right. Now, you're, you're a true Southerner, Harwood. You're the most Southern gentleman we have in the family. So I'm going to ask you a really big question. I, I, part, but anyway. I know. Yeah, this is here. Yeah, but part, as Patricia was <laughs> What Northern food do you like? <laughs> I can't wait to hear this one. I really, thinking. I really don't have an answer. I knew you wouldn't. I can't think of anything. Of course, I've, I've, I've never really eaten anything up north. I did some when I had to go to Boston when I was nine years old, but I don't have a clue what I ate then. That's a long time ago. So I, I don't. I think pizza. I think pizza is a northern dish. I don't think of that being from the south. No, it really isn't. But I do like. Well, it's like everything else. I do like pizza, uh -huh. but it's certain kinds. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that don't mean a flip to me, but I'm sure plenty of people do. Or like I said, so, so you're not. I'm, I can't count you one of the, my the pineapple fans, right? No. <laughs> I, love pineapple. I like pineapple. We buy fresh ones and have them here, but I don't know pineapple on a pizza. 
I want no ice in my coffee neither. <laughs> that, that's been the weirdest thing I've been hearing Starbucks ads lately. They're averaging the cold brew. We stick it in cold water for 20 hours, and it's a different taste. I mean, that's how they're selling their coffee now, cold brew. I wonder if they're charging the same prices. I think, I think whoever got started, got co- iced coffee started, yeah. was to get rid of the leftover coffee today. And, you know, that's one of those deals, if you tell enough people a big enough lie often enough, then it becomes the truth. So I, I, yeah, I don't want no. I read, I read something by Mark Twain the other day, and he said, um, a good lie can travel around the world before the truth gets his boots on. Oh, that's a good He's point. absolutely right about that. Yep, yep. Oh, gosh. I oh, gosh. believe them. But, you know, I don't want hot milk. And I don't want no iced coffee. That just ain't what it's supposed to be. (laughs) It's just not what what it was made to be. Oh, gosh. Mm. But no, I've really never eaten any northern food much, or at least what I hear a lot of people say that good up there, Mm -hmm. especially like vegetables and things like that, they don't have cook them. (laughs) All the vegetables are crunchy and you know, they they really don't cook them like we do down here. What's and I have no desire um, for um, them. What's the difference? That's a good question. What's the difference in vegetable cooking? What you season it with and how long you cook it. And I'm not talking about cooking it till it's nothing but mush. And I don't mean that. We don't. <laughs> I guess there's some people that do it. There's some people do about anything whether you know it or not, <laughs> still, that's yeah. what I'm referring to. I want it done. And then a lot of things, I guess, that we season with, they don't season like that up north. That's just... Like what? Like what? the beast. How much have you run into that, Patricia, that In, is a lot different than where you were born since you moved down here, I mean? Um, no, the, the Northerners brought everything down with them. I think the last time I had traditional food was with one of, one of the like deputies. Like what you yourself from home kind of thing. Say that again, please. You, you have what you cooked yourself uh, from home, so to speak, the, the way um, that you cook there. Not, not particularly, because most of the things that we get in the store actually are ones that came down with the northerners which so is really, kind of sad so so really Florida but not, are, so that did that really mean Florida's not really part of the south mm, we're getting there <laughs> <laughs> and i really hate it you know we had such such charm and oh gosh it, it was i don't know it, every region in the country has to go through an evolution but Boy, some of them happened too fast, and this one is happening too fast. But I did have two really great Florida foods, strictly Florida. One one of the deputies I I did um, articles about, and he got me into – no, I guess it was somebody else who got me into the 
uh, into the ranches while they were roundup during the roundups. But he, bless his heart, before everything was protected, they would call this dish swamp cabbage. And I thought, I don't think I want to taste it. He said, it's good. You get swamp cabbage by stripping one of the special palm trees, one species of palm trees, and you get all the bark and all the spikes off the sides, and you get down to the sweet meat, and you cut it up, and you chop it, and it tastes a little bit like coleslaw. You can put spices in it, and it comes out as a side dish to a meal. It was absolutely wonderful. I mean, who would think of eating a tree? I, I don't. Well, but I haven't ever had any of that, but I'd be willing to try it. it. It sounds like it might be good. It really was good. Um, it didn't. I would have expected something out of the center of a tree to have a bitterness to it, and it didn't. And it wasn't sweet. It wasn't bitter. It just had a nice flavor in there, a little bit like cabbage. And it was so receptive to any kind of spice you wanted to put in there if you wanted one at all. So that was good. And the second one was so good. You might even have it in your stores up there. It's called Everglades Seasoning. Now, there are probably a lot of... I haven't heard of that, but I will look for it. Oh, please do. And if you can't find it, I'll look for it here and get some to you. What do you, what, what do, you put it in? It's uh, it's a spice. That okay. It's a, um, a, a spicy mixture, and it's very mild but very tasty. And it tastes like it has maybe bay leaf in it. I, I should have paid attention because I used to go out <clears throat> and spend time with the man who it, it developed it and would you know, in great big barrels, he would mix this stuff up. And I, I said, what do you have in there? He said, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and that, of course, was the correct answer. But it is a wonderful, um, just a, a seasoning, an accent. You can put it on on your steaks. You can put it in your vegetables. You can, I mean, it's just something that adds a zip to a lot of dishes. So those are the two that I managed to get to before everybody put a breath. I don't know if they even make it anymore. But this this guy was just such a hoot. Just such a hoot. And he was obviously old-time Florida. And, well, um, it's just too bad <laughs> that they stopped the guy here in Greensboro, Greensboro from making uh, Samson sauce before I was able to get some to send you before I knew either one of you. Uh, I think I may have one bottle, and I guess I need to try to copy the label off of it for you to read what it's good for. Oh, great. Is it is it one but, that you can eat and use on the skin? Oh, yes, you can, you can eat. But one of those, it, a little it, bit of everything. It stopped him because it wouldn't do all the stuff it said it would do. Uh, I mean, it would do everything you could imagine to grow our way to growing hair. Yeah. Well, why didn't I, they just I, change? Why didn't I'm they just change? I'm gonna try my best to to get that label. That sure sounds like still on the bottle. It sure sounds like a, a, a whole memory, or it's not really a home. A it was a chain from Pennsylvania, and this this mm, stuff interesting. This stuff was brown, and it smelled, but it cured everything. And right. And it, it, was, it was named. Everything was. Everything. They were too upset to stick around. Yeah, they it, left. It was called. It's called Resnol. We still have it, and it's brown smells, 
but it, in the old days, it, it had less than what it cured. It was just forever. Then they cut down the rest of whatever, but still, you got rat, baby rats, poison ivy, just flap it on there, it goes away. It's just, it's just a remarkable uh, uh-huh. part of ointment. But it's brown and it smells, but it, it does the job. Well, how I many do you know if they're still making it or if they stopped it? I think they still, they're still making it, though. I thought I had the last I'm, week. I'm trying to find it. <clears throat> well, there's there's a company, and I think we may have discussed this once before, mm-hmm. that might have it. Um, it's an Amish company, although they're selling stuff they didn't make, obviously, when you read it. But they've got the most amazing old things from lamps to tools in that place. Things I never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, heck, what's the name of that place? Uh, I will have to ask Barbara about okay. it. We get a catalog every so often because I have bought from them and got on their mailing list and uh, a catalog comes. But they have an awful lot of foods too that the Amish are making although they're selling items that were made overseas and all too mm-hmm. but anyway they they have the most amazing stuff in there um oh, I, I was trying to get it to come to me but my mind don't work like it used to and it just will not you know you mentioned a catalog how we were taking in the, in the family but we've been Discussing the demise of Sears and some of the some of the retail giants are starting to go disappear and right and the family saying, well, you know what's going to happen? They're going to all go back to be a catalog business. They'll just be we'll all wind up with getting catalogs in the mail eventually again. They'll just go back to the old days again. You think? That's what the, that's the hmm. thought around here. I'll be darned. I'm, I'm in- Does that mean radio is coming back? Might as well. Huh, huh, huh. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they say TV disappearing, actually. They're, they're having... They're yes, <laughs> really, yeah. They, 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 they're, they're talking about how... I, I don't know if you saw the news this week, but ESPN has such a major layoff that they can't serve it to death. Oh, yes, I did see that. And so they're thinking TV, traditional TV is now in trouble. So it's going to be all online. So the people who grew up with a TV set might be disappearing. Yeah, but you know, old radio shows as well as books, I think. People, everything is so visual. They just can't deal with something they can't see. Um, And I know that doesn't mean everybody deals with a very high percentage. And if they can't watch it on screen, then they can't keep their mind on it. Yeah, I, I think what I think too the platform is changing so much lately that it'll be a hybrid of everything. So, you know. Well, it it it's sure a shame about radio as well as as books. I mean, you know, um, to me, I don't have to get distracted with something else. However. The thing is, I can listen to radio shows or I can read a book and work at the same time. Yeah. Well, the average person can't do that. No. And they can't even sit there and listen to a book or a radio show because 
that's on the screen for me to watch. I, I can't I can't understand what's happening. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so much of that, and that's why I don't think that things like Dell Radio should have come back, except for people that can and have or grew up with it or something like that 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 can do that but your your average person that's you know probably less than 30 or whatever it's it's about an impossibility well i think the only way it could come back if the economics are so expensive to produce drama or comedy on the visual format that that might be a factor yeah, but if, if people aren't watching it, though, or are listening to mm-hmm. it, let's rephrase, um, with, with like, the radio shows, it's all sound. Right. And everything you're hearing is sound effects. You can't get away with that on movies and TV shows. It's, that's, that's one thing that makes the cost a lot more expensive. You think it's a cultural thing? Because, you know, they did a survey here not too long ago that the English people in England, 71%, say their favorite form of entertainment is the radio. It might be, but at least what I have seen here, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a change of mindset or can't help it or what the case may be, but you're, I'd say you're 95% average sighted person. If they can't watch it, they they cannot keep their interest on it, or at least what I have seen. I wonder what is the popu- U.S. population now who really are readers. Now that I don't mm, Good question. Know. I, 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 I would not be surprised if we, and it's, it's, hard, it's so hard to define what's a reader now. You classify it by the number of books they read a month or, or whatever. I, I I wouldn't be surprised it's under 5% of the U.S. population. It'd be, be my well, guess. Patricia would have a better answer on that than okay. I would, but, um, you know, a lot of your bookstores are going out of business. Right. Yeah, you know, it's because of traditional books right. are becoming extinct. Barnes & Noble has shut down a number of their brick-and-mortar, too many, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It was really a large number, and it was just the beginning. It was something like 76 stores went down at the same time. I thought, wow. Well, I looked at the debt structure the last time I looked at their numbers, over a billion dollars in debt. You know, Barnes & Noble has gone. Well, that'll yeah, do it, won't it? A lot, of, a lot of that's because people are buying them. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that has probably hurt them, not probably, is the number of books that are available to download. I've got a Nook, other people have Kindles, and you walk around with these, and you can take them with you and put them in your pocket. They're, some of them are free, and um, there's no need to go to a brick and mortar unless you're looking for something special. And uh, one that's They're large like enough people. probably has you're looking for, but they'll order them for you. Well, too, uh, digital books like that are a whole lot cheaper to produce. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed. Cheaper to, 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 to make, distribute, and everything else than yeah. printing and paper and how they're bound and out in stores mm-hmm. for people to walk sure. by. You're looking at a drop in the bucket cost-wise with mm-hmm. electronic books. Sure. What you have to buy for 28 or $30 in the store, you can get for 3 or $4 online. Right. And I'm one of the rascals who goes out to the Gutenberg sites, mm-hmm. and I find the really old books, which I love, and uh, they are out of copyright. So, you know, I just download them and read them. I got all my Charlie Chans in a row. <laughs> so, you know, those are the kind that I really enjoy with the old language from the turn of the 20th century. So, right. uh, fun stuff. You, are you? But a, you're right. Uh, uh, I drew a blank. I swear. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it ain't your fault. It's mine. It just happens. This blank is sponsored by Yesterday USA. Yeah. That's right. And I have several to contribute. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm in. I'm I remember. I can't remember the author, but if I'll <laughs> give you the character, if you read him, you will know uh, mm-hmm. the Isaac Bell books. No. Okay. I mean, that's a character. Um, I swear, the author is just... Well, you probably wouldn't know this either, but he's big into uh, locating shipwrecks and stuff like that, and he was the oh. uh, that footed the cost that found the... Um, Atosha? The CSS Hunley. Oh, no, I was stuck on the Atosha. No, tell me about that one. Uh, you didn't know they found it? No. What, the Atosha? Sure. It was oh, no... Oh, like the Hunley. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Mel Fisher, that's what it was. No, I talk about Mel Fisher. I know who he is. No, this is an author, but he does find and locate a lot of shipwrecks. He profits from none of them. He just turns the information over to uh, historical and museum outfits that either may or may not recover them. Uh, He has no souvenirs from any shipwreck he has ever found. Hmm. I swear I can't even think. Anyway, you know what the C.S. Hunley was. This is, it sounds like a very mercenary question, and I guess it is. Is he very rich? Because these expeditions apparently, are yes, Apparently he there, is, but it, it's there. come from his writing. Um, I swear. I, I feel so stupid. As many books of his as I've read, and it won't come to me. It will. When uh, it will even, yeah, when I hang up. I know it will. Sure. Um Back to the question, though, you know what the the, the Hunley is? Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people look for it, but he didn't find it himself, but he footed the cost of finding it. And, of course, it's in the 
the Naval Museum in Charleston now. And actually, we made a barrier panel that is in that display that keep, controls the crowd, kind of. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like a horizontal window shade type thing. Mm -hmm. We didn't sell it to them. We made it for the guy that sold it to them. Um, mm -hmm. That's in that exhibit. Um, a friend of mine went to it. He's dead now, but him and, and a friend of his went down there to the display, and I really wish I could, but, you know, one point it would be useless, and the other point would be good, the fact that I could say that I had been there. Yeah. Said, I just got an email from Tom in New York who said Isaac Bell books are by Clive Kessler. Kessler. That's him. I knew somebody come okay. up with it. You know, I mean, thank you, Tom. <laughs> it is just so awful to go to bed with one of these things banging around in your head. Well, so Clive Kessler and several other people that write books with him is mm -hmm. mostly sea, undersea, adventure type things. He's got several well-known characters like, um, now I'm drawing a blank again. I know it's good as anything. But I, the Isaac Bell series was one of them, and that's pretty much based around 1900. Uh, from around 1900 to uh, possibly into the 20s. Um, but you know they they are great. You, you really need to look at at, at some of the things Clive Cusser has done. Now I think he's got money, but he made it writing, not uh, shipwrecks. Uh, that's just one of his hobbies of of, of locating them. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't recover them. Yeah, yeah. That is a pricey, pricey expedition when you go out after one of those. Oh, it is. Oh, my gosh. We're talking about He actually, here I know dive. he was trying to find the um, the PT boat that uh, Kennedy was uh, had. Mm -hmm. That was lost, you know, when the ship cut the thing in two. The Japanese right. ship cut it in two. Uh, he never actually found it. But he did find one of the natives that rescued the people off the people oh. from the island several days later and uh -huh. actually talked to him. And he said, now, of course, the guy couldn't speak English. He had to have an interpreter. I can't remember. He was very old. Um, he was either in his 80s or 90s when he found him. But the nobody had ever... Um, given him anything for doing that. Absolutely nothing. And uh, Custer gave him a pair of binoculars and told him that was in thanks for what he had done. And it, it tickled that old man to death. <laughs> um, I bet it did. That the United States would do that for him, not to mention the fact that he had a real nice pair of binoculars. And the United States had yeah. to do with it. Clive Cusser did it. Oh, my. But it's, now, this it's is interesting because you, you know about... Go ahead. It, it, it's amazing the, the ship.
shipwrecks that he has found. But um, most all of his uh, books are very good. Uh, one was the Dirt Pit series, and um, I can't think of Austin's first name. Um, but anyway, it's the same type thing as the Dirt Pit series. Now, you really are looking into those because they, they are very good, and there's a mess of them. It sounds really interesting. I wonder what the you know, most fam- what famous ship ever d- found and brought back up. And brought back up. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I just read about uh, I one guess the other that day. Part of a de- <clears throat> of of um, opinion, um, because there's been a lot recovered, right? And a lot found that. Well, like the Titanic, it was just not practical to recover it. But at least there, this this one belonged to World War One, mm-hmm. and it it was just an absolute wreck when they brought it up. I mean, it's still a wreck, but they did bring it up, and it was one of the famous ships that they had been looking for. I don't know. You want me to? <laughs> you want me to remember what it was? Was it well, we'll have the we'll have the family email it to you at floridawriterhotmail dot com. Yes, and anything else. <laughs> um, I was, I was well, other, other, what I'm wondering, you're thinking, uh, you know, I get the, it all harking back to the old days of pirate ships, right? Now, you know, those are sure were the the ones that everybody kept looking for. I'm assuming back. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so are, there, are there famous pirate treasures that people are still looking for today? Yes, there are. Um, Indeed. Well, there are some pirate treasures, mm-hmm. but uh, they still look for a lot of shipwrecks, especially Spanish shipwrecks in the mm-hmm. Gulf. The galleons, yes, Off that were traveling back and forth with Spain, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them were around Florida, between Florida and mm-hmm. Cuba. In the Gulf, mm-hmm. and then also in the Atlantic, just off the East Coast. What's that area down in Florida? Is it the uh, Triangle, the uh, something Triangle? Oh, the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. Bermuda Triangle. I don't know how... But do you know the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle or where it's the It's rather large, are? but I think it's more east than right around Florida. Uh, it yeah. may touch somewhere near Florida, but I think it's more toward Bermuda. Uh, a lot of strange things have happened there, and I'm not in a position to argue the fact one way or the other whether it exists. Um, you hear all kind of stories, and a lot of them you never know whether they're true or not. But it sure seems like a lot of strange things happen. I mean, back to the, oh, what was that flight of... Um, Fighters that disappeared. Yeah, and they were Air Force out on a practice run. Yes. So there, there was no reason, and they were never found. Hey. And you know, one one would radio in that they were aiming, and you know what direction they were going in. And the next one said, "No, we're going over here," and the third one said, "No, my my says over here," and everything was just going bizonkers. Exactly. Their equipment uh, they didn't down. where they were going because their compasses and everything else just gone haywire. Uh, absolutely haywire, and they were running out of fuel when that happened. 
Yeah. So, you know, not likely to find them. Well, there's a lot of strange things that have happened in the world, and uh, I'm sure some of them are true. So it makes you wonder, like, um, the magnetic field caused chaos or something. Yes, everybody exactly. The equipment mm-hmm. went bonkers. Yes. Um, but they were also in some of the radio transmissions. They couldn't even tell which way was up or down. Mm. Um, there was just no demarcation between the, the sea. They didn't know up or down or any direction. Everything was showing something different. So I think there was more to it than just a magnetic thing. And don't ask me what. I have no idea. Uh, the whole thing was a strange deal. But I guess we'll never find Even if they found the flight, they still wouldn't know what happened. They would no. know they found no. it. Mm-mm. of fans over here. I just got an, another email. This one from Steve. Um, Clive Kessler, and author of the Isaac Bell books, and also wrote Raise the Titanic. Oh, yes, he did. Out, yeah. How about that? Okay. I, I will um, put that on my you get a starter reminder list for me, somebody, because um, I've now got five books going at the same time. I thought the, the one about the Hunley was a very good book, but Clive Custer didn't write it. I cannot think who did. Um, but they went through the whole search and what they went through trying to find that thing in Charleston Harbor and uh, all the way until they took it to the Naval Museum in Charleston. Um, and that's where it is. But mm-hmm. um, that was a very good book, even though he didn't write it. But it, it anybody was interested in the Huntley, uh, it was well worth reading. Sounds, Funny sounds thing like was, it. the guy we make these barrier panels for, therefore blocking loading docks, passages, all kind of things, and there's various kinds of some are made out of vinyl, some out of uh, mesh, but they're all uh, a bright yellow color, and we've made them from 10 feet long to 25 feet long. And they roll out like a horizontal window shade, like I said. But he is from up north somewhere, and he was in here telling me where one of the ones we made, where we make all the, do all the sewing for these things. But they mostly go to industrial plants. But he was in here talking about that, that one went to the museum down there for the Hunley exhibit. And he didn't even have a clue what the Hunley was. I, I asked him, I said, do you know what the Hunley is? No, I never heard of it. You're standing there telling me you don't even know what the Hunley Nope, never heard of it. <laughs> so anyway... That's really weird. Well, I thought it was too, but a lot of that should have been the first question he asked. Well, this guy, I don't think he's running with a full load anyway. <laughs> As, one pickle short in the barrel, yeah. Yeah, um, or a few 
few bricks shy of a load or whatever, but, you know, he, he orders, he pays his bills well, and or at least what he owes us, he pays right yeah. up, and, um, you know, he can be a little flaky if he wants to. I don't care. <laughs> well, I have a question for you in terms of production. He he wants, and you make, horizontal, uh, you know, screening that looks like a horizontal horizontal blind what is the benefit of horizontal versus vertical for what he's doing with them so he's blocking uh at the edges of loading docks uh passages where you're 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 preventing people coming in i know we made a bunch for a uh transformer um mm-hmm. uh, in south oh, Boston, awesome. virginia and when they're running um uh, insulation test and all on these transformers, very high voltage transformers, and they block the area where the test is going on. Now they have like um, um, light beam um, barriers or whatever. So if somebody breaks it, uh, it will shut the whole test down, so nobody gets mm-hmm. killed by stupidity. But they wanted the barriers too to try to stop somebody from walking into the area that wouldn't even see the beams before. Because if the if the test, I mean, you know, it runs for hours, and it could be 30 minutes away from being finished. And if somebody broke one of those beams, it shuts the test down. Then they've got to start all over again. So they use these barriers to stop them from from even going through. Yeah. That was just one example. Um, we, After I asked the question, I thought, "Hey, stupid! Of course you know why it's a benefit." <laughs> so, and well, it's, it's telling not me, people, I was almost these right. These things are are four feet high. You can see over them. Uh, they're four feet high, and then however many feet long they need to block. The area to be blocked. Uh, some we make use two that meet in the middle, if it's a extremely wide area. But once you get past 22 or 23 feet, they start getting difficult to wind and to keep them tight um, when they're in place um, because these winders are spring-loaded type things. Ooh, uh, okay. Last two we did were going to Boeing out in. Um, Oregon, I think it was. Uh, we've had some that went to Australia, uh, New Zealand, um, just all kinds of, of places, uh, mostly industrial plants is mostly where they go. Um, there was another place in Charleston that blocked off a, a medical helicopter uh, landing site some hospital there. I can't remember the name of it. Now, that was a double one. Um, won't come to me at the moment. But see, a lot of these, he has logos printed on them, too, but that's done before we get the, uh, well, he comes and gets the material, takes it and has it printed, and then he comes back to us to have uh, handle uh, pulls and, and um, stays in it to keep the thing straight up and down and stuff like that that, that have to be sewed in. Um, 
and then a lot of them are just blank with your, he calls them hash marks, but you know they're black and yellow stripes at the top and bottom edges on a ribbon mm-hmm. and so on, which is about two inches wide. And they might just be on top and bottom of one face, or they could be top and bottom of both faces. It just depends on what they're doing with it. Yeah. And we sew yeah. that ribbon on. Now, usually, well, on the vinyl ones, he has those marks printed on. But the mesh ones, we have to sew the, the ribbon on that's got that those marks in it, as well mm-hmm. as stays that keep the thing standing up makes them more rigid uh, when yes. they're put out. <clears throat> I don't know how you keep up with this stuff, Harwood. What? I mean, really, you, you turned me on to trains. Now I'm all, I mean, I always hot, was hot on trains, but now you give me new aspects, like the one that was refurbished. My gosh, that wasn't refurbished, that was rebuilt. Um, well, wasn't it, though? <laughs> and, pardon? I said, wasn't it, though? That was about done for Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. And I'm really sorry for the gaps in the uh, narration. I still. Because I, I got to see what they were doing, but nobody else got to hear what they were doing. Yes. Well, you know, I hate that I couldn't tell everything, but I was still glad to find it. And I, I was not bored any of the time it was running. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had the stupid, and really was stupid, thoughts that it was like trading out a muffler or something in your own car. And it was just amazing how many pieces came off this train. Yep. You know, bolts and you know the little stuff that absolutely had to be back and synchronized perfectly with what was, oh, gee, Oh, I just God. thought it was absolutely amazing, though, too, not to mention the little things with the boilers and the cradles for them. The boilers were done God knows how far from where the cradles were done. And when they put them together, they fit exactly. I mean, it was just, I can understand it better if the same people were making both things at the same place. Mm-hmm. But when you're Even then it would have been a thousand fix, but miles from the other, it's just amazing that they can get things, yeah. especially large things, that close. But the I, the I, specs were so tight. It, it was just amazing to watch these things just fall into place. And they and I was sure amazed at, at, at a lot of the parts to the the steam system that I would have never would have never occurred to me. Um, and well, that's one part of the steam system, but like the smoke box ahead of the stack and all that, I, I still don't understand quite what that was for. But I would have <laughs> never thought of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my. A lot of amazing stuff out there if you run on it. Now, back to Clive Cusser for a minute. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. what he is most of what he is writing is fiction. However, most of it is based on historical fact. Mm-hmm. 
um, and a lot of the things he has written that he has solutions for, uh, he finds them, or the character finds things that have been lost for thousands of years, hundreds of years, or whatever. And obviously they've never been found, but he's got a logical solution. But nevertheless, it, it's based on actual fact of what happened. Not sure. The whole thing's not fiction. It, it's it's based on the fact that it really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if obviously if it hadn't been found, then nobody knows what the solution would be when it was. But he does pick historical um, themes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He, he builds his stories around the real thing. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got that far from possible. <laughs> but it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love taking trips with you. Oh, you were talking, I didn't know, and it won't come to me. Several weeks, I got on, he was your last caller that night. Mm-hmm. He's a regular. Uh-huh. But you got, he, he, one of you brought up the Navajo Code Talkers. I think we were talking to Daniel from Indiana about it that. It was Dan, yeah, uh, from Indiana. Yeah. So go ahead. It, it wasn't Daniel, I know that, or at okay. least not what I heard was. Oh, it might, well, it might be Paul from, when we talked to Paul from uh, California, it might have been. We I might thought have been. it was you, Walden. Uh, well, I think I was involved well, in the anyway, conversation. Well, anyway, whoever it was. It doesn't make any yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, there is a whole lot of interesting information about that. However, the, the point I'm trying to get to, that was in 2016. There was an article in QST Magazine, which is a radio-oriented magazine mm-hmm. put out by the American Radio Relay League in Newington, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and it's primarily for ham radio operators. But they had an article about the code talkers, but primarily the um, the the Marine Museum in Virginia has set up a very large display in the foyer of the museum dedicated to the code talkers. Hmm. Uh, they, well. ARL has even found a couple of the radios that were used. Uh, during World War oh, II, um, I think there's still a couple survivors from the, from the group. A uh, very few. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's any or, the original uh, 21. I think okay. there were over a little over 400 total, okay. but the original group. Um, I'm not sure. However, what I'm getting to mm-hmm. is uh, they had one of them at the dedication of this display. Um, his name is Joe Hosteen Kelwood. Um, I do not remember his age. He was 90-something. But he was at the at the dedication of the, of the display. His son brought him. He was 70-something. His son was. Um, mm-hmm. one, that would have made his father at least in, in his 90s. He had yes, I, I know he was ninety something. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, maybe wow. if somebody could write that down. An email, maybe 
track it down, it should be nice to have somebody on. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, um, uh, the interviewer, I know that there was the a team for one of these radios. It doesn't like what they are now, mm-hmm. size-wise. These were much larger. Uh, it was a three-man crew to do to handle one of those radios. Wow. Um, wow. It was it was powered by a hand crank generator. Okay. Now I can't. Rem- I did know at one time how everything was distributed, and now I do not know who carried what. But like one guy had the generator and an antenna and a box of, um, you know, microphone. Um, patch cord, stuff like that. Another one carried the radio. Uh, another one carried something else. Anyway, it took mm-hmm. three of them to carry everything. And then when they stopped, it had to be, you know, everything Assembly. set up yeah. for them to start operating the thing. Well, one of the guys asked him, he said, well, how long do you have to crank this generator uh, well, when you were in action? He said, all day long. oh gosh did they talk about manning the thing how many times they got a rotation in there no I think a crew stayed a crew you didn't trade out with somebody else now there were many many crews but you didn't work several hours and somebody come along and you turn it all over to him if somebody, if they got any help, it was from another crew doing the same thing. But during a battle or whatever, you stayed there sometimes for two weeks before you were relieved. And needless to say, you didn't get much sleep. Uh, it was it was something. Uh, and they were right in the thick of it like everybody else. Another thing that absolutely amazed me in the book I read on... Guadalcanal was one of the first places that they were really involved with. Um, it was an article about one of the crews and a commander for the platoon. He wasn't having none of it. You know, th- these things were very secret. Uh, very few people even knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they, he had a message sent back to the the, the main uh, headquarters control, and they were using, and I can't seem to find out much about this code, but it was called a white code. And apparently, this was a round cylinder of some kind with pins on it, and I never understood how it worked. I didn't ever see a description, and I can't seem to find it on the internet, but that's what they were using. And one of the code talker uh, team. Ask him, so how long is it going to take to send this message back? He said, well, it, it'll take approximately four hours. He, he said, well, we can do this in two minutes. Well, he lied. It took him two and a half minutes to do the same thing. <laughs> um, but anyway... They were a an extreme benefit in the Pacific and Europe. Yes. Got going, but I don't think the Japanese ever, ever cracked it, right? No, no, nobody ever did. Yeah. But, nobody ever cracked it. Um, 
and it was used in World War II, it was used in Korea, and it was used in Vietnam. Wow. Um, the, the whole logic of the thing was never released until sometime in the 60s before anybody knew anything about it other than the, the co-talkers and their commanders. So it was remarkable. I mean, it, it, was was, a very it was an ingenious system to set up. Where, what was the origin of the system? Who thought up the the who came, who came up with the idea? A Navajo did. I didn't know his name, but it will not come to me. I mean, he was in service, but uh, a lot of what had happened in the twenties and thirties. Navajo children were rounded up and sent to English-speaking schools on reservations. Mm-hmm. And they tried to stamp out Navajo, period, the language. I'm mm-hmm. yeah. When they went to these schools, they were not allowed to speak a single word of Navajo. Ninety-eight percent of the kids had never spoken English in their life. They didn't right. even know what the, the they were being told to do. And if it wasn't for already uh, learned Navajos, so to speak, that had already learned English, they were just standing there like idiots. They were ordered to do this and ordered to do that. They didn't have a clue what those the teachers were saying. Yeah. And that they tried to totally stamp it out. Now, they would still speak Navajo when nobody would be around, but when they'd get caught, they were punished very severely. And, I mean, these were kids as small as five and six years old, right on up to, um, you know, 18, 20 years old. But they were taking the little ones mostly. Well, when the war came along, um, a Navajo that was already in service understood the problem and he went to a commander and told him that you know they needed to try this well all of a sudden Navajos were very important and they sure didn't want to stamp it out no more uh, the whole government logic back of the whole deal turned around 180 degrees if you think about it in a lot of ways that was a big deal that we broke the Japanese code very early you know, that's how some we tracked down John Monroe and shot him down in 43. And in the British, we broke the, the German code. So really, uh, those are understated big parts of World War II that a lot of our codes were here. Yes, and we had codes that were broken of ours, too. Mm-hmm. That one never was. Yeah. But, you know... Um, the, the main thing after World War II, of course, when the computer era came along, then the code talkers were irrelevant anyway. Yeah. But at the time, um, it was as good as you could get. But it, it was it was it was very interesting to read what had happened with that whole deal, and and the sad thing was that even after the war. If you were a Navajo and you lived on a reservation, you could get um, 
help from the government to, to go to college, mm -hmm. uh, to build a house, all this kind of thing. But if you refused to live on a reservation, you got nothing. They would not pay for you to go to school. They would not help you pay for a house or anything. And I thought that was pretty lousy, so all they had done. So sad. Oh, it is. Yeah. That's the way the world runs. But anyway, I've wasted enough time here. It's just been a while since I called. Oh, we're I'm, glad you called. I'm sure. Glad I always learn something. I, I always learn something when you call, Harwood. Well, That's the truth. You you are one of the Renaissance men of yesterday, USA, Harwood. You know <laughs> so much. It's true. I don't know about that, but a lot of things like that is fascinating to me. Yeah. I'm, I know it's not to everybody, and that's just the way it is. But well, you apparently hit a hot button with the ships because <laughs> I've gotten out two, maybe three emails already about it, and uh, that's where I got Clive. What's the face? <laughs> two of them came. No, well, definitely <laughs> so. need to look into that. All his characters are good. I like some better than others, but uh -huh. long term, uh, you know, one after another. Um, it's not just one book, one character. Uh, the character yeah. just continues on book after book after book. So it's uh, it's very good. Now, Isaac Bell was a very different thing to what he'd been writing, and I've only seen, I don't know, five or six Isaac Bell books. I just hope there are more. I think they're great. But it was a, it was not a, actually a C-type thing. Um, mm-hmm. He's more involved with the railroad and uh, labor um, uprising, so to speak, um, in the coal mines and um, steel mills and things like that of the early 1900s. Um, it's just a total different thing, but it's they're still very good, or as far as I'm concerned, they are. Well, that sounds good. You've never steered me wrong. I'm sorry? You've never steered me wrong. Well, I don't think I am on this, and um, I think you would really like a lot of them, and if you don't, then quit reading them. <laughs> that's, that's the best advice I wish other people. I, what do you mean you I didn't like it? what I like. I, yeah. I fully understand that. And I, yeah, uh, but, but uh, you know, you'll hear arguments from people. What do you mean you read it? And you didn't like it? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't like it. You know? And people that like I, music and they think everybody else likes the same thing. Sure. I know better than sure. that. And I don't usually push music on people uh, at all. And I like a lot of comedy songs and things like that. And I know other people don't. And, well, it's like the one I told you to listen to about driving a truck with my high heels on. And I wouldn't have done that except the fact you, all, you always said you wanted to drive a, a truck like that if it was only across the parking lot. We had a request this week from... Uh, you remember. We had a, a request from week, our friend Tom from Kansas, who's graduating from school next week from Illinois, uh, looking for a Danny Thomas comedy song. I'm trying to think of the title. He emailed it to Patricia. He wasn't sure about the title either, yeah. but it was a whole yeah. show, yeah. So, if anybody can think of a Danny Thomas comedy record, drop us an email. I can't. Um, I have listened to a lot of Danny Thomas. 
is just not one of my favorites. Um, although I've listened to a lot of okay. radio shows and things, it's just not real high on my list. And that's not saying there's a thing in the world wrong with him. It's just <laughs> not my yeah, It's just not your teeth. So anybody out there, that's a request from Tom from Kansas, who's now going to school in Illinois. So if you can think of a Danny Thomas record, drop us some emails at floridawriter at hotmail.com. We're looking for some titles. Surely I'm always here. A bunch. Yeah. Anyway, y'all take it easy. You too, Hollywood. Well, you too. And thank you for a good conversation. This was great. Thank you. All right. We'll see y'all again. You bet. Take care. Bye bye. All right, everybody. I'm going to take a break. It's salad time for Patricia. And I'm going to. Oh, I have my salad already. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get a snack. And so we're going to play a Fibber McGee and Molly to celebrate. I have one quickie before before we go. I I have one quickie. We're going to take more calls afterwards. Yes. Resinol. Yes. Resinol is used to treat pain and itching caused by minor cuts and scrapes. Burns, insect bites, poison ivy, sunburn, and other skin irritations. Um, and there are, oh, here we go. Treat acne, eczema, psoriasis, seborrhea, corns, calluses, warts, and other skin disorders. I don't know if there are any others. But, but anyway, that's your, your resume. And I'm impressed. That's what Uncle Walden suggested, and, you know, my great uncle who I was named for, that, he would be. The farm, family pharmacy for a hundred years, and so that's what they passed down. So resinol. I would resinol. Yeah, it's, I had never heard of it. Well, that's not true, because when you said the word, I said my grandmother, my grandmother. Maybe it was my great grandmother. I don't know. Somebody on that side of the family, and my grandmother always knew what to do. Truly, she always knew what to do. So, so everybody, that's anybody? highly recommended by the Hughes family. Could we use it? It's, just be aware, it's brown, it smells, and it might sting. Besides that, it's great stuff. Works great. <laughs> well, that's good. This is, this is wonderful. Sunburn, corns, calluses, <laughs> itching. My goodness. Okay, so you're going to get a snack. I'm going to get a snack. My salad, my salad is waiting All for right. me. So, Patricia? I've been sitting here with my mouth watering just thinking about it. So, that's what. So, the bunny rabbit. Full of rabbit. So the bunny rabbit's going to go eat. I'm going to go snack. We're going to play a Fibber McGee and Molly from 1948. And we'll be back in about 30 minutes or so. Yes, we will. All right, Patricia, talk to you then. Okay, bye-bye. JAWS Professional Sound Forge Pro 11.0 Tab Windows M Desktop FS Reader App Fibber McGee and Enter Fibber McRadio Shows Enter Radio Page Down 1953 Fibber McGee 4810195589 Portable Radio at the Repair Shop. Unloading Jaw Can't OK Enter 1948. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. 
The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Silver McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. You've probably used Johnson's Glow Coat, so you know what a glossy surface it can give your kitchen linoleum. That's why I think that now you're going to like this remarkable self-polishing floor wax even more. Because there's a new glow in Glow Coat. A glow that makes your linoleum brighter, far brighter than before. And you get that new glow without doing any polishing or rubbing yourself. Glow Coat shines itself. As it dries, it produces its own brilliant luster. As it dries, it does something else. Johnson's Glow Coat forms a protective coat over your linoleum that resists dirt and still things. When your linoleum does get a little spotted, it's easy to zip away dirt with a few strokes of a damp cloth. Yes, Glow Coat protects your linoleum, saves you work, as it always has. But in addition, Glow Coat has a new glow that makes your linoleum more lustrous, far brighter than before. So for brighter floors and prettier kitchens, use Johnson's self-polishing floor wax with the new glow, Glow Coat, G-L-O-C-O-A-T. When Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista misplaces something, all he has to do is ask his wife where it is. But when Mrs. McGee is looking for something, she's strictly on her own. Like right now, as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. All right, McGee, I give up. Where is it? Huh? Where's what? The little portable radio. You mean our little radio with the imitation red alligator plastic covering that the volume knob always comes off in your hand and you can't get anything on it except police calls, except when you're trying to get police calls? <laughs> that the one you mean? Well, considering it's the only portable radio we have, that was a very shrewd guess, dearie. Where did you put it? Put it right there on the hall table. When? Last May. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's when it was, all right, last May. I remember because that was the day I started to take the garden hose downtown to get a new nozzle, and I forgot to unscrew it from the hydrant, and halfway down the block it yanked me back on my, shall we say, hips. <laughs> so hard that a $2 bill in my wallet was changed into nickels. <laughs> then is when I remembered I'd left the portable radio on the hall table. <laughs> oh, sweetheart, sometimes you're harder to nail down than a tar paper roof in a high wind. <laughs> Where's the radio now? Down at the repair shop. Freddy's radio and video studio. Battery was dead. And it's been there since last May? Love Boat, it ain't only been there since last May, but if that high binder that runs that joint don't quit picking pockets and go straight, it's going to stay there till Fred Allen sings, I can't give you anything but love, baby, on Stop the Music. <laughs> well, I've always considered Freddy's radio and video studio very accommodating. Yeah? Yes. Why? Well, I went in there once simply to buy a little package of phonograph needles. And the man was so pleasant, I bought six reeds for an E-flat clarinet <laughs> and two Bobby Breen albums. Uh, what happened with you at the radio shop? <laughs> Nothing, except I won't be a made a victim out of, that's all. I told that pirate to put in a new battery, and he did, and I says, how much? And he says, four bucks. <laughs> and I says, I've never paid more than three bucks. And he says, things are tough all over. And I says, how would you like a poke in the nostril? And one word led to another, and I told him to keep the radio till he started running his business honest. <laughs> Why, 
Why didn't you simply have him put the old battery back in it and bring it home? I was on my way down to the Elks Club, and I didn't want to lug the radio all the way. <laughs> I was chairman of the PTA committee, and I was late for our meeting. The PTA committee of, uh, of the Elks? Yep. Parent Teachers Association? No, no, pool table activity. <laughs> I'm always chairman of that committee because I'm the only guy in the lodge that can put a billiard ball in his mouth and say, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck woodchuck wood? That so should qualify you for almost anything, including an intelligence test. <laughs> but uh, look, sweetheart. Hmm? I miss that little portable radio. For all I know, woman in white has turned gray. <laughs> and just plain Bill has had his face lifted. If the man has had our portable radio since last May, maybe he's learned his lesson. Shall we go talk to him? Oh, why not? I'd hate anybody to think I was stubborn or opinionated. I'm simply the type of guy that he won't sit still for being made a chump out of. That's simply the type of guy I'm. Get your hat and let's go. Fine, I'll put my face on and we'll... Oh, dear. Come in. Well, I'll be an anthropoid's uncle. You know what that is. <laughs> it's Latrivia. Hi, Latrivia. Good day, Your Honor. Good day, Molly. Hello, McGee. I was just going by. I thought I'd stop and pass the time of day. Oh. I have 147. <laughs> I have 152. Well, uh, my watch says 814, but it isn't running. <laughs> well, now that we've passed the time of day, Latrib, how's everything else? Everything on an even keel at the city hall? Oh, yes, yes. Things are running very smoothly, thank you. Everyone has his... Everyone has his what, Mr. Mayor? I was about to say that everyone at the City Hall has his shoulder to the wheel, but I caught myself in time. <laughs> I can imagine what you two would do with that. <laughs> Spoil sport. Hey, will it make any difference to you politically in Latrib if the presidency goes Republican? Did you ever take a long ride on a bus? Yes, we did. Did they change drivers? Oh, several times. Did it make any difference in the ride? I don't know. I slept all the way. <laughs> well, there you are. Besides, my city organization is honest and well-managed. Well, you certainly have that reputation, Mr. Mayor. Since McGee found out he couldn't get a ticket fixed, he's hardly had the car out of the garage. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you think they'd be a little more lenient with war veterans? I'm a vet, you know, Latrive. G.I., World War I. The big war. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. My brother served in your outfit. Uh, maybe you remember him. Waldo Latrivia? Haven't I heard you speak of Waldo Latrivia, McGee? Hmm, Waldo, I can't seem to recall him now. What's he doing now, Latrive? Well, he's one of the first National Guard. Oh, the National Guard. A fine body of men. From Concord Bridge to the Battle of Manila. He must be proud to serve with them. Yes, but Waldo is... They tell me they're going to double the membership, too, Latrib. They got about 320,000, and they want about 684,000. Yes, but Waldo is... I think the National Guard is a wonderful thing for a young man, Mr. Mayor. They train at home, earn extra money, build character, and become leaders of their community. Yes, but Waldo is... How's he like it, Latrib? <laughs> is he happy with his setup? Yes, but Waldo is... Well, Waldo is what, Latrib? <laughs> you said he's a National Guard. Yes, Waldo is. Mm. <laughs> a guard at the First National. 
the bank. <laughs> Is that clear? You remember him now, McGee, the guard at the First National? Oh, yeah, but his face is always just a blur to me. Why is my brother's face just a blur? Well, I always get there just after they close, and he always stands there behind the door and shakes his head at me. <laughs> Someday I'm going to get there on time and see what he looks like. I think he'd love it, McGee, if you could make it on a Thursday. Why, Mr. Mayor? That's his day off. <laughs> sometimes wonder how a man who was so easily confused got so far in politics. Ah, don't be naive, Tootsie. Politicians only seem confused. Oh, yes? How far would they get if they come right out and said what they thought? What do you mean? Imagine a candidate on the back platform of a train at 6 a.m., half awake with his pants on over his pajamas, saying, look, you frog-faced inhabitants of this dirty little whistle stop. They tell me I need your votes. But if I had a better radio personality, you wouldn't catch me riding this cinder bucket through your sloppy community. <laughs> no, sir. For all the Indian headdresses west of Pocatello, they wouldn't find me. No, they ain't confused, Tootsie. We're confused. Come on, let's go. Billy Nelson, the orchestra, and the hair of gold. anxious to get our little portable radio back, McGee. Yeah, it'll be nice. Yeah. With cold weather coming, it'll be nice to have Gabriel's heater turned on again. 
Well, if this radio guy persists in asking four bucks for a three-dollar battery, we still won't get it back. And stay in that radio shop till it rocks. His prices are so high, Wimp, old man. Oh, hello there, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. <laughs> We'd walk along with you, Wimp, but we're only going to Freddy's radio and video studio. Where are you bound? Around the waist, little. Huh? These short <laughs> trunks and they bind something terrible. Oh, you mean where am I going? Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, I thought while Sweetie Face was out on... Who, Wimp? Sweetie Face. That's my D-O-W. Oh, yeah. I thought while Sweetie Face was out on her motorcycle, I'd tippy-toe downtown and shop for her Christmas present. Oh, your wife rides a motorcycle, Mr. Wimple? Yes. She bought it from a second-hand motorcycle dealer two weeks ago. Indian? No, a smiling Irishman. <laughs> I used to drive the motorcycle while Sweetie Face rode behind with her arms around me, but we had to change places because we had so many accidents. Are you uh, reckless? No. <laughs> I'm ticklish. <laughs> what are you getting your wife for Christmas, Wimp? Decided yet? Oh, yes. I've seen it in a shop window. A beautiful little shake-tailed cocker. A what, Mr. Wimple? A shake-tailed cocker. <laughs> you mean a cocktail shaker? No, this is a little spaniel puppy that keeps wagging his tail. A shake-tailed cocker. <laughs> I'm going down and get him right now. So long, folks. <laughs> When I think how long we've been without our little portable radio, it just makes me sick, McGee. <laughs> My goodness, you could have designed five new ones in that time. I'll say I could. Matter of fact, I had a job doing industrial designing once in a canning factory, designing tin cans. McGee, you never told me you used to design tin cans. I never told you about the two-tone tune, tuna tin I designed for the Town Talk Tuna You never did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Snooky, I will. I was the top tin can designer for the Town Talk Tuna Company, and I turned out tuna tins by the ton. You did? I had a type of tin in two tones a ton, that, that tan that was the talk of the tuna trade. But one tan turned two tones too tawny, so I had to tone down the tawny tan and tone up the other tan, so the tuna tin I turned out was the finest two-tone tan tuna tin in town. <laughs> I used tons of tan and tens of tons of tin in turning out the toniest two-tone tan tan tuna tin they ever tuned tuna tin in. Kept me pretty busy turning out tins in between the tons of tan and the tons of tin, the tan on the tin, the tune in the tin, the two-tone tins with the tan and tan of the two-tone oh, tan. Hold it, McGee, hold it. Here comes Mr. Wilcox. Say hello for me, will you? I'm out of breath. All right. <laughs> hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Hello, Molly. <laughs> Hi, pal. Hey. What are you breathing so hard for, pal? You've been running. No, I, I was telling Molly about the time I was a two-tone tun-tan tuna tin tuna turner out for the Town Talk Tuna Company. I take tons of tan and turn two tons of tin. You don't want to hear that again, do you, Molly? No, dear. <laughs> Not even if you could say it again. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're on our way over to 
Freddy's radio and video studio, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> oh, I know Freddy. My cousin installed his plate glass windows when he built the place. Which cousin is that, Junior? That's the fat one, Big Bay Window Wilcox. <laughs> He's a uh, front man for the glass company. Uh, going to look at television sets, pal? Not yet, Mr. Wilcox. Not until they have smaller prices and bigger screens. And we won't buy it from Freddy anyhow, Junior. That guy's a burglar. You know what he tried to do to me? Charged me four bucks for a three-buck B battery. Freddy? Well, I've always found Freddie very pleasant to do business with. Fine salesman, too. You know, I went in there last week just to talk about Glowcoat, and he sold me six reeds for an E-flat clarinet and two Bobby Green albums. <laughs> Heavenly days. You know he sold me the same thing. Oh, well, it was worth it to me. I sold him a year's supply of the new Glowcoat with the new glow. Oh, because being a progressive businessman and knowing the value of appearances, Freddie felt that the new glow code with the new glow would give his shop a certain eye appeal. I appeal, Your Honor. Appeal overruled. Proceed with your case, Counselor. Thank you. As I say, the new glow and glow code does so much to bring out the faded beauty. Warm linoleum and give it a hard, protective finish that's practically impervious to scuffs and scratches. The new glow code is easy to apply, too. Just pour it around, spread it around in 20 minutes or less. It shines to a shinier finish than ever before. Look, because... look, uh, waxy. Yes, pal. Were you on your way somewhere? We don't want to detain you. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I was just on my way to the police station. What? We haven't seen our minister for several days, and we're a little worried about him. Oh, that's too bad, Mr. Wilcox. To whom do you report a case like that? The Bureau of Missing Parsons. <laughs> That's uh, pretty corny, but it gets me out. Yeah. So long. Pure old missing Parsons. <laughs> you know something? He might come out of there with Luella. Well, <laughs> here's Freddie's radio and video studio, Kitty O. Let's go in. You go ahead, dearie. I want to stop at the bond town a minute. I'll be with you in a minute. Now. Take your time, kiddo. Freddy's a hard man to convince. Now, look here, Freddy. About that radio I left here last May, I... Hey, Freddy. Hi, mister. <laughs> oh, hi, Jeannie. Where's Freddy? He's in the back room, mister. Oh? And he doesn't want to be disturbed. The doctor's examining him. The doctor? My gosh, mm -hmm. you have an accident or something? <laughs> kind of one, I guess. Well, what happened? <laughs> Well, he was playing a record for me, and I said, what record is that? And he said, I don't know. I forgot to look at the label. And he tried to read it while the record was spinning. <laughs> and he turned his head around so fast he thinks maybe he broke his neck. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's out there unwinding him now. Well, I hope he didn't break his neck, sis. I was looking forward to doing that myself. Hey, what are you doing out of school this afternoon, anyhow? Oh, well, Willie Toops and I got let out early today on account of we got a hundred in spelling, I betcha. Oh, you did, eh? Sure, we all... Hmm? I says you did, huh? Did what? Got let out early. Oh. You and Willie Toops. Why? Because you got a hundred in spelling. I know it. <laughs> Willie got 60 and I got 40. <laughs> Uh, no, no, says 50 and 50 is that? <laughs> well, you can do it with 60 and 40, I guess. Yeah. Hey, what you doing down here, mister? What you doing? What I, left, you? I left the radio down here with, for a new B battery. 
You know what a B battery is, sis. No. No? No, I didn't even know they used batteries. Huh? I just thought they just flew around. <laughs> well, you're on the right track, sis, because in this shop, a B battery is, going to, is something you get stung with. <laughs> you know what Freddie wanted to charge me for a battery? Four bucks, and everybody knows they're not worth... O oh, you got a gold, sis? Yes. I gotta go home and get my goldfish down out of a tree. Your goldfish? How'd your goldfish get up in a tree? I can't eat them and jumped out the window. <laughs> the King's Men and Love Somebody. seen Freddie yet. He hurt his neck and he's in the back room with the doctor. Just like him to waste my time like this. Well, now, that's not a very sympathetic attitude to be hurt. Well, my gosh, if I didn't have to stand around here like this, I could be at home working on my... You'll be okay, Freddie. It's only a bad sprain. But after this, if you must read a label while the record's turning, climb up on the turntable and ride around with it. <laughs> McGee, it's Dr. Gamble. Yes, I recognize you. Hello, doctor. Hi, doc. Hello, Molly. Hello, Lord Bucket. <laughs> If you're down here looking for a job with Freddie as a loudspeaker, you can go home. You're too loud, your tone is bad, and you've got no connections. Look, horse nurse. <laughs> Remind me to give you a joke book for Christmas. If you could get as thin as your material is getting... Now, now, boy, dear. Stop it. Was Freddie seriously hurt, doctor? No, he's just getting dressed. He'll be out in a minute. Is he well enough for me to give him a poke in the nose, doc? Is he small enough? They don't come too small for me. <laughs> if he don't... Now, wait a minute, Grumblebum. What have you got against Freddy? He's a nice guy, and he's a friend of mine. Oh, it's just a misunderstanding, Doctor. In a pig's clavicle, it's a misunderstanding. 
You know what that dirty pirate tried to do, Doc? Tried to stick me four bucks for a B battery for my radio after he'd already put it in. I stomped out and left the set set here. That was six months ago, and we just came back to see if the man is inclined to be more reasonable, since McGee won't be. Not knowing anything about the case, my sympathy is automatically with Freddy. Hmm. For a guy who is no bargain himself, Buckle Watch, you're awfully fond of getting one. You hang on to a buck like a lovesick squaw. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just careful, forcep fingers. <laughs> when I spend my dough for something, I expect a fair price on it. Unless I can chisel it down, of course. He does like to get his money's worth out. Yes, I know. Every time he comes to my office for a $2 call, he sits on a $7 test tube and plays darts with my new hypodermic. <laughs> Incidentally, old liver twiddler, <laughs> I notice that no matter how many people are waiting to see you, you always take me first. Isn't that nice? I sure appreciate that, too, Doc. Nothing like being a friend of the doctor. Friendship has nothing to do with it. I don't dare leave you in the reception room with other people. <laughs> By the time you get through telling them your horrible symptoms, it takes me the rest of the day to convince them they'll live through the night. <laughs> By the way... Yes, Doctor? I had a very interesting conversation with the pin boys at the bowling alley about you last night. Oh, about McGee, Doctor? Yes. They can't understand how a man who is so loose with his lips can be so tight with his tips. Hey, now, wait a minute, tissue stitcher. Now, I'll... that isn't quite fair, Doctor. When McGee won the Elks tournament last year, I saw him tip one of the pin boys three dollars. You betcha. With my own eyes, I saw him. Certainly, three dollars. The serial numbers were A, now, one, nine, seven, six, eight. Sixty-nine and seventy. Yes, and he was the clumsiest pin boy in the place, too. Yes, Every time McGee rolled the ball, I saw that boy kick over three or four pins. Well, I, I would love to stay and hear more about how the boy throws his money away, Molly, but I must run along. I've got to stop at the hospital for a little cutting chore and then make some house calls. My, you must do some wonderful operations, Dr. Gamble. Yeah, what's this one going to be like, Doc? Pretty tricky? Oh, no, it's nothing, really. I merely take a special instrument with a sharp cutting edge and make a series of sweeping lateral strokes parallel and contiguous to each other and sterilize the entire area. <laughs> then I apply hot gauze packs to the skin, and if there's any unusual bleeding, I cauterize the wound. Nothing. My gosh, that sounds pretty complicated to me, Doc. What do you call an operation like that? Shaving. Come on. <laughs> I wish he'd let me shave him sometime. I'd take his whiskers off so deep. Oh, there you are, Freddy. I want to talk to you, Freddy. Hello, McGee. Hello, Ms. McGee. Look, Freddy, remember that portable radio that you put the B battery in last May and tried to stab me four bucks when a fair price was three? Yes, I remember that. I left the new battery in it and put it in the back room till you decided to pay up. Yeah. But I need the space, so if you still want it, you can have it for the three dollars. Well, now, what could be more fair than that, dearie? Well, what did I tell you, Molly? Stand up for your principles and you'll win in the end. If you know you're right, keep fighting. Hand it here, Freddy. Here you are. Ah. The B battery's still in it. Okay, and here's your three bucks. Thanks. Ah. Turn it on, McGee. I want to hear how it sounds. I've really missed that little portable radio. Okay. If I'd have had this thing during the World Series, I'd have... Hey, Freddy, nothing happens. I thought you put in a new B battery. I did, but that was six months ago. They go dead if you don't use them, you know. My goodness, I never thought of that. Well, me neither. Get me a new battery, Fred. All right. How much? 
$5. They've gone up. Well, that's fair enough. Put it in, Freddie. I'm no piker. Okay. Well, say, I just got a fresh batch of reeds for an E-flat clearness. Huh? Yeah, they're pretty hard to get, so you better believe oh. it. Liver and Molly will be back in just a minute. Say, when this program is over, take a quick look at your kitchen linoleum. See if it has the new glow, the new brighter glow you now get with Johnson's Glow Coat. For there is a new glow in Johnson's self-polishing wax glow coat. A glow that's brighter, far brighter than before. Makes it a pleasure to look at your linoleum. It sparkles so brightly. And that glossier surface is as easy to get as ever. You just apply Johnson's Glow Coat to your linoleum, and your work is finished. Glow Coat does the rest. Produces its own brilliant luster as it dries. The luster that protects your linoleum and a luster that's easy to clean. You can zip dirt off that glossy glow coat surface with a few strokes of a damp cloth. Why not order glow coat tomorrow? That's the Johnson self-polishing floor wax with the new glow. G-L-O-C-O-A-T. You'll see what the new glow means when you see a brighter gloss on your own linoleum in your own kitchen. Freddie's a swell guy when you get to know him, Molly. Yes, he's very nice. Quite a salesman, too. Yeah, sure, but I'm no sucker for a sales talk. Don't catch me. Don't catch him selling me a bunch of stuff I can't use, like he does some people. Good for you, dearie. Yes, sir. You seen my old mandolin, Molly? These clarinet reeds will make swell mandolin picks. <laughs> I've been needing a mandolin pick for a long Mickey. time. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, and Frankfurt, Canada, bring you Fiddle McGee and Molly each week at this time, and Fred Waring on Monday and Wednesday morning. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. WMAQ and WMAQ-FM, NBC in Chicago. And let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless this wonderful country that we live in. Bless the people we, that we love. Help those who are struggling emotionally, physically, spiritually, Lord, at this time. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's get Patricia. Jaws Professional Patricia from FL Home Alt Tab Skype Trade Tab Online Tab Walton Hughes Tab Search Act Favorite Ray from Jim Tape Patricia from FL Home Applications Consent Invite to Enter Leaving Menus Patricia from F Unloading Jaw Can't OK Enter It is I Hello I Patricia Hello Patricia Hello how are you, you? You is good. How is I? <laughs> I is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. if you like to talk to I or you, the number is 714-545-2071. I is over there. I'm you over here. Or me and thee. Or we or thou. <clears throat> Do you know I was in my doctor's office the other day? Yeah. I'm always in my doctor's office. But anyway, I was 
in there, and he's taking some notes, and we're talking about words, and, you know, and I said, that's the bestest. And he looked at me kind of around, and he said, bestest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's right next door to goodest. (laughs) Oh, gee. So I have to be very careful (laughs) where I use our fun words. That was not the place. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. So anyway, we got stuff here. Mm-hmm. And our number is 714-545-2071. Patricia and I are here for the second half of the show. Now, second I don't know, half? Now, I don't know how long <laughs> the second half will run, but we did, you know. This is like a football game, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So anyways, you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. Remind you, on Tom Dreesen will be our special guest Saturday, May 13th, top of the show. He opened for Frank Sinatra for 14 years at Stand Up Comics, so that should be a lot of fun. And then on May 27th, a return engagement for the third time with Patricia, our wonderful friend in Texas, Cynthia Myers, will be back to talk about radio advertising and the helmets. So it should be a lot of fun. I've said for years... We have to do something about the Hummers. They are probably the most interesting pair in old-time radio, and she, she said, and I'm prepared to talk about <laughs> the Hummers. It's like, oh, boy, I have an opportunity. So I'm really excited about that one, too. I interrupted you. No, no, that's just want to get those, those <laughs> announcements in. So back to Patricia. Thank you. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> We never got to Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Some people care too much. I think it's called love. Uh, That's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, sweet. Yes. Yep. We need to have a a poo expert on sometime. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. A lot of people who wrote sequels or inspired by those Mm -hmm. kinds of books, and they're very good. And they actually sound like Pooh, so Pooh. I guess it's okay that they, they borrowed him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful franchise. All right. Is that what it is? <laughs> well, it's a Pooh Bear, you know? That's true. Think, about okay. many, think of how many Pooh Bears have been sold across the world. I mean, I have at least one, I think two. I had two Pooh Bears. Hello there, you're on air. Hey, hello, hello, my friends. Good morning, or evening, or whatever it might be. Yes, good, uh, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my wife just woke me up from uh, a bad dream. Well, I guess it really wasn't mm. bad. But well, how do you know Paul if it's <coughs> a bad dream? Does she know it before you do? Well, yeah, she knows it because I'm yelling. Ah, uh, that's a sign. But it was. It was actually pretty fascinating, but my nephew was not, not listening to me at all. Have, so have you ever woke yourself up from a dream? Oh, many times. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I realize what I just yelled, and I just, uh, it startles me, and I wake up enough, to, and I just laugh. So you do even color? Uh yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Mm-hmm. You think, 
I, now, I don't know if everybody dreams, or we don't remember that we dream. I guess that's the, that's the current theory. You know, I think some people remember right. dreams and others do not, you know. Um, right, they say everybody does, but... It, 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 but it sure seems like sometimes we all, some of us seem to have the same dream over and over and over, you know. Yeah, when mm -hmm. I was a kid, I, I remember that, I one particular dream where this robot that was coming to destroy a, a town mm -hmm. that that was happening over and over yeah well i sure remember that in the tv show the giant robot we sort of do that too yeah that's where that's where you, you took a, the movies exactly yeah yeah mine was i was in the back backyard of my home over at 232, let's see, 2391 Notre Dame Road, which is three blocks from here. And I'm seven years old, and I'm talking to all these presidential statues. Now, why in the world did that, would that happen <laughs> periodically? That was my vivid dream over the years. The other one I don't, I, I don't understand, and I think we all experienced this, when we're free-falling in our dream. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. You know? Yeah. You, you, you have no idea, and you think it's real. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's like flying off the building. Yeah. And I have no yeah. idea. There you're laying in bed, and you feel like you're falling. It's just, I, I have no idea what that's all about. I went you through know? a stage for several years, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. <clears throat> where I would build up to a terror you know, I'd, I'd yeah. start and I'd wake up and say, oh, that was a lousy dream, and kind of build energy for a week or two mm -hmm. until the last one was a night terror. It wasn't even a nightmare. And then I'd be fine for another couple of weeks. Oh. I want somebody to figure that out for me. Where is our physiatrist, as Ricky <laughs> Ricardo used to say, the physiatrist? So you, then you woke yourself up? I didn't do it, but my brain did. The the dreams I had were just a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more intense, and then finally it would just blow, and then I'd wake up screaming. Yeah, my mom, my mom remembers one time that I was crying in my sleep. Now my mom, I guess when she was a little girl, she would sleepwalk, and. And then if her parents saw her, they would tell her, go to bed, and she would go back to bed, and they have no idea. Yeah. No, I used to sleepwalk when I was a kid, uh -huh. but I lost that pretty quickly. Well, I, I, I never, figured out how to get in the young, closet, I guess. <laughs> now, my, my younger I, Yeah, go ahead, Paul. My younger sister sleepwalked, and, um, and I caught her a few times, you know, like when she'd be coming into the garage, and, mm -hmm. and I would just uh, say, hey, come here, follow, follow me, we're going back to take you back to bed here, and just walk her back. Now, my dad has a wonderful trait, and I have no idea how many people can do this, and I think there are more than one person. My dad can carry on a conversation with us while he's sleeping. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I, he, he, he will snore, we'll ask him a question, he'll snore twice, give it the answer, and keep snoring. He, he just, I, I, don't, I have no idea. Isn't how. It is it an appropriate answer? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's the correct answer. It's the correct answer, okay. 
when I All was right. a teenager. He's got both sides of his brain working at the same time. <laughs> Seriously. I guess so. When I was a teenager um, and I was living with a, a guy down on the ranch, mm-hmm. and um, we both spoke in our sleep, and so we just had an agreement that we would, you know, whoever was awake would just try to carry on the conversation and have fun with it as, as best as we can, you know. So so we did, and like talk about the barnyard and the chickens and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and uh, it, it was pretty funny. I think partly my my explanation, my dad trained his body this way because in the 70s, my dad would have a graveyard shift and he would be a babysitter during the day while my mom worked during the day. And anytime, if he was half sweeping during the day, if he woke up, the first thing he always asked, where's the boys? It's like we were on his mind no matter what, you know. Um and so, maybe those traits, you know, just sort of permeate his sleeping habit, habits, I guess. It was, uh, really he loved you guys so much that you were just on his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I got away with murder a few times, you know, I was, uh... Walden? <laughs> this is my lovable little munchkin That's over right. there. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll admit the two things. I did what Dad was sleeping. Okay, I won't listen. I will. Oh, one's a cute story. Go ahead. Two, both are two cute stories. Um, Go ahead. I asked, you know, this is probably when I was six and my brother was three. And I wanted, um, I wanted wallpaper in my bedroom. And so I asked Dad, and Dad said, sure, go ahead. So we, we took our crayons and drew circuit sceneries through our, on through all our walls in the, in our bedroom. And our, par- right, I'm listening. our parents didn't get mad. I think they were so impressed. They invited all the neighbors to come see it. And then eventually they scrubbed it off. But I think my folks were kicking themselves. They should have taken pictures of that. So at least I asked my dad at the right time if I could have wallpaper. Mm-hmm. The other time. Well, then I lied. I'm listening. <laughs> The other time, I don't think my dad was too happy about this one, but we had a little clubhouse in the backyard that dad built, you know, like a, oh, it was like a box. And it had mm-hmm. its own doors, and it was made out of just regular wood, no paint job. And there were gray paint in the, uh, so I got my brother out, and we went and painted it. I don't think dad was too happy. He probably didn't like the color gray. What can I say? Probably didn't like your hands work either. <laughs> you know, there's something nice and rustic about wood yeah. <laughs> that disappears when you put gray paint on it. Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> but I lied again. I listened to that one, oh, too. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, my goodness. Good. You can't trust me. Just well, I, cannot I, I, trust me now, for as now, far as you can see it. So so did you ever ask anything to do when, you, when your folks were sleeping, Patricia? Cause, you know, you are wake you up, kidding me? Are you... <laughs> You wake all the hours. You could have gotten done something, you know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I do remember waking my father up one time because I was going into New York City, which was, you know, just a hop and a skip down the road by right. by farm standards. <clears throat> but I had nowhere. I had no idea we'd get off the bus. Where were we? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> we got off the bus. 
Right on 148th Street. Well, that's great, Dad. Where do I go from there? He said, well, you go downstairs and take the, sh- the, the shuttle. And I said, what the heck is a shuffle? <laughs> he looked at me. He said, ask somebody. <laughs> and he went back to sleep. <laughs> What's the shuffle? So that, that was my... Um, there were three of us, I guess. Three of us did that. And, you know, we were just kind of nice. <clears throat> and uh, we're standing there and we're, uh, we're talking, looking at each other and saying, we're supposed to find a subway here. We had never done any of this before. We were quite young. <laughs> there, was, there was a patrol car at the corner. Uh-huh. He said, you're not around from around here, are you, girls? <laughs> He said, now I know it's true. He said, turn around. <laughs> and that's where the stairs to the subway were. I see. Well, you were New Jersey girls. You know, you didn't know the big city. That's true. Yeah. We did not. We did so not. were you we living in New Jersey? Uh-huh. I was born in New Jersey, yeah. Oh, okay. She's a New Jerseyite. Is that the proper terminology? I would think so, New Jersey. I yeah, sure, that's right. Okay, so if you're a New York, so if you live in New York, you're a New Yorker. Correct. And uh, so we don't call them New, New Jerseyers or something. New Jerseyites, no, I think. New Jerseyites, yes. Why? Don't ask me. I didn't make up the names. <laughs> it just fits better. I really. brain. <laughs> it it goes together. You know, a, a New Yorkite does not work. New That's Yorker works. Yeah. Yeah, New Jerseyer does not work. New Jerseyite works. How about a kid from New Jersey? A kid from Hoboken. Who was the kid from Hoboken? Who was the kid? I know who was from Hoboken. All right, I'm ready. <gasps> Frank Sinatra. Very good. Wasn't well, there somebody else oh. kind of sneaked in? It wasn't uh, Lou Costello. It, yeah, he was on, in, on par with them. Yeah, he, he was, was New Jersey, but he wasn't Ho- Hoboken. No, yeah, another New Jersey Ike. <laughs> Ike. <laughs> no, when we get to Ike, that's Eisenhower. Yeah, true. I like Ike. I like for Ike. Ike. Yeah. For Ike, Ike Godsey from the Waltons. Okay. The little store proprietor. I love that show. I I have gotten hooked on that show once I found it and I just it just is very pleasing to me I think it's so, being run at least on two different networks the last I heard it's uh it's yeah, probably at least let's see Patricia and I interviewed Mary Madonna oh gotta be almost five years ago is it that long yeah I think so wow. the, the uh middle sure. the, the middle daughter of oh of the Waltons and I interviewed the oldest daughter and the youngest one. The youngest one runs, um, oh gosh, what the sh- what the types of schools? Um, Montessori. Well, I'm trying to think. It's it's sort of like it's sort of if you want to send your kid to like a like a it's like a public school, but it's, it has specializations. It's mm-hmm. special- um, well, that, that would be um, a school of choice or yeah, something like that. Oh gosh. Oh, I can't think of it either, Walden. Yeah. You keep going; it'll come up. I'll come up, but that's what she does. She she runs that type of schools. Hmm. So, 
Montessori is another one. Yeah, Montessori is another um, one. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what is a Montessori school? I think, Paul, we had a friend that had the kid in it. I think it's like, it's almost like it's a year-round school, and it's like supposed to be in, in like an advanced placement kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's almost no, like it's a fast um, track. Um, it, it's one of the, uh, I don't want to say easygoing, well, that's not certainly not what it is, but it, it does not have stringent rules. And put your own is, speed, go at your own speed kind of thing? Well, I think they, they're they looking for kids that can move through the school system pretty quickly, <coughs> I think. Yeah, uh, maybe. and it, it's a pretty exclusive setting. Um, and you have to have some brains in order to get in there and stay there. But it's, and, it, and, um, it, and it's not cheap. I knew a, a little boy who was in elementary school. And the family mm-hmm. paying three thousand dollars a month, and it was year round. A month. A oh. month. Oh. Holy cats! They could buy a house by I the know, end of the I year. I know. I know. But it was important for the couple. And, yeah. and, and you're talking about like third and fourth grade, and I got think, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many more you have to go? <laughs> you know, when you say we made it this year, the Boy, key words are this and year. And plus, plus, they also expected the parents to be involved in all the fundraising activities too. Yeah. Fundraising. Yes. Three thousand a month. I know. Well, somebody's got to pay the bills. <laughs> That's more than Just any dashing. I've ever. Just I know. Dashing. I know. I know. But, but it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, I think I grew up in a public school system, and. Uh, and I felt it was a good education for me, myself, but, you know, the current trend, there are so many people who want to put their school, their kids in private schools or different things now, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for choice and things like that, but, yeah, boy, boy, I, I, I don't know how the average family in America who are sending their kids to, uh, like, a material system or something like that, paying three to $4,000 a month in elementary level, I, I don't know how they do it. Well, they're not doing it with normal jobs. That's I, I, you're right. You know, I mean, that's a lot, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It could feed, it could easily feed a family easily in some parts of America. We're talking CEO, and more than feed a family. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, like, I don't know, I can't remember how much, but I think maybe like a $500 budget a month for yeah. us or something yeah. to go. Yeah. Uh, our oldest son, we had him going to um, a Turlock Christian, mm-hmm. which we had to pay uh, for him to go there because he was one of those uh, really bright kids. Right. And, uh, it, it just made it really tight, you know. And then, you know, my wife, she had to have a car to be able to uh, carpool him there. Yeah. So... It's, ama- it's amazing to think about how the country was founded on public education. And if you think about it, we were totally different than Europe. We wanted to um, educate the masses. We wanted everybody to have at least some basic education. And 
that's think about it worldwide it's very unique very special to America because at some points I think in Europe I know it's definitely Japan once they you reach a certain age or cutoff it comes down to can you pass those examinations or not to make it to the next level and if not you you know you're expected to send them off to trade school or something and hmm. you know our, our, our education is if the kids want to keep working at it, there's still going to be doors of opportunity because, let's face it, all, all of us learn at a different pace and a different, um, mm-hmm. we, we all have a different maturity level. Maybe some get it later in life than others, you know, so we don't mm-hmm. ever close the door on anybody. Well, that's interesting, you know, didn't didn't know that about the, the, the other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in Japan, it's, it's really is like 18 or 16 years old, a major dividing line, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, we live in a very unique culture that we expect everybody to have the basics, education. We have a good system here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, there are lots that we can clean up and do better. Yeah. Yes. But, um, gosh, that free education across the board. And um, Bernie Sanders had a great idea about um, having um, free tuition to universities that are part of the, what what system? Public system, I mm-hmm. guess. And, uh, you know, he, he lost terribly on that one. But... You know, making education accessible to more people rewards everybody. Everybody wins. Well, if we have a smarter culture, then we're better off as a society. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. True. You know, people, people fuss and complain about having to pay school taxes when they don't have any kids in school. Well, even if you never had kids, helping support the school system is an investment in your future, too. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That may sound Pollyanna-ish, but that's exactly what I believe. You guys, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, my wife brought my dinner in here um, before I dialed you guys. Okay. Is it all ready? It, it, I'm sitting here with my hand. I've been feeling the temperature on the soup. I think you better get on it. And, uh, yeah, I... Well, why don't you get on it, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, guys. Take care. Enjoy. Uh, I'm glad that, that I was able to just get in. I'm glad, Hello. too. Hello, Paul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have, a good me- have a good meal. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. If you're eating dinner, that's okay. You can give us a call at 714 five four five two oh seven one. Now we follow one rule around here. Don't eat with your mouth don't talk with your mouth full. So at least if you're gonna Don't eat with your mouth full. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing such a good job fracturing everybody tonight. Oh my 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 Seven one four So you know it's getting kinda late here and while we're waiting for the phone to ring, I can give you some questions. Sure. We might as well start that okay. uh, we might as well start the track of the uh, the Walden top eight. 
I think we're at eight categories it's, now. We're, we're up to eight. <laughs> Poor Walton. <laughs> All right, there's three. Hold on. Four, five, six, seven. Oh, dear. Don't. Mm. You want me to tell you, you want to read off the category? I think it's nine. Nine. I think it's nine. We've got geography, baseball, first lady. We've got the presidential question, presidential quote, colonial question, brain teaser, and stump Walden. Who's eight for sure? <laughs> <laughs> I think I should count them. You're, all right. Now, you've got more than eight fingers, so just in case. Okay. I will, I will read them again, okay? okay? I'll count them out loud. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got your geography question. That's one. Baseball. Two. First lady. Three. Nine. President. Four. Presidential quote. Five. Colonial. Six. Brain teaser. Seven. Stump Walden. Eight. Oh, boy, we can't wait until get the end of the year. <laughs> we'll have to figure out what to give you as a Christmas gift. Oh, heavens to that seat. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have Walden's questions. We have Stump Walden, Brain Teaser. We just went through that, didn't we? Only it was the back side. So, Stump. All right. I wonder if that's somebody we know and love. Hello there. You're awake. Hey. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm all right. This is Tom, formerly from Kansas. Tom, you formerly know, from you Kansas? You know what? I said this sounds like Tom, but you know, if you say somebody's name and it's wrong, it's terrible. Tom, how are you? It's so good to hear from you. Yeah, well, how are you guys doing? Good. Congratulations. What, next week, right? Yeah, I graduate um, on the 13th. So what what are you going to wind up with, Tom? What what's going to be the major? Um, HR management. Whoa! I like no, that I'm a gonna lot. No, I'm going to be like uh, the the one person that every company hates and employees hate when I have to fire them, but love me when I have mm -hmm. to fight for them. <laughs> like I'm walking into a love hate relationship. So what <laughs> may what made you decide to shoot that field after? Handling lights and everything else you've done your entire life, Tom. Why, why, why that particular major? You know, when I started school, I started because I, I got a scholarship, and I thought, well, heck, I've, I've got nothing else to lose. You know, mm -hmm. you remember about the tornado and all that. Yeah, I got nothing else to lose, so what the heck? So I go to school, and after two years there, the advisor calls me and says, "You need to choose a major." I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> and like, well, you can't keep going if you don't declare a major. So you got to pick something. <laughs> well, okay. I, I kind of like teaching. And she says, why aren't you in the teaching school? Are you sitting over here in the um, business college? I said, because I've got 20 years experience in business. It just made sense to go into business. And she says, but you want to teach. I said, well, yeah, but that's kind of stupid to like start from ground zero at my advanced years. <laughs> so she said, she said, well, why don't you look at HR? Because HR, you can go into this thing called training and development, and that might be like teaching to you. 
And I thought, you know, that that would be good because there's one thing I really liked about running my businesses was um, when I got to teach people things. I got to train them and, and help them become um, better better employees than they generally knew they could be. I don't know if that makes sense. You know how you can see potential in people sometimes? Sure. Recognize? Mm-hmm. And so to do that was actually very rewarding. So I'm hoping to um, get a, a position at some firm um, doing HR training and development. So, mm-hmm. so I know at least out here, you know, they have like placement programs. Did, did the school you went to, do they have a placement program? They mean they can put, put you in with some company? or They don't really have a placement program. They've got... Um, uh, careers office okay. people. The problem is, and because I've checked with them, they have a place to help you write your resume and yeah. all that kind of stuff. The thing is, they've got a lot of um, uh, student assistants okay. that work in this office that help other students. You know, they train them and they help them help other students write their resumes and stuff. Well, the thing is, I've got I'm being told by a 20 year old student. <laughs> how to write a resume. <laughs> and I'm twice as old as this student, and the student is trying to insist with me, you have to, you, you can't have more than one page resume. It's like, I can't put even a portion of what I've done on one page. You know, so I felt like it just wasn't, they were, high, they were looking for what is their typical student, somebody averaging, yeah. you know, graduating 23 years old or whatever, yeah. um, without any, real-world experience, so to speak. So, I'm kind of in a weird spot right here. <laughs> so, are you still driving the bus? What, what, uh, I know that, I remember, I think, when you and I were corresponding last year, you were doing that last year. Are you still doing that? Yes, I drove a school bus for one year. Okay. Because it worked out really good with, uh, with school. It was pretty good money for part-time work, you know. And tell you what a rewarding job because it, it is you know like anything it, it is what you make of it right yeah and so i'm riding i'm driving a bus and a lot of other a lot of other bus drivers i hear all their stories and there's some that have been there they're career drivers and there's people like me that are temporarily there and there's others that work for a very short while and quit because they can't stand it mm-hmm. um because you're driving you know this but people don't listeners don't know drive a school bus so it's different than driving like a city bus or something like that you're dealing with children and you can be a very important part of their lives or you can be basically somebody they ignore um and for the high schoolers pretty much just leave them alone (laughs) they don't want to talk to grown-ups anyway um but the junior high and elementary school kids were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the kids that sat up front next to me, um, in the 20 minutes I had them, or 20 to 40 minutes, depending, you know, um, I taught them how to count to 10 in Spanish. All right. In Russian and, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I teach them little, little bits of languages. And, and um, I don't know any language but English, but I know pieces of languages. So they think I'm the mm-hmm. guy in the world, right? <laughs> but the point, seriously, the point, though, is hopefully you get these little kids that, that they're in, 
interested in this stuff they've never been exposed to. And I think they're greatly interested in the fact that a grown-up is paying attention to them. Well, another story that won my heart, was it, was it two years ago that you were working with your, your just two little girls next door and you were teaching them how to grow potatoes and you were frying potatoes on your barbecue for them and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. How do you remember this? <laughs> well, I'm always interested, Tom. Yeah, we, we, we got, those girls have been begging me all winter. Um, when can we start the garden? When can we start the garden? I still oh, gosh. So I got them to plant some uh, some seeds and indoors in little, um, you know, peat pots. And they took them over, and I said, set them in your window and watch them grow. So they got to watch the seedlings grow and all that. So, so now we've got them in the ground just this last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool if you remember that. Yeah, well, you, you, I remember it was, it was the potato was the thing that caught my memory. You, you write in the email on Facebook, or was it? And then, the, then you decided to cook it outside on on your barbecue, too. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. You know, and I didn't remember that till you said it. Stuff so. <laughs> <laughs> to forget about it. Um, but you know what's interesting, and 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 I hope that people get this from this. See, I don't have kids, so this is all new to me, Yeah. right? It is so easy to, to teach kids things because they're eager to learn. Yes. In, in amongst the, they like to play and stuff, but who would have thought I'd get these kids? They're, how old are they? They're five. They're four girls. Wow. They're like five seven, eight, and nine years old, something like that. Mm. Um, all of them working in the garden. You know, and they would do anything. They'd pull weeds or they'd help plant things. And, you know, their attention span is short, but they came back every day to look at the garden and to, and to help or whatever. So. Well, you know what, Tom? 20 years from now, they're going to all remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. That's probably the right age. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope so, and, and I hope that the kids on the school buses, even though I only saw them, you know, little bits and pieces, I hope that I make a, I made a permanent uh, impression on them, or at least get them interested or curious about exploring further things. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, is, is the game plan to still live in the same community and try to find employment in the same community, Tom? Or you you open you open what what sort of your gut instincts you know <laughs> I'm saying this on the radio <laughs> um, I've learned about Illinois is you know Illinois is one of the few states that is losing population mm. and after living here for four years I can understand why I mean, taxes are insane Yes, I, I had I had a family that moved out of Illinois because property taxes would get horrendous. Yeah. Oh my gosh, property tax. Yeah. Yeah. They were paying like they they, they the guy was an executive of Sears and they were paying fifteen thousand dollars a year in property taxes for the nice piece of property. So they they sold it <sighs> to go to Utah. Oh, and that's a good trade. Cause I know. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and the people are not all insanely crazy Mm -hmm. and the politicians in Utah aren't all going to jail (laughs) (laughs) 
when I moved you? here, you know, I moved here. People, people told me they said, "Welcome to Illinois, the state where every politician serves two terms, one in office and one in prison." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that cracks me up. That's a good one. Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, for a family who may have forgotten, Tom's been in Tennessee, he's been in Kansas, now in Illinois. You've seen, you've seen the country a little bit, really. Yeah, and, and you know what my plans are after I graduate? What's that? All right, so I graduated on 13th, and I'm supposed to be down in Tempe, Arizona on the 22nd to start classes at uh, Arizona State. Okay. I'm taking some uh, Russian language classes there. But so that gives me, what, 10 days to pack my stuff <laughs> <laughs> Take me away, hold on. Holy cats. So what do you want to do with the Russian language? Are you going to go visit them? Or what, what's the, what's the, was it just something you always wanted to do? No, it's not something I always wanted to do is because language um, is something I never could learn. I couldn't even learn Spanish, and that's like the easiest language for an English speaker to learn. Yeah. Um, and so, let's see, 2010 or 11, um, I met somebody from whose home is in Russia. Somebody in school mm-hmm. was in school in the States taking some continuing education stuff, right? Right. And so I talked with her, and you know I'm a couch surfer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? So I, I'm accustomed to meeting people from all over the world. Yeah. Well, so I meet her, and she's telling me about St. Petersburg. She said, oh, it's so beautiful, blah, 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 and you need to come and visit. I'm like, oh, that's never entered my head before, but why not, right? <laughs> why not? So, why not person? <laughs> well, so it's like, okay, so I'm going to go to this country, and, like, I can go as a tourist. Because everyone, you know, there's enough English speakers over there that you can get through as a tourist. But I thought if I'm going to spend $1,000 in airfare, I'm going to at least learn some of the language so that I can experience the culture mm-hmm. more than just as a tourist, if that makes sense. Sure. So... That's what I've been doing for the last few years. I've been very slowly, and I mean, I mean slowly, working on Russian. Um, My gosh, you, you really, you really have a lot of interests, and the magnificent part of it is that you're going after all of them. I know it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is not crazy. It is wonderful. Well, things changed after the tornado, you know. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> you, want, you want to bring the family up to, to the, on the tornado just in case they might have forgotten by that, by now, Tom? Do you want to give a little more background on that? Oh, well, I mean, the short version is is that um, I was living in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Nashville, and uh, tornado blew through and took away my home where I thought I was going to live there until I died. That's where my home was going to be. Yeah. But tornado came through and erased uh, everything that I had, and uh, I didn't get, um, I forgot the word, but 
insurance companies didn't pay the yeah. contract, and then my wife left me uh, after that. So, like, do, do you guys remember there's a song, there's a, there's a great line that says, freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. Wow. Never thought that of that. Mm-hmm. meant so much to me. And, you know, so that's why after that it's like, you know, I've tried everything to recover, and that's what put me in Kansas because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be safe from tornadoes. You remember that? I wanted to get away from all the tornadoes in Tennessee and move to Kansas where it's really, really safe. Sure. Right. I, I just, I'm sitting here with my ear, my ears perked up. I said, is this Tom? <laughs> <laughs> One of our brightest family members, Kansas. Okay. So what did we find in Kansas? Uh, I just found it was just cheap. I could I could go there because, you know, I've lost everything. I've got no income because I lost my business in the tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm paying mortgages on the biz, on, on the um, on my home that's there. I'm still paying on that. Um, I mean, not the home that's there, but I'm paying the mortgage on what used to be my home. The one in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying on that plus um, the... Uh, business loans for the business that doesn't exist anymore. I'm paying on that. And then the credit cards that uh, my wife and I had to live on for a year while we were trying to recover. Right. Um, you know, so all that expenses, so it's like, okay, fine. Excuse me. <laughs> so I just had to, I, I, I moved to uh, some place that was affordable I could buy for cash. Yeah. And uh, just save money. So that's what I've been doing for, for several years. And that's what put me in Kansas. And then I got the opportunity to go to school, and so it's like, so what? Who cares? I just went. You are a very smart person. I don't know. I don't know about the Kansas part, (laughs) being safe from tornadoes out there. But, um, yeah, really. I mean, you've taken advantage of so many things that were there. But they weren't foisted on you. They were they were just there, and it was your judgment to take or leave. And you done good. For people who may have forgotten, Chad was Chad and his sister. It's all helped Tom put up the lights in Kansas. And I met Chad the last couple of times. He come out here to the West Coast to be part of the radio conventions, Tom. So what? Yeah. Chad went out to West. Yes. Oh, how awesome! I'm glad you got you got to. Uh, yeah. In fact, he and I bunk. Hi. He and I bunk. We. I had the suites over the uh, upstairs, downstairs, so ta- uh, Chad had the bunk downstairs, and I had the upstairs this time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, but, you know, he's been playing music at the old, old radio conventions all over the country now. I did not know that. Yeah. And I email, like, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's like well, there's nothing wrong, but we just, yeah. just don't email a lot. But, um, no, that's so good to hear. Yeah. Chad is... Chad is one of the um, one of the people that I'm very fortunate to have met, um, and that was due to my move to Kansas because he's you know he's from Nebraska, yeah. which is short. He's a short distance from me, like like an hour away or something. Right. In, in Kansas terms, that's really close. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's down the road a piece. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, Kansas is is enormous. If, if you drive long ways across Kansas, it's like eight hours. And that's at 70 miles an hour. I mean, it's, it's crazy big. Yeah. You know, um, I live on the eastern half of Kansas, uh, right right near Nebraska. Mm-hmm. 
it still takes me three and a half to four hours to drive to Kansas City, which is also on the east eastern half of Kansas. Jeez. So it's a big freaking state. <laughs> of course, well, yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, it is. So, how are you just going to take summer courses for Arizona State, or you don't know how long, or what? What's the game plan with Arizona State? Oh, gosh. Okay, so this is insane. Arizona State. Everything you do is. <laughs> they have this critical languages institute. Um, the United States government puts out a list of twelve languages every year that they that they deem are important for people to know, and so they. Uh, highly subsidize these languages. Mm -hmm. Well, Arizona State is part of that program, and so I can take 10 credit hours of Russian language over the summer, um, with Russian turns out to be eight weeks. 10 credit hours in eight weeks. So we're talking about going to class four hours a day, five days a week. Wow, okay. To learn Russian. And so it's highly intensive, and I don't know if I can do it, because like I said, I can't even learn Spanish. But I'm going to try. <laughs> it's the best you can do. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I don't think there's anything you've told us that you have, you've tackled and haven't come out ahead. So I'm, think, I'm betting on you. Yep, I agree. We, we haven't seen the bank account <laughs> because I've not come out ahead on that. Well, but you had a good I'm time, Tom. <laughs> Think of all the crazy things you've taken on, from the newspaper to the lights and everything. You've had an interesting ride. It, that's, I meant to ask you that. What has happened with the with the lighting business? The lighting business, I've I've put it on the back burner. Okay. Still, uh, still running it, allegedly. Um, you are okay. I mean, you haven't sold it out. You haven't closed up shop or it's still no, there? No, no, no. It, it's still going and I've got a lady who works a few hours a week who fills orders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. she's, she's wonderful. I don't have to um, basically I don't have to do anything but the paperwork <laughs> and she does she does most of the paperwork. So she's just shipping that stuff and if there's questions that she can't answer she sends an email to me but she's been great. Um are you still keeping that bit that medicine cancer, or is it, have, have you just taken it with you? Or how how have you? Well, I took my office with me. Okay. But Bobby is my assistant. Yeah. Still lives in Kansas, and she. What we did, we just. I, I got her a computer. Okay. To lead to use at her home. Okay. So she can manage most everything at home, and then she comes in when there's an order. She'll drive into the office, go in, pack it, ship it. And then, uh, and she can go home and babysit her kid and okay. um, do the paperwork for it at home. So it works out really good. And you know, all I have to do is make sure I remember to pay her and <laughs> pay the bill. <laughs> is she a person now, who would tell you how good you she is? That? If I forget to pay her, uh -huh. it reminds me right away. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's good. Is it generating any money for you? Well, enough. Not that it's any of my business, but. Yeah, enough to keep it open. It's because, again, because okay. it's been on the back burner school. Oh, my gosh. 
if there's anybody out there, if there's anybody out there that's young that's listening, do college while you're still in your twenties. <laughs> Way easier. <laughs> because oh my gosh, this has been the hardest thing ever. Because it's like I have to do homework, right? Mm-hmm. I also I remember when I was when I was in my twenties. I only needed like four hours of sleep a night, right? Right. And if I need to do a couple overnighters, all-nighters to study or whatever, no problem. I'll just catch up on Saturday morning, right? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so. Actually, it didn't work then either, but we didn't know it. <laughs> well, at least I could stay awake on, on the four hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. If I get four hours of sleep, my back hurts, my knees hurt, my feet hurt. <laughs> no, we don't talk about that part. Are you still keeping tabs on your drinking fountains, websites, and things like that, or is that sort of a back burner project? On the uh, oh, the soda fountain. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, that's back burner for sure. Okay. Still there, and if anyone wants to send me information on their favorite soda fountains, past or present, I would love it. Okay. Um. It's uh, not something I can really focus on. And school, school, and then having to pay for school myself. Um, it can't be cheap. I mean, my gosh, I, I just, you know, I took out, I, I got scholarship to get my through my undergrads, and when I got to my graduate, I took a, a, a loan, you know, a couple loans out to get me through graduate school. You know, and that took me 10 years to pay that puppy off. So it's, yeah. it, it just, you know, it's not cheap. Here's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, my thing, I'm fortunately, you know, my scholarships cover a lot of the tuition. Okay. But I'm living up here in Illinois, so I'm renting a place. Okay. And so I've got to have all the, you know, all the utilities and stuff here. Yeah. Plus I'm still paying for Tennessee, the tornado. Plus I'm paying for uh, basic expenses in Kansas because I have to have electricity and stuff down in my place in Kansas running. You know, so I'm paying, you know double double expenses um, so running the business plus having part-time jobs up here yeah. up until a few weeks ago I had four part-time jobs four. Uh, wow. in addition to school so so what were your four yeah. part-time jobs Tom well I, had, I worked uh, uh, with two merchandising companies okay and see the, the reason I have these just because they're flexible hours yeah if I need time off Boom, I can get time off immediately. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not put on a solid schedule. Um, and it pays pretty good. It's like 12 11 to $13 an hour. Okay. So it's, it's not bad for part-time, really flexible work. Um, also, it's fun. I, I love merchandising. Sure. Um, so I had those, then I had the bus driving right. job, and then I do handyman work, which um, that pays the best because it's, you know, my, for my own work. So. so how did people find you? Would that on would that on online? How did they find a handyman or was there a way to network? Um, Facebook. Okay. Facebook, yeah. What was the craziest thing that you had to repair at somebody's house over the last year or so? The craziest thing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anything that stands out? <laughs> Sounds like a whole bunch. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, All right, let here's... me choose the ways. 
Okay, so I'm working in this house. It's about 100 years old. Okay. Um, it has been added on to over the years, over the generations, twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every time they add something on, there's different construction techniques that are being used. Mm-hmm. So, so this house has four different foundations. One is stone. Let me think. Stone, uh, concrete block, red brick, and poured concrete. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's a little bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. We're not having to deal with that right now. But last year in the same house. Um, I went through and tested the guy's electrical outlets, and they were really messed up. Mm. So I went through and chased down, had to chase all the wires down through the house, and I found out that there are three generations of wire in the house. There's the <laughs> Back to Edison, huh? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's not unusual to see more than one generation of wiring. Uh-huh. Oh, I understand that, but oh, but my goodness. to have them all still connected is a weird thing. So they have a brand-new circuit box, uh, brand-new, 10 years old, (laughs) that's got Romex wiring in it, modern wiring. Well, you'd follow the wire back so far, and then it would stop, and they would just connect the Romex wiring to the old knob and tube wiring. (laughs) And if there's a ground wire that needed to be there, and knob and tube doesn't use grounds, so they just cut it off and left it. So we have all these outlets that have grounded circuits, grounded outlets, but no grounding to the circuit. Oh, dear. So it was actually really dangerous. But, yeah, that was some crazy stuff. So I, there's like three, there were three different kinds of wiring, the Romex, the knob and tube, and then, I don't know, whatever the one in the middle is called. It's, it's, uh, it's paired wire and it's wrapped in fabric. But. So are you, have you had to tear the whole thing down, or, or, or are you just doing repair jobs to it? I'd chase down one outlet at a time, trying to find out where it was going wrong okay. and um, where where the ground was missing or whatever. And it was some kind of craziness because I'd, I'd find a ground fault and fix it, but then I'd have go through and find out why that when I fixed it, it caused a problem with another outlet. Hmm. <laughs> so it was just, it was just, they, they did some crazy things in the house just that didn't know what they were doing. What a story. Yeah, I'm sorry it wasn't more exciting than that. <laughs> I like auto racing or something. Well, maybe you take that up when you go to Russia. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody told me that... <laughs> when you get back, let us know. <laughs> we'll send the search party out. Well, you know, maybe maybe they need... I don't know how modern Russia is, you know. Maybe they'll go over there and and they don't have modern electricity. No, I don't know. They do. I'm just kidding. Maybe we'll get you a can be their Edison. job in Russia. They pay me like 20 rubles mm-hmm. an hour, which is like four cents or something. It's, their economy is having a hard time. That is true. That's true. It's, you know, so... It will be an interesting experience once you do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. If I Honestly, if I could just travel for a living, like some of these guys I hear about on TV, um, how would we just do that? Well, we about a month ago, we had Dave from Chicago call us, and he have, 
and created a business playing toys, old board games and old toys on YouTube. And he got up, I, I, I got up to 20 million visitors. He, he puts them on YouTube? Yes. How does he make that a business? Uh, well, he, he it's demonstration, and, you know, when you sign up on YouTube, you can have advertising. Right. And right. so every time people want to watch him, he puts up two videos a day, and it's a demonstration of him playing old board games, old toys, and things like that. What a cool idea. Yeah, what a cool idea. And he was the one that years ago had a cookie company and I remember him used to be one of the people who would donate to the auction you know some cookies or whatever and mm -hmm. he was a professional drummer so Tom all you need to do is create a travelogue on YouTube and then we can hear from you wherever you are in the world or something I don't know yeah but I'm not hip or cool enough anymore I mean have you seen the videos that people do I know but the, the way he done it now that he Dave you don't see any all you see is his hands My my hands have been doing construction work, Walt. <laughs> my hands. Well, I mean, you you do YouTube. I remember the Christmas tree, the uh -huh. the, the and not antique, vintage period. Yes, vintage aluminum Christmas tree that you taught people how to put that. together without destroying the tree. The things you remember. Wow. Ah, boy, you better be good. <laughs> We've got everything in our storage banks here. Yeah. But you did, I mean, you did a great job. I thought that was a super educational type thing, and you made it so easy. People look what at did, these things and say, oh, my God, how did Mom and Dad put this together? But did I ever tell you the so secret of that, that video? No. Okay, so I'd been told about these aluminum trees. I'd never known what they were until I moved to Kansas and somebody's talking about it and then showed me one. I thought, that's really cool. I want one. <laughs> so I found one for sale. And so I went out and bought it. And I took it back to my shop. And uh, uh, had my assistant hold the camera. And I unboxed it right there um, on the video. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I was talking, I was just talking as I was opening it, and I was talking as if I knew what I was doing, okay? You certainly did. Right, Patricia? You you thought this guy know, really knows, and he's teaching me how to do this properly? I thought, you know, gosh, people are still scratching their heads from, when when did those things come out? I just, I totally winged it, and I just tried to act like I was talking Oh, great. No, this is going to be a new... Oh, forgive me for asking the expert how, how to do this. Was. Well, I mean, it was really good. And I thought, Thank here you. are these people trying to I, figure out still from the 1950s how to put this flipping thing on the refrigerator door, you know? <laughs> it's just... You know, I mean, that certainly wasn't the refrigerator door, but, you know, it was a sizable little tree. It had all of these aluminum strands that pretended they were needles on a tree, and they were sparkly aluminum, aluminum. No, I guess they weren't. They must have been plastic of some sort. Well, what, when? It, what, in what, what year would you... it be plastic? No, I, I, don't, I don't know what the substance was. What were they made out of, the one that you were playing with and toying with my brain? Oh, 
Mine was definitely aluminum. It was aluminum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. So now okay. let me tell you this. Okay. So you know how I showed the color the color wheel on that, right? Yes. Oh, yes. I was going to mention that in just a minute. And everything glowed back red or yellow or green or blue. Oh, it's so beautiful. But, so now, do you remember the Charlie Brown Christmas cartoon? Yeah. Do you remember when Charlie Brown was so mad because everything was commercialized? Yes. Yes. And, he's, and they're walking through um, the tree lot. They're trying to buy a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And there's all these fake-looking colored trees, right? Right. I swear to you that it has got to be a reference to those aluminum trees. <laughs> it has got to be because it came out in the same era. My tree was uh, early 1960s. And that card okay. must have been in the 60s. Yeah, it was. It was like 65 or something like that. Yeah, so that had to be a reference to those aluminum trees because they were really popular at the time. And Charlie Brown hated them. He hated that they were everything was modern yeah. and commercialized. Yeah. So just think of that when you think of my little aluminum tree. It's a Charlie Brown. It's a, it's it's a, a Charlie a, Brown tree. Charlie Brown reject. Because he didn't want one like that. He wanted the the, the, the real mm-hmm. tree that was. It's so uh, funny yeah. that Homer a couple of years ago sold a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Friends, my mom bought it, so we still put that one up around here. I have one too. <laughs> I do, with the little red uh-huh. ornament, yeah. the, the spindly little sticks coming out of it and the one red ornament. Yeah. I got one of them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a classic story. And, um... Well, I think that's pretty good. That you, you know, that, that's exactly what Dave does. Walt and I went up and looked at some of his, and he opens them brand new package mm-hmm. he said why are you doing that he said because i want people to understand if i have a problem with the toy this is not a perfect toy i'm not going to dig around until i find you know he, he tells it like it is i mm-hmm. guess is the best expression and that's what you were doing with your christmas tree kind of learning as you went yeah well i was just winging it so i was faking it Well, Alden, do you remember at the delayed. beginning of the show I said there were some things I never wanted to know? Yes. This is one of them. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're, breaking, oh. you're breaking Patricia's heart, Tom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well. Terrible. Poor woman out the window. <laughs> we, I started the show with something I pulled out of Smithsonian this week, that they have finally un leashed or un, uncapped on something or other, discovered. I hate it, discovered, but okay, discovered. The substance that makes fireflies blink. And I, I just didn't want to know that. I wanted to think that they were magical for the rest of my life, and they're not. They've got this chemical substance in them. It sounds so unromantic. Oh. I didn't want to learn that either. Well, you probably don't want to know it's carcinogenic then, do you? Probably not. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> no. Although, I don't want to that know. would make a great, oh my gosh, that would be a great, make a great um, fake news story to pass around on Facebook. Very you? good. Don't catch fireflies because they'll, the radiation will, yeah, there we are. There you go. You got, you got a story. 
Thanks, Patricia. And we'll protect You're the welcome. fireflies in the meantime. <laughs> we can. That would protect the fireflies. That would. That would. Think how many people caught fireflies and put them in a jar over the years, you know? And 98% how many of the population. And yeah. all their friends are now angry and coming back to get That them. is true. Oh. Wait a minute, I you got a story? You got a story to write, Tom? The the, uh, the revenge of the fireflies. Oh, my God. <laughs> the revenge of the fireflies. <laughs> There's a lightning. Wait. It's a light pole. No, wait. It's a bug. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well. Well, Tom, I am just so glad to hear from you tonight. Oh, well. Period. I am. Guys, I appreciate emailing you the other the other day. And, uh... Well, we asked about your song a little while ago, probably while you were sleeping, so we're trying to hunt down Danny Thomas. So... Hopefully we'll come up with an Our idea. family is alerted. Yes. Okay, cool. So, well, maybe we can come up with it. I have, you know, I can find anything on the internet except that. <laughs> I found references to it. I found sheet music that has that song, a sheet music collection on eBay or something, no, a bookstore, that has that song on it. Um, but I couldn't find a recording. Hmm. The sheet music it was like I don't, I, I don't know fifty bucks or thirty bucks for the collection. I didn't want to spend that. Um, Walden, have you checked with that, or have you been able to check with Larry to see what's in his collection? No, I haven't. I haven't done that. But generally, my my generally my music collection is a little bigger than Larry's. So. So okay. So. So you ask Walden. You have asked the world. Well. It's got to be around on a 78 that we need to find and have somebody dubbed it over, basically. That's probably yeah. what we're going to have to do. Well, I wrote to you, Walling, because I figure you're probably one of the both most connected people in the OTR business. Holy cats. Well, hopefully I won't fail you. Well, he really is. I mean, you know everybody. <laughs> do they know him? Depends if they want to or not. I guess so. Yeah, when you're on this receiving end, you can refuse. Well, th think about this. Okay, so you remember the six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon? Yep. The premise is that everybody is connected to everybody else in the world within six degrees of separation, right? That's right. Well, if you know somebody like Walden, <laughs> like one degree of right? I know Walden yeah. knows yep. Hollywood. Yep. That's true. That's your contacts, yeah. And and anyone in Hollywood knows the President of the United States, <laughs> right? Right. Well, not this one now, but the, the former one. <laughs> no? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So thanks to Walden, we're all, like, really, really well-networked and connected. We're, we're, we're really connected. So that way Patricia, Tom, and I should be able to get an invite to the White House next week, right? There we are. Yeah. Do we all want to go? Well, it depends. I could be, I could, uh, I'm very good at directing traffic. We want to send you out, outside with a, with a orange flashlight to direct traffic? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh. 
you don't would believe you, me. Would you prefer, uh, uh, what's the airport out there, Dulles? Would you prefer Dulles, or would you care the White House, or care for the White House parking lot? Oh, I thought we were talking about Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> um, no, I think we got no, Reagan I, there, too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I could do the White House or Mar-a-Lago. I would prefer Mar-a-Lago, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, where is that again? Mar-a-Lago in Florida, his, his home away from home. This will be weekend retreat. But... <laughs> That's right. Ten minutes away from you. Why, why wouldn't you go somewhere far away? I'm, I'm kind of a home bunny. <laughs> okay, you do realize that everyone from Illinois and Wisconsin goes down to Florida to get away, right? Uh huh. So, or, or haven't you noticed those people who can't drive? <laughs> um, oh my dear. <laughs> you have to look at the license plate and, and understand the rules from various states. Um, the, the farm states, uh, the agricultural states, for example, Kansas. Oh, what a question. When you're driving behind a car with Kansas license plates, you just slow down because they will make a left turn from the right turn lane. They're accustomed, but it, it makes sense when you think about it. They're accustomed to driving wide and very slow farm equipment. Okay, but we also don't have four-lane roads. You don't have 10 lanes either, do you? <laughs> we have sections here that now have 10 lanes. Gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to. It, it, it's really congested. Florida. But anyway, Palm Beach Palm Beach is a really nice place. You know? Is it, is it on, I guess it's Palm Beach, not West Palm Beach. But anyway, yeah, that I've only been over to that part of the state twice, and both times were on a working assignment, so I didn't even get to go out and look at what their beaches look like compared to ours. So yeah, that would be a good a good thing for me. That would be a good shtick. You know, you ought to come and uh, visit the ocean up here by Chicago. Mhm. Mm it's called Ocean yes. Michigan. Yeah. Michigan Ocean. Uh -huh. You know, right, the Michigan Ocean. <laughs> How about Michigan Beach, maybe? So you're you're you, you know you stand on the shore and you look across mm. this this ocean, Michigan, and all you see is water. There is no land on the other side. It, so it sure doesn't seem like it. Mm -hmm. That's an ocean. This is Midwest, okay? So it's an ocean. You can't see the shore on the other side. It's an ocean. Well, let me tell you something, Miss Florida. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Kansas. There, there are no jellyfish in our ocean. And there's no alligators wow. in our lake. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, it's safe up here. Uh-huh. Don't get hurricanes. Uh-huh. So maybe... What kind of temperatures do you get? Be up here to the Michigan Ocean. And... <laughs> What kind of temperatures do you get? What kind we of We don't talk about that, I guess. Well, I don't know. I guess probably well, it depends on what time of year. Mhm. Mm like ice fishing? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're having a truthful exchange here. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Polar Bear Club? Oh, 
Oh, sure. Okay, well, there. See, you can grab some culture. Come up here in the wintertime. Uh-huh. Polar Bear Club. Uh-huh. I, I I would be the one on the shore screaming, lunatic, lunatic, lunatic. Oh, my gosh. Walden, they, they jump into winter water that actually has ice flows in it. I was, a, a, I was, a, I was a member of the Polar Bear Club and Boy Scouts. And, really? And, yeah. Wait a minute. Polar Bear swimming in ice-bound well, waters? It was Not five, quite. It was 5 o'clock in the morning and you went swimming in the pool. So it wasn't technically what I did. <laughs> was, was it, was it in but it's uh, cold. Southern California, Walt? Yeah, I think sure was, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you went swimming in like 80 degree water. Yes. <laughs> yes, Tom, I missed that. It wasn't, it wasn't sitting on a block of ice. <laughs> Too funny. Right. But I do have a polar bear bag somewhere in my house, in my Boy Scout collection somewhere. These are guy things. I know. Girls are smarter than guys. I've always well missed that. Girls wouldn't go out and do something like that. <laughs> They'd be on, on shore with the hot cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Or cups of hot coffee, I guess. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, just but for the heck don't of wear it, high heels. None of us do anymore. <laughs> That's not really true. <laughs> That's not really true. You know, I came. I don't know how I came across this on YouTube because I was looking for something quite different. They've got a whole series of YouTubes teaching women how to protect their feet from the <laughs> the shoes that they're having to wear, and they've got pads over here and arches over here. And this this woman wound up with twelve or fifteen items on her foot her foot in wow. order to not kill herself by the end of the day wearing those shoes. Now, if you have oh. to put that much on your feet, why are you buying the things in the first place? Good point. See, some of us are smart. Right, uh, where, uh, yeah, where any? <laughs> they have high heel races. High heel what? Races. Races. Running races. Uh-oh. A bunch of women oh. will wear high heels and sprint over a distance. Um, yeah. Do do they always run with ankle bandages? <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't even know what the shoes looked like. I was busy looking at the legs. <laughs> oh, graduate before you're twenty. <laughs> you're still in that league. Oh, you're funny. You are funny. So seriously, you start running in those things, you will break a leg. You will, and especially the ankle, because or worse, you turn. Or worse, you'll break a heel. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> you, mean, you mean physically or on the shoe? On the shoe. On the shoe, okay. We, we already know women don't care about physical pain. They care about the shoes. <laughs> Didn't we establish that like four minutes ago? Many women. Some of us don't wear any shoes at all. Oh, that's because you're in <laughs> Florida. You can tell us because you're in Florida and it's nice weather all the time and you sit out on the beach all day. Well, one out of 18, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear shoes. 
If I go outside, I have shoes on. Usually. So, my dear, do you still even have a pair of high heel shoes in your closet? I bet you don't. I don't. Oh, my gosh. I have gone through my spare pairs of Reeboks and Nikes and stuff. So I'm going to have to go out. And you know, I've, I've got feet that are very difficult to fit. And if I find a brand and a size and a style that feels good, I'll buy what they have in the store and just put them in the closet. I can't. I mean, so when I say in the store, they usually have maybe three or four pairs, and I will buy at least two. I, I, and if they've got a sale, I'll buy the four. I, I had to buy new tennis shoes uh, a week or so ago. We did. Mm-hmm. Holy cat! They gone. They gone out of sight in terms of cost. I mean, it's just. Mm-hmm. You can you can afford to buy clothes, or you can go naked and wear shoes. <laughs> were yours, Walden? $125 a pair for New Balance. I mean, and, and, and these were not the upscales or anything, just like, you know, walking shoes. Yeah, but yeah. New Balance. Yeah, well, that's about the only story we had. I mean, at least, at least it wasn't Nikes or Reeboks or who knows what those would have been cost like. But it's just, I just, you know. And I was looking at uh, other shoes that I, and then I needed a pair of dress shoes, and so I didn't go for the high end, thank goodness. It was $350. Oh, my God. I mean, good grief. Some of them run into the thousands. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm a... you know? <laughs> oh, we got kids out there who have no shoes at all, and I people know. are spending $1,000 on a pair of sneakers. And, and, and see these sad stories where kill, kids are killing other kids for over a pair of shoes. Yes. You know, they get the, the latest Air Jordans or whatever, and then they just mm-hmm. the whole fight goes over these things. Well, yeah, to be fair, in Chicago, they don't need that kind of a reason to kill each other. Yeah, they do have a bit of an issue, don't they? Holy cats. Oh, my. So I know oh about the thing there, Walden, because I... I am a broke college student. Yes. And um, so I finally wore out this pair of shoes that I've had for two years that were, they were horrible. Anyway, but um, so I went and hit the Goodwill store. Yeah. And I found a pair of, uh, I don't know, basketball shoes. They're basketball shoes, I guess, um, for 10 bucks. Wow. I thought, okay, 10 bucks, I can do it. It's a half a size too big. Okay. I can deal with this. Okay. Because I didn't have 125 no. for shoes. No. Um, so I buy the shoes, and they're like really, they're really, they're, they're Nike brand, okay? Yep. But they're made out of the thinnest material. There's not a spot of leather on them. Um, just they're, they felt really flimsy, and I thought, why on earth do you even have a Nike brand on them? Mm-hmm. So I looked on the internet to find out and make sure that they were legit, right? Right. And they are. And they sell online, I think it was 150 bucks. And they're, they sold their cheap quality, or well, I can't say quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. They're cheap, it's just cheap shoes. But they, sell, they sold that by saying, these are 
very lightweight basketball shoes. <laughs> so Light it's like, okay, so you have, you have a good marketing department. You can sell anything. But that hmm. didn't cost more than $6 to make. Oh, no. Well, remember what was the complaint about Nike using child labor for years in some of the... Yes. In, in, in some of the countries, for third world countries, mm-hmm. and, what four dollars, three dollars a shoe, six dollars a shoe, something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it was, it was really bad PR for Nike for for a long time. Oh my! But I guess people. We need to, to fix the world. Mm-hmm. What? Which which cabinet position would you like, Tom? It, for Your what? Turn. Which cabinet position would you like? We're going to save the world and run for office. Which one would you like? The cabinet position? Uh-huh. No. I'm not sure what the cabinet positions are. <laughs> I mean, I know, what, I know what the cabinet is, but I don't know the different positions. Yeah, well, we've got Secretary of State, Secretary of Education, um, Secretary of, the Secretary of War, <laughs> at the military, um, there are 18 cabinet positions. You know, no from, kidding. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of those. I didn't realize those were the names of the cabinet positions. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So being that I sit behind a computer all the time inside my office, yes. I should probably be Secretary of the Interior. Very good. <laughs> I never okay. get outside. Um, can I get the Secretary of Mowing the Lawn, please, to help me out? Well, considering the Secretary of the Interior cares about the environment, I think you could you could delegate that responsibility. But, okay, so I could have the Secretary of the Environment mow the grass for me? Sure, why not? Because I'm too busy inside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I've got homework, I've got my business to run, and I've got Netflix. What do I need to talk outside for? Oh, gosh. Okay, and Walden's president, and I'd like to be... As far away as I can be. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Why did Walden get president? Because he's smart. Position? Well, huh? Well, I'll be happy to trade out. You, you want to have it, Tom? I'll be happy to trade it for oh, you. Oh, I wouldn't take that with my life dependent. <laughs> it probably would. But, and again, I don't have a cool name like Trump. <laughs> Well, and he cheated a little bit on that. His grandfather changed it from Drumpf. Drumpf? Seriously, Drumpf. Yeah, that was the German name. Oh, no kidding. They, no kidding. D R U M P F. I thought that was just people on Facebook making fun of the name because they don't like President Trump. No, they they could do a lot of things, but um, Drunks was really the family name. All right. Well, a lot of people have changed their names <laughs> over the uh, years. Sure, especially especially coming in from other countries, and a lot depends on the political climate at the time. I don't know. It, his grandfather was part of the um, gold rush, and he was a smart businessman. He said, I'm not going up in those mountains. Only 30% of the people come down. He had all of the concessions on the bottom. You could buy your your material. You could buy um, all of the tools that you need to go hunting for gold. And he earned a good living and stayed on the ground. 
Yeah, who is this? Don. Your grandfather? No, Donald. Uh, Trump's, Trump's grandfather. Must oh, have been his see, great grandfather to be able. I, see, I get my news off of Facebook memes. Uh huh. And I thought that Trump's family were like Nazis and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you reading your news? <laughs> I don't Facebook. know. Facebook. Is this where everybody gets their news, Facebook? Oh, of course, of course. But it's Facebook. <laughs> um, oh, I forget. You don't know what Facebook is. The, the gold rush. Oh. The gold rush predates Nazism. Yeah, Patricia. Right? Patricia has no social media outlets. She's not. She doesn't tweet. She doesn't Facebook. She doesn't, you know, instant message or anything no. like that. Mm-mm. So that's why I had to send an email with a stamp on it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That was good. That was good. But, yes, that, that truly was the family name. I didn't know that. And has started. You know, I'm saying grandfather. But well, I, I, think think Trump, I think Trump dad was in construction. And so it has to yes, be his, grand, his mm-hmm. grandfather or his great-grandfather, probably. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. either one. And I'm thinking about the gold rush was in the latter 1800s, yes? Mm-hmm. Well, 18, well, the one in California, 1848 to 1849. Okay. Okay. So, Wait. maybe it was his great-grandfather. 49, yeah, so 49, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, anyway... Whether it was his grandfather or his great-grandfather, he had good business acumen by setting up supply stores and lodges and all sorts of neat things and never had to leave to risk his life going up into the mountains to mine gold. I was stunned when I read not very long ago that only 30% of the miners came back alive. That's Pretty high mortality rate, isn't it? Yeah, I think Leon. I, would think so. I think Leon Stanford uh, did the same thing because he wound up, you know, that's where Stanford University comes from. It that mm-hmm. all that money, and that's what they did. They just sold their supplies. Yep, they didn't. There's put a lot of danger. A lot of businesses back then, like um, in the westward expansion, which the gold rush certainly helped. Yes, the pioneers are going across. Um, Kansas. When I moved to Kansas, I mm-hmm. learned a lot more about that. I'd read about the Old West and stuff in the storybooks growing up. Mm-hmm. Moving out to Kansas, that's where that stuff happened. I was, okay. A few years ago when I was in Kansas, I, I put my hand on the train track. The, the wagon the wagon tracks are still there in some of the areas of Kansas and Nebraska, Patricia. You can put your hands and feel the train tracks. I mean, that, the wagon tracks. That is very, very true. Is that cool or what? Well, yeah, it's amazing. That's that was something that blew me away when I got there. That somebody showed me the wagon ruts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the crops are growing in the fields, you can tell because the crops grow differently right in those wagon ruts. Never do I never do that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, the grass, the, the crops grow just slightly differently, and so when you're looking at this big field that had a wagon mm-hmm. trail through it, mm-hmm. um, the plants are just different. You can see the different coloring. And it's probably, I mean, it's color because it's like, um, like they grow a little shorter or something. I don't know what it is exactly, but you can see it. 
So Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Where did you where did you uh, where did you feel those uh, wagons? Oh gosh, my guess is close to uh, the Nebraska southern border, and I've been close to Superior, Nebraska, and so I've been to can the uh, town uh, next to that in Kansas. So that's sort of what I remember it. I think. Now, when were you there? <laughs> As an adult or as a kid? Yeah, well, um, we went back to a family reunion about, uh, at the last time I was in that part of the state was about 2010, 2009. No kidding. Yeah. Cause that's you guys how close I am? That's, that's really close to Chad and really close to me. No kidding. Yeah, because if, if you're in Superior, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. um, that's where my dad was born. Okay, well, see, my town is Belleville, Kansas. Okay. Which is just south on 81, 13 miles south of the, the Nebraska line. So I guess it's maybe half an hour, 45 minutes from Superior. Yeah, my, my, I guess my dad's family homesteaded the lands there in, in that part of Nebraska. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, man, it would be fascinating to see the abstract on your property up there. Well, also, think of this. My my dad's grandfather, so that'd be my great grandfather, lost two fortunes because um, where the homestead was the riverbed, of course. You know, you, you when you homestead everybody, you want to be close where the water's at because that's where you know you're gonna grow things. That's your sustenance. Yeah. the cattle. Right. And around 1917, he lost a hundred thousand dollars of cattle going right down the river. There's a big flood or something? Yep, it was. It, it was a flood. Oh, my $100,000. $100,000 of cattle. Holy cow. And, and when was this? 1917. Around the year? 1917. And then about, it happened again in, in the 30s. And my grandfather said, that is it. He was moving back in town. My his grandmother didn't want to give up the farm, you know, but, but... What any time that a flood came in that part, what my dad remembered as a kid, what they would do. They would put all the furniture in the second level of these farmhouses, and then she would tell the family, open up all the doors, all the windows, because this way all the mud will roll into the house and roll out. If yeah. you if you if you close it then then you're gonna have all this mud to clean up. Right. And so, my, and my dad said it was remarkable to take all that mud that went in the house and it moved out. But, but that was fairly, uh, that was fairly common, I guess, in into the early thirties, that they would have that kind of flooding issues in wow. that part of the state. And it still gets, what still gets me that my grandmother, my great grandmother, did not have electricity until nineteen forty eight. Oh. That's a pretty. It, it, think of it. I mean. Here, you, you were talking only now, what, 70 years ago that parts of our country had no electricity at all. Um, gee whiz, did you know there were places in Nebraska that got telephones before they had electricity? I never knew that. There is something major, and I think Chad probably knows better. Okay, than yeah. Something major with telephones in Nebraska. <laughs> There's a telephone wow. museum up that way, too. 
Well, the next time we get, she had to call from the treehouse, we have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and he does oh, that for us. A grand piano up there in the treehouse. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Well, wait, we keep I, I don't even think he has a treehouse. He's only got limbs. He sits in the tree. Okay. <laughs> he does. I thought that was so cool. And he would go through all of that to call in and say hi. One thing about Chad, when when I'm with him, he runs. You know, it's interesting. He he everything is full speed with Chad. Hmm. Yeah. He he wants to get there in time to play for the next show. Oh oh oh. Yeah yeah he's full speed. Oh gosh. I've gone to a concert of his mm-hmm. uh, there in Nebraska. Uh, that was years ago because I was living right there, so we did concerts there. Yeah, I wish he was playing the violin or something. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was playing something. The guy plays pretty much anything. I think he could pick it up and play it. He was told he he's now picked up the saw. He said, you can play the saw. And I said, okay. Chad, as long as it's not a very fast tune, you can almost play everything on the saw. But if, it, if it's a rhythm tune, it, it doesn't work as well. Well, see if he can play one on a skill saw next. <laughs> Rock and roll music. Twang, twang. <laughs> this is good. We this lost is Patricia. Good. Oh, no, she is. She was. There she is. Right, so, Patricia, what I'm instrument here. do you play? What instrument do you play, Patricia? <laughs> Let me think. Uh, no, I can bang pots and pans, but that's about it. What now? I said I can bang pots and pans, but uh, that's about it. Oh, well, that's great because you've you've heard of stomp, haven't you? Mm-hmm. That's what they do for a living. Hmm. And I'm sure all the actors there are saying, "See, mom, mom, I told you." <laughs> Oh, about, about pots and pans. You, you, what are you doing, Matt, for? That's true. Never going to make a living doing that. Well, Mom? <laughs> okay. Here are two tickets for my, <laughs> for my outstanding show at Carnegie Hall. Right. Oh, gee. Well, well, Tom, I have to sort of, it's almost 4 o'clock here, and I'm dying. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I either, I either have to say good night and leave you with Walden, or say good. I don't know what. What? I'm sure I've stepped the line quite a bit. Um, oh, we're glad you, we haven't heard from you in a while, so we are super glad you graduated here in two weeks. For crying out loud! I know that's insane, isn't it? I know. Well, can't believe it. Remember, and you're going uh, to let us know that you got to Tempe, Arizona, safely, right? Yeah, I've been watching the news, and they have apparently killer bees out there. So. Oh, dear <gasps> Well, actually, we've got them everywhere. How bad are they out there? Really bad, huh? Well, I get warnings from the university all the time. <laughs> they watch out for a swarm of bees at this intersection. I'm like, okay. I guess I'll figure out where oh. it is when I get there, but I had no idea. Because they're talking about a bee shortage, right? No, honeybees. Honeybees, honey yeah. 
and then I'm seeing this, the warnings from Arizona that they have too many bees. So I thought, you know, they should probably put them all in a truck, take them up to the soy. <laughs> Ship them. Yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. And integrate our schools, put them on a school bus. Um, I don't know. These are all honeybees that are having the problems here in the east. I'm gathering that's the same problem across the, across the country. Yeah, but some of. kind of a some kind of a bug. I mean, when I say bug, I mean like a virus or <clears throat> some kind of an illness that spreads from hive to hive. And it's really really doing great damage. And then you're lucky enough to have the killer bees, which are a cross between honeybees and the African bee. Right. And it didn't work. It didn't work so well that when they escaped, this is what we're left with. Yes, and I wonder, though, this is the one I don't have an answer for, is if those Africanized honeybees mm-hmm. still produce honey. They do. Because if they do, I love honey. So <laughs> You're going to go collect it? I guess I'm going to find a whole lot of people with you. Well, maybe you want to become a beekeeper, Tom. There we are. I could do that. I tried that in my yard here in Illinois, and the neighbors didn't care for it. <laughs> oh. Then, then I learned you oh. do it out on acreage, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and where they can find clover and stuff like that there. Yeah, they didn't like that I set it up right in the park across the street. <laughs> I would think not. I would think not. But I tell you, how many frisbee golfers from uh, spending too much time out there? Uh huh. There you go. You can keep your area clean. Um, Hold on. How, how many goals? Uh, say that again, please. I said when you build the hive mm-hmm. in the goal. Yeah. For the uh, in the baskets for the frisbee golfers. Mm-hmm. Oh. They tend to run to the. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. How many bees do you estimate you had when you were making people crazy? <laughs> I wasn't doing that. <gasps> I am so gullible. Hey, Patricia, I am only here for entertainment value. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job. We ought to give you some tips. Walden, did oh, you think he was talking about the real enough. thing? Wait, our Tom, I would not been surprised, you know? Did you think he was talking about the real thing? Got to be honest, Dan. Well, you know, in Tennessee, I had seven acres, and I wanted to do something like that there, but it wasn't wasn't time to do it, and they started building subdivisions around me. Mm. Now, yeah. it would, it would <laughs> around I, I would expect Tom to do that, but I guess he, he to waited. To do what? Oh, to do the bees? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it I, I would. Yeah. It's, it, not, it's not like uh, putting Pope Francis maybe, out there saying, come little bees. Maybe, yeah. maybe he'll do it in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, set up a beekeeping business. Yeah. So. You're a hoot. You're a hoot. <laughs> okay. Right to the Chamber of Commerce and just ask him that. Hey, I'm, I've been considering bringing a bee business to your state. Too I'm, I'm looking for some federal funding to keep the bee, the bee <laughs> you know, 
Oh, wait, I could go in the EpiPen business. There you go. Oh, boy, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. And and a whole bunch of other medications because they are untangling. Tiva is, is an Israeli company that has always had a good reputation, and it was found as part of a price-fixing group. There were three pharmaceutical productions or producers and Tiva was one of them. I can't remember what the other two are, but they're out price fixing as well. And I think, I mean, in our current state of affairs, with something like an EpiPen going for a thousand dollars, you always get them in a pack of two, but that doesn't make it any easier. Um, gee whiz, rotten stuff. Now, where can we buy some stock? <laughs> no, huh? Not at the moment. Not at the moment, no. <laughs> We're a little little fragile here. Sure. But, oh, this was Saturday, so Friday is the last. Okay. All right. Down another 40 today. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to leave you guys, or one of you leave me, or something. It's 4 a.m. Bong! It just bonged here. Yeah, well, you know, if you lived in the Midwest, it would only be 3 o'clock. But I don't. Well, then. Well, and if you lived uh, in California, geez, is it only like one o'clock? Only one. It's only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. So with that, Tom, I will say g- good morning to you. Yeah, and to you guys as well. All right, glad you called. Keep it posted this summer. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, see. I learned <laughs> new like Russian terms or something. Perfect. In case yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You have to learn a whole new alphabet, too. Wow. Spooky. Okay. Well, Tom, I am just so happy that you called in and said, hey, because I even recognized your voice, but I was afraid to say it in case it was somebody else, which I have done. So, I mean, this was not unprecedented (laughs) fear. Um, Well, i got to have a good face for radio. That's right. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I have a good, oh, dear. My brain has been just out to lunch these days. So, okay. See Thank you, you Tom. Tom. Bye-bye. Okay. Das Take care of you. Don't you? You bet. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, guys. That's our last phone call. So, my dear, should we just go off to Buffalo? Shuffle off to Buffalo? Uh-huh. Oh, boy. I have a question for you before we go. Yeah, I would like that. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> I'm kind of wiped out here. Yeah. Um. This has been a wipeout week. Did I, oh, yeah, I did tell you I had the fire department <laughs> make an unexpected visit. Yeah. I told you that, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. I'll tell you. You know, one day when I write all of this, people won't believe it. They'll just say, oh, it's some goofball trying to set up a new sitcom. It would be a bestseller by Patricia. <laughs> oh, dear me. Yes, that would that would be terrific. I was starting to say something. And I forgot it. You said, do we want to go? Do we, do we want to shuffle off to Buffalo? And you said, shuffle off to Buffalo. And I said, that's a great idea because I'm poop. Yes. I know. I have led myself to my final question for you. Yes, my dear. I have not had a cup of coffee in at least three weeks, I'll say. Okay. Not because I don't have it, not because I don't like it. It's because strictly it is so challenging to get to the kitchen yes. and make something. Yes. And, you know, so yeah. I have just said, 
So am I hyper? Am I not hyper? Aaron, am I more mellow? Or there is no difference? There's no difference. Hmm. I think that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> no, I don't think it affects you. I really don't think coffee affects you. I didn't think so either. Mm -mm. But I thought I would not be the one to know. It would be other people. Well, so you are my other people. I'm your other people, and I said no. I have no, not noticed any effects. That's great. I'm going to go make a pot of coffee. Please do. Yes. All right, with that, everybody, Patricia and I will be back next month. Can you believe it? Oh, yes. Next month will oh. be May, May 6th. So, Patricia and I will be Oh, my gosh. Back. We're almost half over. <laughs> we'll, we'll be celebrating Christmas okay. in July before you know it. And so, stuff That's like that. true. Too. That's true. I have to get in touch with Toys for Talk. That's true. Um, keep us on the list. All right, my dear. Go to bed or do something. I will go to bed, and I will say goodnight to our family before I do. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. We have more and more squirrely shows. This was kind of squirrely. Like, I like them. I like them. Thank you for being part of it. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Get some sleep. Good night, everybody. We love you all very, very much. Old man sunshine. Listen you, don't you tell me dreams come true. Just try it, and I'll start a riot. Beatrice Fairfax, don't you dare ever tell me he will care. I'm certain it's the final curtain. I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyannas who tell you fate supplies a mate. It's all bananas. They're writing songs of but not for me A lucky star's above But not for me With love to lead the way I found more clouds of gray Than any Broadway play I was a fool to fall and get that way. Hi-ho, alas, and also lack a day. But still I can't dismiss the memory of his kiss I guess he's not
Jaws Professional 1. Fibber McGee and Molly Rust. Alt Tab 19. Alt Tab. Sound Forge Pro 